You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... No! Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, November 27, 2017. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani back inside our New York City studio. Hope you had a lovely weekend. If you celebrated Thanksgiving, hope you had a very nice one with family and friends. One of the great holidays of the calendar year. I enjoyed mine very much. And speaking of things I'm thankful for, I am thankful that uh, I feel a lot better than I did last week at this time. I appreciate everyone who bared with me last week. That was a tough one to do. I was not feeling well. There was a point during the middle of the show where I thought to myself, I wonder if I just lie down on the floor right here, if, uh, if anyone would notice, if I could just take a nap. And then I was freezing, and then I was boiling, and then I was freezing, and then I was shivering. It was a tough one. It was a doozy, but uh, we got through it, and uh, it was a fun show, though I don't remember much of it. But most importantly, I, I, I am thankful that I feel better, and I'm thankful that all of you bared with me. I didn't want to break our streak, our consecutive streak that we've got going here in uh, 2017. We have not missed a week yet. We will miss one at the very end because Christmas falls on a Monday, but we're still intact. We've got our Iron Man streak still intact, and I didn't want to break that. So uh, I'm happy that week is behind us, and I'm happy that we've got a loaded show this week on the program. There is much to discuss with many different interesting personalities from the world of mixed martial arts. We've got a very busy weekend coming up in the world of MMA. Of course, UFC 218 is this Saturday from Detroit Rock City, the brand new Little Caesars Arena in the heart of Detroit, downtown Detroit. My third time going to Detroit. My second time was UFC 123. Of course, that event took place at the Palace at Auburn Hills in uh, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. Rampage Jackson versus Leona Machida. Jose Aldo was crowned champion that night, if you recall. Now he's going to fight for the belt once again on Saturday. So some nice synergy there. Uh, He didn't fight at 123, but they had a mini ceremony in an empty arena, which was a bit strange in front of the media. Um, So that was my second time. My first time was back in 1998. I was a member of the Montreal Junior Maccabi basketball team. And uh, we did not win a game. I uh, was one of the captains of the team, and it was a great experience. In fact, uh, my host family, uh, they were next-door neighbors with Grant Hill, who was a star for the Detroit Pistons at the time. So that was my first experience in Detroit, second 123. Going for the trifecta this week, I'm looking forward to that, but that's not all as far as MMA action is concerned. We've also got the UFC's Ultimate Fighter finale on Friday. They'll be crowning their first-ever women's flyweight champion, and Bellator is back with a women's featherweight Title fight. Also, speaking of women, a lot of uh, important women's fights this weekend. Glory's got a women's title fight as well. So there's a lot going on in the world of combat sports. We have a lot to discuss with a lot of different people. I'm going to run down today's lineup, and then we're going to talk a bit about the week that was, because a lot went on um, in China, of all places, this past weekend, and uh, some other things happened as well that I wanted to touch on before we got to our first interview of the day. So at 125, uh, we'll talk to Emil Mech. Is he fighting at UFC 219? Is he not fighting at UFC 219? What the heck is going on with Valhalla Mech? Is he fighting Kamaru Usman? Does he have a visa? Does he not have a visa? We'll talk to Norway's own Emil Mech at 125. 145, Matt Mitrione will stop by, and Matt Mitrione is officially a part of the Bellator 
heavyweight tournament, aka their Grand Prix. They officially announced the bracket last week. Mitrione Nelson 2, Fyodor versus Frank Mir, King Mo versus Ryan Bader, and Rampage Jackson gets his wish. He's fighting Chael Sonnen. And so we'll talk to Matt Mitrione about that. The bracket, what he thinks of the heavyweight tournament. Remember last week on the program, Chael Sonnen said if he was someone like a Matt Mitrione, he probably would be a bit annoyed that he has to go through a tournament to fight for the belt because you can make a case that he's the number one contender after beating Fedor Emelianenko back in June. So we'll talk to him about that. At 2.05, Tiffany Van Sus, Tiffany Timebomb, the glory super bantamweight champion will be stopping by in studio. How about that? Tiffany Timebomb will be in studio. I look forward to that. She is competing this Friday at the Glory 48 Super Fight Series at the Mecca. Well, not quite at the Mecca, the theater next door to the Mecca, but the same thing, Madison Square Garden Theater. She is uh, fighting Anissa Mexen for the title she won just a few months back. Of course, she's also fighting for Invicta these days. So I'm looking forward to having Tiffany Timebomb. We actually share a few things in common, believe it or not. Nothing to do with our athletic skills, our combat sports prowess, but we do share a few things in common. So we'll be talking to Tiffany Van Sust at 2.05 after the Matt Mitrione interview. At 2.45, we'll be speaking to Roy McDonald. Is he really trying to get into this heavyweight tournament? What's going on with that? What's he wearing today? How does he feel about the turtleneck after the hullabaloo when he came out wearing that black turtleneck just a uh, few weeks back. So we'll talk to Roy McDonald at 2.45, of course, GSP winning. There's a lot to talk to the Red King about at 2.45. At 3.10, we'll be speaking to Paige Van Zandt. As always, she is often in the news. What's going on with her next fight? Uh, why'd she tweet out that she's fighting for the belt? People claiming that she ducked fights, her recent health issues. So much to talk to PVZ about. We'll talk to her at 3.10. 3.30, we'll talk to Ben Askren. He defeated Shinya Aoki, uh, Aoki excuse me, over the weekend in his retirement fight. But is it really his retirement fight? What's going on with Ben Askren? We'll talk to him at 3.30. And then at 3.50, we'll be speaking to Eddie Alvarez about his big fight at UFC 218. Um, that's this weekend against Justin Gaethje. Is it a number one contender fight? Are we still friends? All that and more will be answered when Eddie Alvarez stops by at 3.50. At 4.10, we'll have Rick's picks. At 4.30, we'll be joined by the big winner this past weekend, Kelvin Gaslam. By now you know Kelvin Gaslam defeated Michael Bisping in Shanghai. He knocked him out in the first round. Beautiful one-two combo. Hit him with the right, then the big left. Dropped Michael Bisping. Slipped a punch. It was beautiful. It was textbook. It was, it was as smooth as butter. And it's a big win for Kelvin, but you kind of feel a bit weird about the whole thing because Michael Bisping was involved and he just fought three weeks prior. Hold that thought because I want to talk a little more about that fight and about Michael Bisping's involvement in that fight. But first, let me tell you about our good friends over at Toyo Tires. They're today's title sponsor of the MMA Hour. UFC fighters are tough. You know what else is tough? Toyo Tires. That's why Toyo has been a proud sponsor of the UFC. Just like the UFC fighters, Toyo Tires are built for battle. It's an all-or-nothing philosophy. Durability, aggressive design, on- and off-road capabilities, yes to all of them. Living life on the highway, Toyo has you covered. Spending some serious time off-road, they have a tire for that too. No matter what you drive, Toyo has what you need. And frankly, these tires just look damn cool. Any vehicle, every terrain, all or nothing, Toyo Tires. The next time you need tires, ask for Toyo. To experience more, go to toyotires.com. 
backslash UFC. That's toyotires.com backslash UFC. We most certainly appreciate their support. Okay, so UFC in Shanghai, their first event in mainland China. It was supposed to be Kelvin Gastelum versus Anderson Silva. They've been trying to make this fight for quite some time. Of course, you find out a couple of weeks ago, right after 217, Anderson Silva provisionally suspended by the United States Anti-Doping Agency. Not much in terms of updates there, but the UFC left scrambling for a suitable headlining act. This is a big deal. A lot of suits were there. They've been trying to get into China for quite some time. Macau doesn't quite cut it. They want to be in Shanghai. They want to be mainland China. This is a very big deal for a martial arts company, right? There's a lot of politics involved. They want to get there and they want to have a great main event. Certainly, the card was a little bit light. I mean, they had some local stars, if you will, but they needed some big draws at the top. So what happens? Horrible day at Zufa. They find out Anderson is suspended provisionally. We'll see what happens with that. But who the hell are they going to call on two weeks notice to fly over to China and fight someone like Kelvin Gaslam, a young stud like Kevin Gaslam, looking to get back on track after the loss to Chris Weidman. It turns out they didn't have to call anyone. Michael Bisping called them. Michael Bisping, as he said on this program, was listening to Sirius XM Radio. He was listening to our colleague, Luke Thomas, talking about Anderson Silva being out. Hears about this. Text Dana White. Says, I know a guy. Dana White says, who? He says, me. He, Dana White says, interesting. Bisping said, yeah. A couple hours later, the fight is made. Michael Bisping offered up his services. Now, Michael Bisping was also medically suspended by the New York State Athletic Commission due to what happened at UFC 217, dropped by George St. Pierre in the third round, choked out, loses his belt. 30-day medical suspension. Now, I don't pay too much attention to these medical suspensions because they're kind of done willy-nilly and they're easy to reverse. All you need is to see another doctor, you know, coordinate with the commission. And where there's a will, there's a way. And that was pretty evident in this particular case. Of course, usually a losing fighter doesn't come around and try to fight, you know, three weeks later, especially one of this stature. But what happened? Bisping did some tests. New York was okay with it. They signed off on it. Bisping is allowed to go out to China to fight a young stud like Kelvin Gaslam, and he gets knocked out in a matter of minutes. And it wasn't just your ordinary knockout. This, this knockout reminded me of Rashad Evans and Chuck Liddell back at UFC 88. It was one of those like, you know, you're, you're shot with a cannon, like your body just collapsed. It was hard to watch especially because you still kind of felt like he was getting over both mentally, emotionally, and physically the loss to GSP. And so I saw a lot of people after the fact say, you know, this is bad for the sport. We need to be better than this. He should have never been in there. They should have never let him fight. All very good points, but I'll say this to that. A, if you felt that way after the knockout, you should have said that before the fight because the knockout really doesn't change anything. He should have never been in there. He should have never fought. We should be better than this. The knockout makes it worse, but nothing really changes as a result of the knockout. It was too soon. Now, do I blame Michael Bisping for volunteering? No, he's a fighter. That's what we love about him. He's going to do that sort of thing. Do you hope that his coaches, his team, his training partners, his family stood up and said, hey, Mike, if you're not feeling it, Let's live to fight another day. The payday is nice, 
but your long-term health isn't worth it. Yeah, you hope those conversations happen. Do I understand why the UFC said yes? Yes, I absolutely understand why the UFC said yes. Like I said, big deal for them. They're unveiling in China, mainland China. They need a big headliner. Who better than the former champion, Michael Bisping? Affable, promotable, goes in there, sells the damn thing. They're promoting the show. They're sanctioning the show. What are they going to do? Say no, we'll go with Sam Alvey? No, it's not, and that's no disrespect, but he's just not a big name. So I understand why they said yes, and I understand why they welcomed this idea with open arms. The, the onus really falls on the New York State Athletic Commission, and it's somewhat ironic because on this program, I was actually applauding the New York State Athletic Commission for how they handled 217. From beginning to end, from the weigh-ins to the actual fight night, the fights involved, I thought that it was their best showing since New York had finally legalized MMA almost two years ago. I thought it was their absolute best showing. They seemed competent on the ball. They knew what they were doing. Why did they reduce that suspension from 30 to 70 days? I know my colleague Mark Mundy reached out to them initially. They didn't have much comment. I hope they comment today when he reaches out again. Why did they reduce it? And how do they feel now that he that he was knocked out? He... You know, the, the, the New York State Athletic Commission had no skin in this game. They have nothing to do with Shanghai. The UFC would have had to abide by their rules, by their suspension, if they stuck to the 30 days. They had to. New York, they're influential. And they reduced it. Why? What did they see? How do they feel about it now? Was it worth it? You know, I don't want to advocate for, for, for Michael to not make money, especially at the end of the, the career here, and what a great career it has been, but you did feel kind of weird about it. And I didn't necessarily feel weird from Michael's perspective because he asked for it. If the UFC would have called him and said, hey, champ, how you feeling a week later? Man, I would have a big problem with that. But he asked for it. He went to them. Now, we can make an argument that someone should be stopping him from doing that, that fighters are going to be fighters and someone needs to be, you know, the smart person in the room. Fine. That conversation could be, you know, happening all day. But if the UFC went out and tried to coerce him, convince him to take that fight, that would have been a big issue. But that didn't happen. So I can't necessarily blame the UFC for taking him up on the offer after New York cleared him. And I don't blame Michael. And, and I know that his team and family were in a tough spot. But New York, why did you reduce it? Why did you reduce that? Why did you have to do that? Was it really necessary? Did you really have to do that? And what kind of damage is this going to do to Michael Bisping? We'll never really know. I will say this though, definitively, Michael Bisping should not be fighting in March. And I would say that to him. In fact, he asked me privately what I thought of the fight. And I was like, you know, emotionally, I, I just don't know if, if, if this is a smart idea for you right now. Why? And he said it's strictly, you know, he, he said it on this show as well. It's a payday. It's two for the price of one. It's two paydays for the price of one training camp. But March is, that's three months away, that card essentially. Why? Don't do it. It's not worth it. Please do not do it. There'll be another one in the UK. There'll be Scotland. There'll be somewhere down the line in Europe, if not in Vegas, if not the next year in London. Don't fight in March. Take a break. Your brains have now been scrambled twice. I know you're the toughest man alive. I can't even dream of doing what you do. I can't even dream. But for all of us, for yourself, for your family, after all the injuries, after all the wars, after all the knocks to the head, there's no sense in fighting in March. There really isn't. Don't do it. I know it's picture perfect. I know it's great to go out. But you know what? We've got plenty of time. Book a show in Manchester in October. Go there. Do it in his hometown. 
He's not from London. He's from Manchester. Dude, there. Go to freaking Cyprus. But don't go, don't go booking Michael Bisping in March. Not after what happened on Saturday. Let's be smarter than that. Now it's on the UFC to say, you know what? Enough's enough. I get it. They took him Shanghai. They needed, but now they could say, you know what? It pay, it's a perfect time, but no, I don't want to see him fight Rockhold. I don't want to see him fight Romero. I don't want to see him fight Gaslam again or Vitor Belfort or, 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 or Robert Whitaker or any of these people. I don't want to see it. I just don't want to see it. Not in March. In July, in, in, in August, in October, in December, next March, fine, but not then. Let's, let's just slow down for a second. So that happened this weekend. I'm sure we'll talk more about what this means for the uh, middleweight division and who should be getting the next title shot if GSP isn't available and Whitaker wants to fight in Perth. Is it Gaslam who's been campaigning? Is it Luke Rockhold? Is it Chris Weidman? We forget about Weidman. Weidman beat Gaslam in July. What happened to that fight? Why don't we talk about that fight? So we'll see what happens. Now, outside of that fight, other big news this past week, and I am shocked that isn't that it isn't being talked about more. A former UFC fighter was given a 10-month jail term for taking a bribe in a match-fixing scam. You know how big of a deal that is, my friends? That is a huge freaking deal. Pete Rose was banned from baseball for betting on baseball. One of the greatest players in the history of baseball was banned from baseball for betting on baseball. He didn't even try to fix the games. He was just a manager betting on his own team. Taehyun Bang tried to fix a fight. This is a report that came out three days ago from the Korea Herald. South Korea, South Korean mixed martial arts fighter Bang Taehyun was sentenced for 10 months in prison by a local court Friday for his involvement in a match-fixing scam. The Seoul Central District Court said Bang was found guilty of taking a bribe of 100 million won, which is around $92,160 from match-fixing brokers in exchange for throwing about at the Ultimate Fighting Championship event in South Korea in 2015. We're talking about a UFC fight here. Three brokers who handed money to Bang also received jail term, uh, terms for their misdeed. According to the investigative authorities, Bang agreed to lose the first round, first two rounds, excuse me, against Leo Kuntz at UFC Fight Night 79 in Seoul on November 28, 2015. The scam, however, didn't succeed as the lightweight fighter apparently changed his mind at the last moment and went on to beat Kuntz in a split decision. Bang reportedly decided not to throw the match after UFC officials warned him about fight fixing following a sudden shift in betting patterns on gambling websites. 34-year-old Bang was first listed as a slight favorite against Kuntz, but just hours before the fight, UFC officials caught drastic changes in odds that made him the underdog and his American opponent the overwhelming favorite. Now, Bang no longer a part of the UFC, going to jail now for 10 months. Again, this according to the Korea Herald. And amazingly, this happened in the UFC. Now, let's not even talk about the fact that it completely flew under the radar. It was Thanksgiving weekend. Um, major mainstream outlets didn't really pay all that much attention to it. But this is a massive, massive black eye for the sport and the organization. Now, let me be very clear. No one is accusing the UFC of any wrongdoing. No one is saying the UFC had any part in this. In fact, kudos to the UFC officials who went to him after seeing the line shift drastically and said, hey, we're watching you. Don't try any funny business. Well done. And that's exactly why I am shocked on this Monday afternoon, 1.19 p.m. Eastern time, there is no comment whatsoever from the UFC on this matter. This is a matter that, that dates back to April. It first came out in April. And then in August, he was charged. And then, and then three days ago, the news came out about 
the jail sentence that he was like, it didn't just happen two days ago. This story has been percolating for quite some time. And this isn't like Connor running into the cage at a Bellator event in Dublin or, or Verdum hitting Colby Covington with a boomerang or a, a, a Volkan Ozdemir getting arrested or Covington using a homosexual slur or Connor using this one is black and white. This is the easiest one to tackle. This is one that you have the statement ready even before the jail sentence. Without a doubt, we don't care who you are. We don't care where you're from. We don't care where you're ranked. We don't care what belt you're holding. We don't care how big of a superstar you are. If you are accused, if it is deemed, if we believe that you had anything to do with fixing a fight, you are banned for life. You are never welcome back here and we will make it our mission to ban you from the sport of MMA. We can't have that under our watch. This is the easiest one. Eh, Connor jumping into the cage and Beltor, that's a bit tricky. He's a big star. It's another event. He wasn't licensed. Okay, I get that. that. That one you have to massage. That takes a boardroom and some executives and some PR pros. This one is easy. Put out that statement. No one under no uncertain terms, will ever be welcome back into this cage, into this organization. If we believe that you had anything to do, even if you got cold feet, if you had anything to do, if you're talking to people about this, you are banned for life. Banned for life. Never welcome back. Where is that? Where's that statement? How come it hasn't come out yet? It's been three, four days now. The story came out in August. What's going on? Again, no one accusing the UFC of any involvement. Kudos to them for stepping up and warning him and giving him the cold feet. But why aren't we? And, and it's like back in the day, we had this situation where Dana White used to do these scrums and he addressed everything under the sun, much to the chagrin of some of the PR people, right? He, like he talked too much. But now we've gone the complete opposite where they don't say anything at all about anything at times. There's a state of transition going on. It's all part of the story of 2017 about the new leadership, who's in charge, what's the direction, what are they doing? Here we are a year and a half later, we still haven't heard from the new owners. We still don't even know what their direction is, what their vision is, where they want to take this thing. This is the easiest one of them all. This is a softball down the middle. Knock it out of the park. Easy. Put it out. Thursday of Thanksgiving, done. No one notices it. No room for that in our sport. Absolutely none. Banned for life. Okay, before we get to our first guest of the day, how about the big news? The biggest news of them all. The biggest, best news of them all. Our New York Rick. He is a daddy. How about it? Da-da-da-da-da. Simmon tub, a mazel tub, a mazel tub, a simmon tub. Simmon tub, a mazel tub, a mazel tub, a simmon tub. Simmon tub, a mazel tub, a mazel tub, a simmon tub. He's a proud papa. Look at him. He looks completely different. Wow. When we first met him, he had no facial hair. He had short hair. Now he's a dad. He's changing diapers. He's cleaning tuchuses. It's great. Mazel tub. Thank you. How are we doing? How are we feeling? Feeling great. My wife just checked in with me oh. um, and let me know that uh, Avery's first... Avery, what a beautiful uh, name. ...appointment with the pediatrician went perfectly, and uh, she's A-OK. So when did it happen? It happened on Thanksgiving Day, so... What a miracle. At around 1.30 p.m. on um, the day before Thanksgiving, my wife's water broke, so I rushed home. Took her to the hospital, which is far away. It was in the city, and we live out in Queens. And um, 
her water broke, but she wasn't having contractions. So they had to give her some medicine to kind of induce that. And then at around three, actually exactly at 3.28 a.m. on Thanksgiving Day, my baby Avery was born. Wow. Avery, middle name? Emma. Emma Jackman. Jackman. Avery with an I, not with a Avery Y. Avery with an I. What a beautiful name. What, uh, what's the, uh, the root of that name? Where, where's it coming from? People will know that my wife didn't want to give the baby a name until it was born. Okay. But I heard the name Avery, loved it. We went through tons of names, heard the name Avery, loved it, and wanted to spell it with an I. I feel like that was the nice touch on it. It's a beautiful so, name. Now, Avery, this is the question that I always ask fighters. You know, once they become a dad or find out that they're going to become a dad, does this change anything within you? It, the focus, what you're fighting for? <laughs> yes. It's, I mean, it's, it's still too new to, yeah. to talk about that kind of directional shift. But I do know what people talk about when they say, you know, you see your baby for the first time. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a difference. There. Can't prepare for that. Yeah. What was that like yeah. in the room? Were you in the room? I was in the room. My wife didn't want me to be in the room. Why? I was in the room. She didn't, she didn't want me to see. She didn't want me to see what's going on down there. Well, you could but, go the other way. Oh, I was in, I was right in. in you were right in the middle? In the middle of it. Dang. I damn near caught her. You, you, you were boxing out the, the doctor? Yeah. It was like, I got this, you know, bro. This, this is me. Wow. But, uh. It was incredible. I wouldn't change a, a thing that happened, and now I got the best Thanksgiving I could ask for. Wow, and now you're home? She's home. Did you sleep at the hospital? The first night, yeah. I mean, it was 3 a.m., so by that time, sure. like, we started getting up. Doctors started coming in. It was all um, happening pretty quick. No, but did you sleep at the hospital? Next I didn't sleep. I didn't sleep. Well, did you stay there overnight? Yeah. Both nights? No, I, I went home. The visiting hours were over. They didn't let you sleep overnight? I think I probably could have negotiated yeah, it, but... Um, I went home, took a shower, got my wife some things she needed from home and okay. brought it back and all that. And uh, what's the weight? Seven pounds, nine ounces, big baby, 20.5 inches long. Wow. How about that? You knew the sex already, so that's not a surprise. No. But the name you didn't reveal. That's right. Sleeping next to you? In a little bassinet right next Unbelievable. to you. Unbelievable. Have you changed a diaper yet? Several. Several. Black tar yes. poop all over the Yes. Place. What is that called? The The... Not the Motrin. Uh, Something with an M that yeah, I don't remember. The, the, yeah, it's a, little, it's a little funky. It goes from the black tar to like the honey mustard to... <laughs> <laughs> Appetizing. Yeah, I hope no one's uh, having lunch or dinner right now. To like little like, little, little, like balls to, the, you know, and then once you introduce the actual, you know, food, then it gets funky. But you know what? You never notice it. it. I, I actually changed my daughter's diaper uh, this past week and a friend was over and they're like, oh, it smells so bad. I don't even smell it. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you'd feel the same. If it was socially acceptable, you would bathe in it. <laughs> Maybe not going that Use far. it as deodorant. But uh, I'm, I'm very excited. My wife is a champ. How about the and, fact that uh, you're in work? You came to work. Listen, got to do what you got to do. Wow. But uh, thank you. Did you, did you, honestly, did you, did you consider not coming in? The timing worked out. Yeah. That it made, that it made it. If okay. it was Friday. Yeah. You get a little Saturday. Closer, probably not. Did you have Thanksgiving at the hospital? Like did, we did at the hospital. What'd you yeah, guys the do? Hospital had a nice little, little spread. Prepared. Yeah. Wow. But you guys didn't have nice. plans. Like you didn't have a, cur- no, no, no. A, a turkey cooked. Excuse me. Wow. Thanksgiving baby. Unbelievable. Hi, Avery. Avery. Jack- is she watching? I hope so. Yeah. I hope my wife Be is. Nice. Um, first grandchild for your parents, right? That's it. How about that? And how's the old man doing? 
What a week it was for you. Old man is doing great. Everything looking up. Happy and healthy. And he's he's back home. Wow. Everything is good. How about that? Shout out to my dad too. Avery, dad, love you guys. All right. Well, congratulations again. Congratulations to Holly for doing all the work. Mazel tov. Very happy for you. So now we've got, uh, I believe, two daddies. It's about time you caught up. Well done for coming in, not taking the week off like I did last week. I was afraid that I would have to sit in that chair and then someone else would have to sit in this chair because I would have to return the favor and you know, pick up the slack for you. Um, Martin Smith telling me that he was eating his dinner while watching that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But, uh, you know, you'll understand when you're dead, you know, the, the poopy talk, it doesn't really phase you all that much, but in all honesty, I'm very happy. Always happy to hear that someone becomes a dad for the first time, a mom for the first time. There's nothing better than parenthood, no greater gift. And, uh, what a gift to get it to, to become a parent on Thanksgiving to remind you to be thankful, to appreciate the important things in life, health, family, happiness, a beautiful thing. So again, congratulations, Mazel Tov, to the uh, Jackman family. So happy. And perhaps later on in the program, we'll talk a little more about, uh, you know, changing diaper technique. You want to do the swaddle. You want to do the burrito, of course. You want to, you know, have the hands like this and then go tight. You think it's too tight, but they want to be tight because that's, what they're used to in the womb. So the tighter, the better. And you don't want those hands coming out because then they start scratching their faces and they wake up with marks all over their face. It's a whole big mess. Much to learn for the young Jackman family. All right. Again, congratulations to them. Hey guys, it's New York Rick. Once again, with a message from Hims. The reason I grew up my hair a few years ago into this illustrious man bun that you see now is because I considered that there will be a point in time where my hair is thinning, I'm losing it, um, and baldness is on the horizon. You don't have to lose your hair, though. There's ways to prevent that. The solution for keeping your hair is Hims. Hims is a one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, sexual wellness, and other issues plaguing men of our generation. It's FDA-approved with well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions that help you keep your hair. They're not herbal supplements. The prescription solutions are backed by science and there's no waiting room, no awkward doctor visits. You can save hours of your time by going to 4 All you have to do is answer a few quick questions. A doctor will review your order and they'll prescribe you whatever you need to get your hair back. The products from Hims will be shipped directly to your door. So how do you opt not to lose your hair? You order at 4 That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com and listeners of the MMA hour get 50% off of their first month. This includes everything you need to keep your hair for half price. That's 50% off and him super low prices are available as long as supplies last. This would cost hundreds if you went to the doctor or the pharmacy. Fortunately, we can get you on a program with hims for less than a buck a day if you order right now. See the website for more details. That website once again is for hims dot com slash MMA. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash MMA. For hymns dot com slash MMA. Go there now. Opt to not lose your hair. Now back to the show. In a minute, we're going to be joined by Neil Mech. Will he be fighting at UFC 219? What is going on with that whole situation? There's so much going on in the world of MMA. Of course, UFC 218 coming up this Sunday before we get to 219. UFC going with the uh, back-to-back, right? They've got 
tough finale on Friday and we still don't really know who's fighting for the belt. They're going to be crowning a new champion and it kind of doesn't really feel like that's the case. I'm not going to lie. Haven't been watching every second or any second, but still, this is a big deal. They're crowning a new champion. First ever women's flyweight champion this Friday. Not a lot of talk about it. Why is that? The big story, of course, is 218. Max Holloway versus Jose Aldo 2 for the UFC featherweight title. One of the best main cards of the year, certainly from a pay-per-view perspective. You've got Alistair Overeem versus Francis Ngannou. Eddie Alvarez, who we'll be talking to later against uh, Justin Gaethje. Great fight at 125 between Henry Cejudo and Sergio Pettis. And Michelle Watterson going up against Tisha Torres. That's just the main card. New arena. I'm looking forward to it. Following 218, it's 219. Will our next guest, first guest of the day, be a part of 219? Let us find out. Let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in Valhalla, Emil Mech. It has been a while. Hey. Emil. Ooh. Ooh. Boom. Whoa, look at those guns. How are you? Yeah. I'm pretty good. I'm awesome, actually. Where are you? Hey, you. I'm back home. Back home in cold Norway. That is a nice looking setup you got there. You've got the uh, Venator title. You've got a trophy of some sort and a uh, a guitar. What's that trophy? My, my honor, like honorable member of the band trophy. Oh wow! You play in a band? Yeah. Which band? We, What's it called? We even when uh, when uh, it's called Auto Karma, Auto Karma, and we even um, played. Uh, we just recorded our new song to make it as an entrance for my next fight. Oh, That's wow. Okay. Cool. And, and what's your role in the band? I play guitar and I scream. Okay. <laughs> and I have a beard. Yeah. Well, you certainly look the part. Okay. So then let's, let's not beat around the bush. Are you fighting December 30th in Las Vegas? Uh, if I get the vice sign order, then definitely yes. For sure. And Yeah. That's basically what I can tell you. So you don't know. Uh, so here we are um, a little over a month away. You're not sure if you're fighting in a month in Las Vegas or not. Sounds about right. Yeah. Is it 50, like the, 50, the 60, got, 40, 70, 30? Where would you put it right now? The chances of you fighting? I, have like, I did everything that UFC lawyers told me to do. And uh, right now they just told me to wait. And, um, like the funny thing is, like yeah, the second I got out of the embassy in Norway in Oslo, then they they told me that uh, this is a typical case where it could take up to six months to get the visa. And I and I looked up uh, Usman on Instagram and told him like, hey, you're a, he goes out and tells everybody that he wants to fight everyone anywhere, anytime, right? And he um and I and I texted him like, hey, it looks like I got visa issues here. Uh, if you want to fight me, then we could, should move the fight to a different country. We can fight in Canada December 16th. And what he told me is like, hey, uh, sorry to hear about that, but all my people, all my, all my guys that already bought tickets for Vegas, and this is two months, like almost two months in advance. How many, I'm asking you, like how many guys do you really think bought tickets to Vegas two months in advance? And that's the reason that he doesn't want to fight me. I think he's just looking for a way out. Huh. Like thousand people, five hundred. I guess like three, three people out of the <laughs> I think um, that's still the excuse. And 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 to be clear, you could fight in Canada. 
No visa problems there. Yeah, I fought in Canada before. You remember? Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if you know the the visa expired, you know, or something like that. I I know Canada is a much more welcoming country. They have no problems with this sort of thing, especially Norwegian yeah. people. But um, what's the issue that's preventing you right now from fighting in the U.S.? Uh, I, I don't know. They, this is just they, they told me the application could take six months, and that's that's all I know. I I got a letter from the Nevada senator or the the Senate, and uh, they told me that they they understand that this is a time uh, like time is of the essence, and they would recommend to prioritize this application and all that. But it, it typically would take six months at this time. So. Is it hard? Is it hard to get motivated as far as training is concerned when you don't really know if you're going to be fighting in a month? Uh, not really. Like, uh, of course, like fights like this really triggers me. Uh, I might be, I might be some kind of damaged goods or something. But uh, if I if I don't get the really top killers, the toughest guys, I I don't really get triggered as much as I used to. And and this is one of the fights that really woke me up again. Like the Polaris fight, the Jordan Mean fight. Those, those are the kind of fights that I really tries to to do. And uh, Osman is one of them. I got uh, um, in my bedroom, I got like a poster with number 11 on because it was ranked number 11 when I when I got the fight. And that's what I woke up to and go to bed to every night. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that that's, of course, uh, that's something I want to do. Uh, and if I don't, if I don't get it, then I'm sure the UFC will put me up with equal, uh, opponents since they like this fight to me makes a lot of sense when you say you're damaged goods what do you mean by that you know we we fight in a cage and uh it's like everything you do if you do it a lot of times then then it, like the uh, attraction to it will go away just a little bit and a little bit like or or the or the thrill of it like the yeah. first time you drive a car in, in 100 100 miles an hour and then and then you're like screaming and then like the second time it's okay you're still screaming it's not as much but and then the third time you know i've done this two twice before i know it's going to be okay and the third time and the fourth time and the fifth time and this is my 13th uh i think it's like a 13th of no this is my like 19th fight if i count my amateur fights uh so you know you, the, the thrill like you you want to new challenge you want you want to try it's not just fun for me to fight whoever I want to fight the very best guys. Right. Did you ask to fight Usman or did the UFC offer this fight to you? Where are you going? Uh, the UFC presented me. Huh? Where you I just to? had to deliver my laundry. <laughs> my laundry. Okay. But laundry service is awesome. So what, to- what do they do? They bring it to your, to your apartment, your house? I put it in the bag. They come and get it. And... Uh, I get clean clothes and I wow. don't have to fold them. What a luxury. I know. I know. <laughs> One of the best sponsors I got. Oh, that's a sponsor? You don't even have to pay for it? That's amazing. Give them a shout out. What's their name? It's uh, Boskibuda. Boskibuda. It's like uh, laundrydelivery.no. Okay. It's pretty that's cool. incredible. <laughs> um, so Usman has been saying that no one wants to fight him. They call you and you said yes right away. You had no reservations. I go just like, oh, oh my God. Nah. <laughs> that was incredible. You have a lot of, you have a lot of female followers on your show. Yeah, absolutely. Tons more than male. Oh, you got 
working like, on it even more. And if you take that button off, like the the top one, then then now we're set. We'll be killed. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. I'm a little bit bashful. Um, okay. Oh wow! What like a physique. A, like a handsome pen stiller. If you, if you take that chop off, you you sure. you will definitely get a lot of female followers. Some say Drake. You want to go with Ben Stiller? That's fine. Um, I get Drake a lot. Yeah. What's that tattoo, by the way? What does that signify, right here? This. Yeah. This is my my star sign, Leo. Like. Oh uh, okay. Yeah. This What's this one on your bicep? Is that one new? Uh, it's not new. It's just like a pair of MMA gloves. Okay. Pretty cool. Um, you know, after this fight was announced, Usman was on our show and he was like, oh, I want to fight Colby Covington and all that. And I, and I know you heard this and were upset. Do you feel like he was trying to change the fight? And, and are you worried that you're not going to get this fight against Usman and have to fight, you know, a guy who doesn't excite you as much as you said? Um, no, not really. Um, Usman is, I think he, I think he just wanted to set up his next fight or something. I don't know. And I think Colby is, uh, is uh, well, I don't know. If you pull any of that racist stuff in Norway, he would be done. He would be, like, forever out. And I think maybe the only funny thing Colby ever said it was, like, he told himself that he was handsome, and that was his words. <laughs> but... <laughs> Um, but it's an interesting time at 170, right? Because there's there's Colby, there's Usman, there's Darren Till. Uh, you're in the mix now. Back, you haven't. I mean, I feel like, do you, and and maybe you disagree, but it, it feels like it's been so long since we saw you. Like your debut was almost a year ago now. Do you feel like you're sort of out of sight, out of mind? Like you've lost some momentum? Uh, not really. Um, I, I feel like it's been a long time, and I really want to fight. But other than that, I don't feel like. I'm dropping out of the mix because they just offered me the, the top, sure. 15, you know, like a top 15 guy, and um, I think I managed to stay pretty active and I'm in shape and I'm uh, I'm not, I'm on better than ever. I know everybody says it, but but it's also true because if you don't get better when you're training, you absolutely suck. So why did why did you have to pull out of that fight in May? I, I had a groin injury ah so i pulled pulled my muscle in the groin so i couldn't kick or i couldn't couldn't uh, well i couldn't do anything really so that's that's all healed up now and i feel super um why do you think talking about injuries what's that talking about injuries is boring right okay fair enough um why do you think people don't (laughs) want to fight usman and why do you want to fight him what what do you see that others don't um, I don't really know. I don't really know why people don't want to fight him. Um, to be honest, I don't know. Like, I want to fight him because he's a, he's a top ranked guy. Uh, he definitely earned his spot there. Uh, he's fought six. Is it six in a row? He won all of them. But if you, I know, if you see my last two, two opponents, my 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 two guys has bigger names than all the six guys he fought. Huh. And um, and so I think this this fight absolutely makes sense. And yeah. even though I take a, a little shortcut, since it's not too uh, too, uh, oh, let me just turn off that sound. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense to, to for this fight to happen. So, did the UFC say to you if if you don't get this visa, if you can't fight on December thirtieth, that he's going to remain on the card and fight someone else, and you're going to essentially lose this opportunity? 
Uh, they want. I think they. Well, I think that's gonna happen. If if I don't get the uh, visa in order, then they will find a replacement for it. Oh. But I'm I'm not sure the UFC does. When when do you expect to find out? Either way, if this is happening. Well, this is like they they told me like either it's a ten day thing or it takes six months or anything in between that. That's all. And they just the um. The UFC office just told me to have patience, and you know I tried pulling everything I got, but it's just have to pay, to have patience there. So, wow. The question is not about if, if I'm getting it or not. It's just when when I get it, if I can get time. Yeah. So you just wake up every morning, you go train, you think about Usman, but you don't know if you're going to be fighting Usman. Yeah, basically. What a but crummy situation. It doesn't matter. Like, it's fun, huh? It's a it's a bit of a tough situation to be say? in mentally. I mean, I feel like that's tough. Nah, not like it doesn't really bother me that much. It's uh, okay. I might be lying. I, I might be lying. Yes, it, it bothers me, but, but <laughs> I have to accept accept the fact that I'm. I need to. Uh, I need to train. I need to stay in shape. And if I don't fight Usman, then I'm gonna fight someone else. And it doesn't really matter. Like all the training I put in with the guys at Frontline and, and MMA Tronem and, and uh, all that places, they, they, you know, it's going to pay off uh, one way or another. If it's going to be against Usman or not, that, that I don't know. That's the only thing. What do you think about the whole division right now with Tyron Woodley and his shoulder and he wants to fight Nate Diaz but doesn't want to fight Colby Covington? <laughs> what do you make of the whole thing? Yeah, I know. If if uh, I think I like you know, I want to fight everybody in the top fifteen except Tyron Woodley. He's like he's gonna kick you in the leg for five times five minutes and and just like keep running away and throw that fucking overhand. I don't want to be one of those. Like he, he's gonna kill the fight, and it, no matter who he's gonna fight against, he's gonna kill the fight. Wow, you think he's boring? You know, I'm I'm there to fight. I'm for for myself, and you know. People say they fight for the audience and everything, but I fight for myself. I want to, I want to be in the octagon, and I've been, I, you know, I want to fight. I think that's the fun part about it. Yeah, I don't want to, you know, play games. I want to fight. Are are you are you like getting anxious now? I mean, it's been almost a year. Like I said, you you haven't had that sensation, that feeling. Are are you missing it? Do you feel like it's you're going true. a bit stir crazy? Yeah, I've I've been trying to. You know, fill up the empty, empty gap there. You know, I've been playing, uh, playing rock band concerts, and you know, go <laughs> partying with that stuff. And I got the motorcycle license just, and and you know, trying to oh, not kill myself on that. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you know, you get you get a little little restless, but uh, if if I'm not fighting in December, I'll be fighting in the first card in Europe and that's the uh, 24th of February and then I can fight Darren Taylor if that if, yeah. if he wants to fight and uh, that, is that happening in, in February I, I think that was a, a false report think, was it yeah, then yeah. my bad then, then <laughs> in, in London yes in London in March yeah of March course long. but I don't understand why not just put you on the Winnipeg card they have a card in Canada two weeks before just do that I asked about it, and uh, if if any of the welterweights fight, I think it's like six welterweight welterweight fights there. Yeah, and if any of those falls out, then then I'll be ready for sure. Okay, so for now you just sit around and wait. <laughs> I don't sit too much around, but uh, I wait. Yes, and I hope to get a phone call or an email from uh, from the embassy, 
And uh, again, you know, fuck you. We, we even, like, I set up my whole camp over there. Like, I ordered tickets for all my guys. I, uh, I have a, what's it called, like 10, I think it's $12,000 house for a month. Wow. In Vegas, that was like two minutes away from, from the UFC PI. Wow. Two minutes from the UFC PI. And uh, I scheduled like with the coaches at Extreme Couture, with Dewey Cooper, with Kevin Lee. Like everything was everything was set up to just like we, we were supposed to go in one week from now. And that would be just like we had a whole mansion and we would take my guys over there. We would train, we would fight, we would have fun and, and be in Vegas and um, and uh, do all that stuff. Like uh, five, five weeks of advance of the fight. So now it's just standing there empty. So if you're heading to Vegas, then I can hook you up with a place to stay. <laughs> yeah, and this would have been uh, your first time fighting in the United States, right? Yeah. Yeah, man. How did they, I, I'm surprised that they would even book this fight without knowing about your visa problem. Is it about something yeah. in your past? Is like, wh- what's the issue here? What's the issue stopping you from getting this? I don't know. They just told me it's going to take six months, six, uh, right. six, up to six months. That's all I know. All right. Well, keep us posted, Emil. I was looking forward to this fight. I will. Kudos to you for Absolutely. stepping up and taking it. And uh, it's great to see you Thanks. and your pecs as always. What's that? Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> if you want big abs and muscles like me, then you have to drink protein shakes. Yes, that's right. Um, all right. Well, good luck to you. I hope it works out. I've been on the the uh, the other side of that as well. I know what it's like waiting for those visas. It's not very fun, but hopefully we'll get to see you on December 30th against Kamaru Usman. Thank you for the time, Emil, and please keep us posted. Absolutely. All right. There you go. If yeah. anyone from the uh, USCIS is watching, please hook this man up with a with a visa because everyone wants to see that fight against Kamaru Usman. It's an important fight at 170 pounds. And there's no clear-cut, really obvious replacement right now for Usman. He's been talking about wanting a um, wanting a fight of you know big stature, big stakes, and maybe you know Emil Mech wasn't the, the the name that he was expecting, but a win is a win is a win. So let's see if they can pull it off. All right. Speaking of pulling things off, Bellator is attempting to pull off a heavyweight tournament. It kicks off January 20th in Inglewood, California. First fight, Rampage Jackson against Chael Sonnen. Then we've got Matt Mitrione against Roy Nelson, number two. Then we've got Fyodor Malenko versus Frank Mir. And then we have Ryan Bader versus King Mo. Uh, eight men all vying for the vacant Bellator heavyweight title. One of the big names, one of the favorites is Matt Mitrione. He is kind enough to be joining us via the Magic of Skype. It has been a minute since we've talked to Matt Mitrione, and there he is. Matt, are you there? I mean, this is some kind of connection. Perfect. Let's call Matt on his phone, because I don't think this connection is very good. Yeah, let's just call him on his phone. If if he's not um, in a secure area, I think it's a little too risky. So let's just call him on his phone here. How that uh, that passed the last line of defense, I do not know. But we'll call Matt Mitrione here in a second. He's fighting Roy Nelson. You'll recall they fought way back when. Uh, it was a, uh, a, a short notice fight, a tough finale fight. And I would say the roles have reversed in the sense that 
when they fought back in 2012, December 15th of 2012, Roy Nelson was the favorite. He was kind of, you know, the big dog, the star. Um, and, and Mitrion was the guy looking to make his name. He was coming off that loss to Czech Congo. He had not fought for quite some time. But now the roles have somewhat reversed where I feel like Mitrion is the one with the name, with the momentum, you know, with, with a lot to lose, certainly more to gain. And it's, so it's amazing, you know, what, what can happen in five years. I'll, I'll never forget that day. That was uh, the day of a, uh, a horrific tragedy here in the United States, but we'll talk about that a little later on. For now, let's say hello. Let's try this again to Matt Mitrion. Matt, are you there? My good friend, A.H., was good, man. How are you, Matt? Uh, uh, unfortunately, we couldn't get you on the Skype. I don't know what was going on there, but I just want to hear your voice. That's most important. And uh, so we got you on the phone here. So I appreciate the time. We have a lot to discuss, Matt, but here's, here's where I want to start. When you found out after your win over Fyodor Emelianenko back in June that Bellator was going to do an eight-man tournament to crown a, a, a champion at heavyweight and that you would be a part of it and that maybe some non-heavyweights would be a part of it, what was your initial reaction? I didn't like it at all. I, um, you know, I initially I, I told them no. <clears throat> and then we, uh, we discussed it for a little while. And, uh, cause I felt that my next fight should be for a title. Anything else is a step or two or three backwards. And I feel like in the, in the division, uh, it's, it's pretty wide open, but I feel that's kind of what, what the conversation that we had with, with Mr. Coker and, and the powers that be, was, yes, I do believe I'm the best heavyweight in the world uh, on any given day. I'm definitely the best heavyweight in Bellator. And so, you know, as we kind of thought about it, it was the more we discussed it and who was going to be in it and, and what the layout was going to be, I kind of came up with a thought, you know, like, what the hell? I'm going to fight these guys anyways, whether I have a title on title around my waist yet or not. And, and to be honest with you, man, like, I think that the, heavy, the, the light heavyweights that they put in are are more exciting and more athletic and better com- and better competition. So I said, "What the hell? Why not? Let's go ahead and do it." So I threw my name in the hat. And, and you're saying more exciting, better competition than the heavyweights that are in the tournament? No, 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 no. Then like then then the other options. I think that's the reason why they threw them in there. I think that a lot of times there's always the what if conversation. You know, like what if uh, what if Bader fought a heavyweight? What if what if uh, you know Mitrion lost weight and and went to 205? Now we can kind of see, or even fought a catch weight. So now we can kind of see these kind of situations come up. And if they if they happen to pan out, awesome. Then it'll be. So I think that. I think the conversation, I think the tournament, instead of being called a heavyweight Grand Prix, should be called a super fight tournament potentially, right? Yeah. Like I think that that's kind of more uh, a, a more appropriate name for it. But whatever it is, the the fights are sure as hell will be exciting. I mean, I think I think I think Rampage and Chael will be fun to watch. I think Fedor and Frank is something that nobody wants to miss. Uh, you know, granted it's it's a bit of a shame it's happening this late in, in both of their careers. Um, but and Frank hasn't had you know hasn't had a fight in two years, so I think that's a little bit something that's a little bit unfortunate. But I think that fight will be absolutely madness. See if if Frank takes one to the ground, how how Fedor will do against Frank on the ground, uh, how Frank will stand up against Fedor striking. Uh, you know, I just think it's, I think it's actually, I think it's actually fascinating the way they set it up. And, um, and honestly, like for me to get a chat back at Roy, uh, is, is, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, there are some things going on in that fight that I can always point a finger to and say, that's the reason why I lost or this or that or the other thing. But more importantly is I get a chance to redeem myself. And I think that's a pretty dope opportunity. 
How long did you say thanks, but no thanks for Like how long were you out for and uh, told them I don't want to be a part of this? Um, you know, I don't know. Uh, a couple of weeks for sure. Wow. I'm sorry. A, a couple of days for sure. Okay. Um, and like, you know, probably, probably seven to 10 days, something like that. And, uh, and you were sticking you know, to like, your guns here. I just, Oh yeah, for certain. Yeah. Uh, I was, and then it just took a little bit of time to think like, you know what, man, like, cause initially I, I don't like the idea of having light heavyweights or in a, in a bloated middleweight and in a, in a heavyweight grand prix. Um, and, and you know, cause it potentially could completely, it could, it, it could throw the heavyweight division on its ear and completely discredit all of us potentially. Um, and, and that's not something that I, I think that Bellator could, 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 I don't think it's a great, I don't think it's a great gig. Um, but in that aspect, I'm, I'm the best heavyweight, best, best fighter they got on their roster. So it doesn't matter to me who I fight against, how I fight against them. Uh, you know, like the thought is, at least my thought initially was that against any light heavyweight, uh, um, a heavyweight is going to have to be mobile and, and have a, a real solid sprawl defense, right. And have good cardio. Um, because any light heavyweight is going to dive at our hips, try to dive at our ankles and hold us down and, and get us pregnant for the entire go. Cause they don't want to trade off with power. Uh, and that's what heavyweights, t- uh, traditionally do. So I think it's just, I think it's a, a wee bit of a curveball, but I think it also makes it exciting. It's, you know, it's kind of almost like training for Bader is going to be almost like training for training for Kane, like a lot of shot defense, a lot of sprawls, a lot of activity, uh, a lot of uppercuts, uh, you know, so I think it's an interesting wrinkle. And I actually, I look forward to something like that. So, well, I, I say Bader is if it's going to be Mo, but Mo and Bader are almost one and the same. Um, okay. So if you had the pencil here, okay. So once you, you commit to it, they say, all right, you're in, I'm in great. Would Roy Nelson have been your top choice or would you have preferred to fight someone else first? I think Roy Nelson is the number two heavyweight in Bellator. So I think that he and I going at it one and two in the first round isn't the way I would have seeded it. Mm. But, you know, it, it kind of is what it is. And obviously they wouldn't have me fight Fedor again in the first round. That wouldn't make much sense. Sure. So, uh, you know, I mean, could I have fought Frank? Yeah, certainly I could have. Uh, and I think Fedor and Roy would have been a pretty exciting fight too to watch to see how that goes. But um, you know, whatever they did, they did. Um, and, and I think that I think that I think that my side of the bracket, which is Roy Bader and Mo, is the more difficult side of the bracket for sure. But like I said, with that being said. Uh, who cares, man? I'm going to get in there and do work. That's what my job is, and um, I'm committed to it. I'm already down here in Florida. Uh, training with Coach Henry and training with uh, with Coach Greg and, and Connie and everybody else we can get a body on. So I'm already committed to it. I'm already working, and um, it's just time to go put on the show now. All the conversation's over. Uh, and by the way, do you get paid more if you're champion as opposed to fighting for a belt or in a tournament like this? Was that part of your hesitation to be a part of it? You know, wanting to essentially you know delay you fighting for a belt. You still have to fight now two more times before you can fight for the belt, and then eventually become champion. That's three fights. Were finances involved in your de- initial decision making? Um, yeah, I, I get a kicker. Uh, you know, I, I get I get some I get some kind of a, an upper end to it. But to be honest, no, man. Like it, it, like. I feel like, like I feel that, like I said before, anything I do that's not a title fight is a step backwards. Mm-hmm. And, and that bothers me. I feel like I put myself in a position to, to go ahead and, and get like, Hey, you know what? Let's go ahead and do this. But with that being said, I was 
a finalist for a television show uh, that I was going to do it was a, rea- a reality TV show. Um, and I was a finalist for it. And I was supposed to be gone for a, a month to six weeks filming the show. Hmm. And something happened where I came up where I couldn't do this season. And because of that, um, I had to, well, when I was, when I was a finalist for it and I was expecting to be on the show, I did tell belts or, Hey, look, I can't go do this. I can't, they can't fight for the, for the rest of the year because of this situation and blah, blah, blah. So it, it kind of forced Bellator's hand to have something else go on. And then since I know I was chomping at the bit to get a fight since I didn't get put on the show, then, uh, then this is, I think this is how they made it out uh, oh, wow. or made it to work. So I can't really, like, I don't mean to get up here and kind of piss on Bellator because that's not really what I'm trying to do at all. Um, I just think, I think it was put in a situation in which I felt like I should have had a title fight. I feel like if I didn't have this reality TV show come up, that situation come up, then I would have had a title fight and I'd have a title around my waist already. But with that being said, they had to work with my schedule. And I think this is the best they could have done in order to get me that situation. What could you tell us about this show? Anything? Oh, it's a pretty awesome show, Bubs. But I just, I just, I couldn't do it, man. Couldn't. Oh. I, it's. I can't do it. I have an NDA, so I can't disclose it. Okay. But it would have been a, an absolutely uh, amazing adventure if I had a chance to do it. It would have been really cool. Is it still on the table for the future? Hey, brother, I'm always on the table for the future. <laughs> I've got a personality that just doesn't stop, my dude. That's you know, true. Better than that. That's true. <laughs> you, 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 you keep us coming back for more. Do you remember, Matt? That fight back in 2012, I mean, I'm sure you remember, you know, the the result and everything, but I'm just curious if, you know, that, that was a weird time in your career because you were coming off that, that loss to Congo, but you had not fought in a year and you take that fight on short notice. What is the difference, uh, you know, and, and there could be many between this Matt Mitchell that we're talking to and the one who fought Roy Nelson five years ago? Yeah, so there's there's a handful of things that I feel uh, are, are, are different now. Um, for example, uh, but let me let me fix this first. Okay. I did not really take that fight on short notice. I what? was in a situation in which I was fighting. I was training the fight. I was preparing to fight three weeks later, still the freeze. Yes. Um, and so I only took a fight three weeks earlier. That's all it was. It wasn't really on short notice. I was already in camp. I was already training. So three weeks, really, that's not, that's not earlier. You know, so I, I think that's, that's, it makes it sound sexy. Like, oh, you need to go fight on short notice, blah, blah, blah. But that's not really legit. I don't want to discredit Roy's victory over me that way. Okay. Um, with that being said, uh, I also, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't fight for 14 months. I had three surgeries, uh, you know, during that time. And, uh, you know, it was my first go. And on top of that, anybody who's ever listened to me fight ever, 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 or my interviews knows how much I despise that small cage. And, uh, Joe Silva lied to me and told me it was a big cage. So I would take the fight and I find out it's a small cage when I'm walking in to get greased up to, to go fight Roy. And, um, and again, the reason why I don't like it, which I said before is because it, it eliminates all of my mobility, it eliminates my, my evasive action on my offensive footwork. Because if I move around too much, I'm up against one side of the cage or the other. Um, in fact, it literally it takes away, you know, three and a half feet on each side, uh, which is a pretty substantial amount considering the fact that, you know, you're, you're running into a cage versus open air. Um, so he straight up lied to you. As soon as I, Joe Silva straight oh, up lied to you. For sure, hundred percent. Because they know I don't. I won't take a fight in that in that small cage. 
thing. Wow. That's the reason why that's like, oh, that's one of the reasons why I would always tell them what cage is it in. But we don't know what it is yet. How the hell are you going to tell me you don't know what it is when I'm your most, most mobile heavyweight and I'm looking and, I, and I'm actively saying, I don't want to fight in a small cage, but we don't know what it is until we figure out the venue. We just know the date. Well, that's some huh. bullshit, man. So yeah. and that's what happened. But that's the reason why, if you guys go back and watch the film, I kicked Joe Silva in the stomach right after the fight. <laughs> like, I literally kicked through a body kick and kicked him in the stomach. And he's like, Matt, I had gallbladder surgery. Well, oh, my. You should have lied to me then. <laughs> like, okay, so, so, you're, so you're basically saying, I don't want to make any excuses, but these are the differences. No, that's just, those are the parameters of the fight. Like, the, okay. the differences are that, that I'm... Dude, I'm, I'm a hell of a lot better than I was before. Like Roy, Roy was, was very prepared for that fight. He, he, yeah. he had never cut that he was throwing. That he had never really thrown before. Uh, and he waited for me to flare my, el- my left elbow out when I threw my straight. He knew exactly what I was going to do and how I was going to do it. And he capitalized on it. So that's a good job for Roy. That has actually been something I pay attention to now every every time i'm in camp or when i'm training like i train to pay attention to whether i flare my elbow out um and my mobility and my movement i felt like i was doing well against roy and he caught me good for him uh i overextended i threw my head beyond my knee he hit me in a punch that if i stayed within my own house as in like i kept my head inside of my knee or my stance yeah that uppercut never would have landed he threw it it landed and he did a good job he capitalized on it that was also the first time i ever got i ever got knocked down and I didn't really know how to handle it. I never really practiced that situation before. So I feel like um, I've become more capable. I've been knocked down since, and I've responded well. Uh, so I feel like I've learned some things from that. I feel like uh, I have not taken much of a beating at all in my career. I feel like Roy is, is kind of like a rock'em, sock'em robot where he, he takes a lot of punches in order to give one punch. And um, I think that might have affected him. I'm definitely going to try to capitalize on that. That's for certain. And you guys cool? Friends, that's, yeah. Yeah, we're cool. I, I saw the you guys take a picture with each other that. recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah, we're cool, man. We have no problem with that. But this is how we have kids, man. That's how we feed our babies. So, you know, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to score the record up. I'm going to punch him in his face. And afterwards, like, I'll buy him a beer and we'll be cool again. Speaking of, of, of being a dad, um, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make this into an excuse for the, the result back in 2012, but I'll never forget that day because that was the the day of the the, the Sandy Hook murders. Um, and I remember Pat Barry, after his win, getting very emotional, saying he just wanted to go home and you know be with his his family. And uh, I, I'm just wondering, like, I, it still affects me till this day. In fact, I just drove by Sandy Hook and I saw it, and, and it like gave me chills. I'm I'm wondering if if it, it affected you on fight day, um, and you were th- was your mind elsewhere? Did you want to be home with your kids? Do you remember that, you know, being on your mind at all? Because that that's a day that I'll never forget. No, I'm just like a, a college uh, dirtbag here, but no, I, I didn't, okay. didn't register with me, had no thought to it whatsoever. Um, it was, it was time to go to work and that's all it was. Only thing I, only thing that threw me off was the fact the cage wasn't a big cage. Right. So. And you could tell right away, obviously. For sure. As soon as I was walking out and getting greased, I was like, that mother trucker. Okay, so 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 give us the breakdown. Um, Mitrio and Nelson, obviously, you think that you win. Rampage, Chael, who do you have? I think I think I think Chael is in danger of Rampage's power because Rampage gets like two sixty or or greater. Uh, but I think Chael's going to stay on his legs and cardio out cardio Rampage. I think Chael wins a decision. Okay, um, Fyodor Mir. Fedor knocks him out. Wow! Really. Yes. Wow. Wow. Early. Fedor is, ext- Fedor is extremely. Co- yeah. 
Uh, yeah, possibly. Fader is extremely quick, um, and I don't think that uh, I don't think Frank's takedowns are good enough to get Fedor. I think Fedor won't be afraid to go to the ground with him because I think that uh, Fedor is just kind of built that way. But I think Fedor knocks him out. Bader Mo. Bader. Okay, and then it's you versus Bader. Obviously, you're picking yourself. And then what? So then we've yeah. got Fedor, and you picked Rampage, right? I picked Chael. Oh, okay. So so wow. So Fedor versus Chael. <laughs> that would be hilarious. Yeah. Uh, who do you, who do you have in that? <laughs> same, same as everybody else, buddy. <laughs> I have Fedor. Wow. So we're gonna get Fedor versus Mitrione too. For the title, brother. The way it should have been the first time. Wow, that would be incredible. But I will tell you yes. this much. I think Shale will uh, will make a spectacle out of that fight, not just with his words, but I think like I think Shale will take that challenge extremely uh, seriously. Sure. I think that he will be in there. I think I think I think Shale versus Fedor will be the best Shale we've seen. Wow, interesting. Okay, well, he certainly said a lot about him, so uh, it would be time to to put up or shut up. So to recap, you're at peace with this whole thing. You're okay with it. You're going to move forward. You're going to win that belt. Uh, no hard feelings. No hard feelings, brother. Like oh. we we all talked about it. We understood my position on it, and um, we 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 came to an agreement. So the first round, or the first fight, I should say, of the first round is January twentieth. Your fight is February sixteenth. Bellator one ninety four. Mohegan Sun. Matt Matrone versus Roy Nelson too. My one request, and I know this isn't really, you know, your department. I, I I just hope they don't drag it out too long. You know, when you have these tournaments that go, you know, a year, year and a half they kind of lose some momentum. I, I want, I, I basically, I want the semifinals to be on the same night, right? I get, I get why they wanted to stretch it out, especially the suspension to mirror, but let's not drag this thing out to where it kind of loses a bit of a momentum. You know what I mean? I could not agree more. I, I, yeah. I really wish they did the first, the first round in the, in the same night. I couldn't agree more. Like yep. I wish they would do one and two, get them all done, have that crazy excitement about it. That would be really dope. Really, really cool. Um, and then, and then go semifinals, finals. I think that'd be so dope. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm fine with that. As long as they consolidate one part of it, I think that's really what we're looking for here. True or false, Roy McDonald somehow finds a way to enter this tournament. <laughs> the, uh, um, I'm going to go with false. Okay. All right. Go with Fair false enough. on that one. All right. But I know there's another person that's kind of chiming in to try to get in also. Who, Big Shane? Big Shane. Possible? Um, if it is, I mean, obviously anybody he fights is going to be saying oh, they want a drug test. That's for certain. <laughs> like, if he can, if he can pass that, then I, I think anybody would be cool with, with with fighting him. But I mean, I think that's, I think that's going to be a major conversation. I believe. Just let me throw this out there. Okay. I believe if anybody fights an MMA fight with steroids or anabolics in their system, they should be charged with attempted murder. If the fight wow. actually goes on. They should be charged with attempted murder. Wow. That's a big statement. Yeah. That's a pretty... That's a hell of a... But it's, how is it not accurate? Steroids, steroids affect everything, not just muscles. They affect cardio. They affect like squeezing strength, punching strength. If you know how to utilize it, then it's really dangerous. Like, I mean, they, but steroids affect cardio positively because you increase the amount of hermetocrit you have. The amount of oxygen that your red blood cells carry, it increases everything across the board. If you fight with anabolic steroids in your system, if you actually have the fight that's consummated and you get popped, you should be charged with attempted murder. Holy smokes. Of all the fights you've had, how many of the opponents that you faced do you think were on some kind of PED, some kind of steroid? 
think over 50%? You think 90%, 100%? No, I, I don't think so, man. I, I, don't, I don't, honestly, I, I really, maybe I'm shocking and naive, but I don't think a lot of heavyweights need them. Huh. I think heavyweights might take them so they look sexier, right? Like, but I don't think they take them because they need them. Um, like, uh, and if they do, they're, they're mental midgets anyways. I think a lot of the smaller dudes have to take steroids to keep the weight on. Otherwise they'd be small enough fighting at smaller weight classes. Like, for example, like, um, no, I don't want to throw an example out there, but like, I feel that, (laughs) but I, I feel that there's a situation in which, um, that, that, like I said, if you fight with anabolics in your system, attempted murder charge, if you get Dang. caught. What is, <laughs> boy, would that change the, uh, the landscape of the, of the sport, if that was an actual real thing. I, I don't think it would ever become a thing, but uh, much respect for saying it. And uh, I, I know it would scare, I, I would hope that it would scare a lot of fighters into taking it. Um, yeah, for serious, for sure. And that's another thing too, man. Hey, I, I'm, I'm extremely vocal about, about not being, not, not taking anabolics and, and doing anything else. So I can get drug tested at any given time by anybody. Like I, I couldn't care less. Sure. My, you know, like, and so I feel like I'm one of the best in the world without anything. So I feel like if, if you're going to be one of the best in the world and you're going to try to chime in and get, get your name in the paper, well, come, come dance on my dance floor and we'll have a great time, but let's do it drug free and, and give the fans a show. You are one of a kind, Matt. We could go on for hours. Uh, we do have to say goodbye now. I'm happy that you're part of the tournament. Best of luck in the first round, February 16th, Mohegan Sun, Uncasville, the, uh, the rematch against Roy Nelson. And I do agree, you know, two favorites right now. I think it's hard to, uh, to argue against that. So it's interesting that you guys are meeting in the first round, but Hey, maybe you get rid of the, uh, the toughest opponent and then it's smooth sailing as the rest of the tournament plays out. Great to catch up, Matt. Thank you very much. Happy holidays. If we don't speak and, and again, best of luck in preparation for the 16th of February. Thanks brother. Appreciate the effort, buddy. All right. There he is. Matt Mitrione stopping by. Great stuff as always from him. And uh, the the tournament, once again, kicks off January 20th in Inglewood, California. All right. Like I said, very busy weekend in combat sports. You've got the UFC doing an event in Las Vegas. Tough finale on Friday, crowning their first ever UFC women's flyweight champion. You've got UFC 218 Detroit Bellator with another event in Thackerville, Oklahoma on Friday. And Glory Kickboxing is back on Friday as well at the Theater at Madison Square Garden, just a few blocks from here, the world's most famous arena, and they've got Glory 48 Super Fight Series main event. It's a world super bantamweight championship fight. Anissa Mexen going up against our next guest who's joining us in studio at this time, one of the very best female fighters in the world, regardless of combat sport. The one and only Tiffany Van Sust is here. How about this? This is amazing. Time Bomb is in the house. How are you, Tiffany? Good, thanks. How are you? It is a pleasure to have you in studio. Thank you so much. So Glory 48 Super Fight Series at the world's most famous arena. Five days away. Five? five four days away. Four, four days away. Yeah. What's it like? It's New awesome. York City. It's awesome. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Yes. Yeah. Have you ever fought in New York City before? No, I actually haven't even been here since I was a kid. So. Really? Yeah. It's when did you get back. here? Uh, five this morning. You just got here? Yeah. Holy smokes. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having I me. I appreciate it. How do you feel like with the jet lag and everything, red-eye flight? Mm, I got okay? some sleep before before the drive over here, so I'm, okay. feeling, I'm feeling pretty all right. By the way, I don't know if you heard Matt Mitrione just moments ago. He said that fighters who are caught using PEDs, you've been around combat sports for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, should be charged with attempted murder. Attempted murder? Yes. How do you feel about that? Do you feel that strongly about fighters who are caught using PEDs, or do you think that that's a little bit extreme? 
Definitely, uh, when especially in, in MMA with the gloves being so small and the, and the head trauma being more intense. Yeah. Um, you are you are a lot more likely to get more injured. Right. But I don't know about death. Yeah. I don't know about attempted murder. Okay. I know fighters do go in there with that mentality to kill. Right. So. Have you ever been in a fight where you're like, yeah, I feel like my opponent is is cheating. I feel like she's on something. Mm, Can you tell? Yeah, definitely. Tell. Yeah. Yeah. I hit her with everything but the kitchen sink, and right. she seemed okay. And what does that do for you mentally? Like, does that piss you off? Does that get you frustrated? Does that make you want to, you know, beat her up even more? Do you even think about it, or do you think about it after the fact? I think about it after the fact. Okay. Like if I go back and watch the fight, I'm like, how did she not fall down after that, or right. even seem phased by it at all? Um, but yeah, in the moment, I, I don't really think too much about it other than doing my job. Four days away from your, your, your title defense for glory, yeah. how would you compare your confidence level before, say, an MMA fight? So you're now one and one in MMA. Yeah. You, you got that elusive first win just a few months back in Invicta. Yeah. And we'll get to that in a second. But yeah. would you say that you're infinitely more confident about just your... Because this is, this is your bread and butter, right? I, right. I, I know Muay Thai kickboxing, as opposed to MMA with the ground game, it's a little different. It's a different world. And I know you were somewhat pressured into going to MMA. And we'll get to that as well. But to... to to prepare for a kickboxing match, which is what you're, you know, essentially known for. That's your mm. your bread and butter, as I said. Would you say that your confidence on fight week feels a lot different? Like you, you're 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 that much more confident. You feel different about yourself. You have a, a swagger to you, so to speak. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like you you're said, not questioning it's, yourself. It's my bread and butter. Right. I've been doing this for so long. Um, been striking on my feet, doing karate since I was eight years old. So, uh, getting ready for for a kickboxing match. It's um, there's, with MMA, there's a lot more unknowns as well. You know, with, with the ground aspect, the wrestling, the, the clinch is even different. The cage works as a factor as well. Um, so there's just a lot more unknowns and kind of that's, I'm not as, uh, not as familiar with those unknowns. Right. Like the unknowns that exist within striking, I feel like I've experienced most of them that, that can be experienced. So I'm definitely more comfortable and, and more confident going into kickboxing fights. Do you regret even going into MMA at this point? No, never. Okay. No. Because I, I read an interview that you said that, you know, here you are best in your field and everyone's asking, when are you going to jump over? When are you going to jump over? Why can't you just appreciate what I'm doing now? And that maybe you got on the MMA train a little too soon, that you didn't give yourself enough time. I, I read that you said that. Is that not accurate? It is. I don't regret doing MMA at all. I'm, okay. I'm glad that I finally made the jump so to get people off my back in a sense. Yeah. But um, at the same time, I think putting myself in the cage and, and in front of MMA fans and still being able to kickbox brings over that new demographic uh, of fan, the MMA fan to kickboxing. Mm -hmm. Because with kickboxing, you know, especially in glory, there's so many knockouts. So many knockouts, and that's what MMA fans like to see is the knockouts. And, and oftentimes when it goes to the ground, the average fan that doesn't understand it, they, they boo and, and right. they're bored, but um, there's so much that goes into it, but it's, it's not as aesthetically exciting as a knockout. And so with kickboxing, you get that. So hopefully with me doing both, um, I build my fan base with the, with the MMA fans, and then with continuing to kickbox, they... they follow me over to see what I can do in the ring as well. Have you noticed that? That you've become more popular, that you've brought some fans over from MMA to check you out in kickboxing after the two fights in Invicta? I like to think so. Okay. Yeah. You've noticed a difference in, in, in the way people talk about you or the attention that you receive. Oh, yeah, definitely. In hindsight, though, how much time would you have preferred to prepare for the MMA debut? For the debut? Yeah. 
probably two more months. Two more months. Okay. Yeah, about two more months of solid, solid work. Okay. Yeah. And so, how do you how do you break it down now? When like so? Okay, so you had a fight back in I think it was May. Late, uh, that was your debut, right? Uh, debut was a September, and then the second one was May. May, right? Okay, yeah. so now you have this fight seven months later, or so seven months. Um, how do you break up your time? Like, do you just okay? Now I have kickboxing. I'm not going to do wrestling, jujitsu, any of that. Are you going to just take a break from all that? Like, how do you how do you balance the MMA career and the <laughs> kickboxing career? Because yes, there are elements of of kickboxing and MMA, but there aren't any elements of MMA and kickboxing. So there's right. no point in doing the the ground stuff while you're preparing for a title fight in kickboxing. Yeah, I, I still do jujitsu and wrestling um, throughout the week at least a couple times. Okay. Um, Even while you're preparing for this camp? All the way up until about four weeks out. Okay. And okay. then obviously because the the more more uh, more injuries are likely to occur, especially with the wrestling and the jujitsu, my body's not as used to it as it is to the striking. Right. So I find that I get little bumps and bruises um, through that more often than through just striking. Yeah. So I just make sure that, that I'm smart about it. Um, every once in a while, I'll jump into a nogi class for some cross-training or for a sweat just to give my mind a break okay. and to kind of not completely abandon everything I'm learning and working on so that way I'm, there's still a sense of, of progression or I'm still involved in some way. But um, for a fight of this caliber, uh, I haven't done any groundwork in at least four weeks. What, what was it like after the first fight? After you know, There was a lot of attention going into it a lot of buzz about your debut and it didn't go your way. How did you handle it after being so successful in kickboxing for so long? I was pretty bummed. I'm not going to lie. I'm a competitor. I hate losing. Mm. I hate losing more than I love winning. I've always said that. Um, people could have made all the excuses. Oh, she was a wrestler. You did so well. You held your own. I'm like, but I didn't win. Mm. So it just, uh, by exposing myself to probably one of the more tougher opponents that I could have for my debut, um, I just threw myself right in the fire. I was like, all right, let's test myself and see where I'm at, see how how much my wrestling needs to improve in my ground game. Um, and I did I did show a lot of good moments in that fight, but I learned so much from it. So um, although losing was terrible and it sucked really, really badly. How did you handle it? Like, are you the kind of person who, who takes a break from the gym? You sulk, you need... A mental vacation, or yeah, I pout. Okay, you pout. I pout for a little while. That was that was yeah. a nice way of, of saying pouting. <laughs> yeah. You just stay at home and eat ice cream. Yeah, ice cream, cookies, burritos. Okay. Yeah. You just everything. go. You you go ham for about a week. Yeah. Okay, really? Wow. Yeah, it's disgusting. Okay. It was delicious. <laughs> D- delicious and disgusting at the same yeah. time. Do you watch it? You watch yeah. the fight. You did. Yeah. Okay. I watched it over and over oh, really? and over again. I watched myself turn purple. Wow. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it to where like. It's really hard for me to watch it at first, and then so I'll watch a little bit of it, and then I'm like, I can't. Okay. And then, and then I'll watch a little bit more, and then finally I just watch the whole thing, and I'm like, I'm sad, and then I'll watch it again. I'm like, oh, I should have did this, and I'm mad. I'll watch it again. Ah, I turned purple there. Wow. <laughs> I almost went to sleep there. You know, like <laughs> then I'm able to kind of like laugh about it, but it's it's a process, you know, like sure. like any emotional process. It's a roller coaster. And then the 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 sort of decision to agree to take the second fight and to get back on the horse. How difficult was that? Were you afraid? Or were you afraid of being embarrassed again or losing again, feeling that feeling again? How did you get over that hump? Yeah, there's always that fear. You know, going in there, there's there's one winner and there's one loser, you know. So um but I would I would be more ashamed and more disappointed if I didn't get back in. So okay. it's almost like I wanted to get back in as as quickly as I could, um, given some time to to get some more work in, make those improvements. But just to get in there, because I feel like the longer that I would have stayed out, the harder it would have been, the more like of a mental struggle it would have been, or um, 
to kind of get back in there. So I just wanted to get back in there as quickly as I could after that and redeem myself. Getting the hand raised. Yeah. What was that like? It was like, oh, finally. A weight lifted <laughs> off your shoulders? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Proved to, to a lot of other people and to myself that, yeah, I can do this. You still want to do it? Yeah. Well, then, so, so after, uh, not to look ahead, but like, are you going to go one, 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 one? How are you going to balance the two careers? Mm, we'll see. You don't know. So no. you don't know what the next one is yet? No. Like after Friday? No. Okay. I'm not looking past Friday. Right, of course. Yeah. Uh, some people, some smart people have told me this, you know, Anissa Mexen could be one of your toughest, if not your toughest kickboxing opponent to date. Do you agree with that assessment? Like 93 or so pro fights she's had coming out of France. She's been doing great things there. Would you agree with that? Uh, on paper, yeah, yeah, it looks like it. But from what I see, no. You're not impressed? I'm impressed, but I'm not feeling too threatened. I okay. mean, I'm on guard. I'm alert. I'm sharp. I'm focused. I'm ready as ever. But um, I don't. I don't see where she could, you know, like really, really hurt me. I mean, she's fast. Mm. She's really good at scoring points. But I like to hit hard, so it's hard to score points on somebody after right. you've been hit really hard a few times. It seemed like it took Glory a while to get on uh, the female fighting bandwagon, but now it seems like they're really pushing you. Do you feel that? Do you feel like they're getting behind you and they're putting you on this, you know, like the the the, the headliner for the Super Fight series, yeah. this big week for the UFC? They're focusing on a lot of female fighting, anniversary of Ronda Rousey, all that stuff. Do you feel like they're getting behind you? Do you feel the love? Yeah, I'm starting to feel the love. Yeah? Yeah. Starting to. Starting to. It took yeah. a little while? It took a little while, but better late than never. What, what 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 was missing early on? What were you not I, feeling? I don't know. I mean, just, I, I felt like every time I showed up to fight, I put on a great performance, a great, great show, showed that women do belong in there, and um, it just took that one chance, that one moment, okay, here's your time, prove it. Mm. It's like, now or never, mm. and, and I delivered. Right. So... You know, I just... And you didn't feel like they were getting excited about it or giving you the props that you deserve? Um, I think when the uh, when the title belt came into picture, okay. when, I mean, because it started as a tournament yep. and because they needed to crown a champion for the division. Yeah. Uh, of course, with, with anything that's that revolves around a belt, something big, shiny, a yeah. title, it's going to generate a lot more hype. Sure. So um, I think maybe that's what it took, just, to, just people to get, uh, or just more attention. Do you feel like there's a deep enough talent roster and glory to to keep you motivated yeah definitely yeah. i mean they they, they search they the globe job? and yeah. they find they they really do find the best female kickboxers in the world for this division they have found the best for this division so um i mean i fought girls from all over the world and and i rarely fight another american so they really are scouring the globe and finding the best girls they can of the three major combat sports mma kickboxing boxing we'll put those you know as, as the three major uh, do, you, do you disagree? Those are the three major, right? I would say so, yeah. Why is women's MMA the most popular by far of the three, in your opinion? I think with uh, the UFC being the powerhouse that it is, being mainstream now, having the platform that it has, it, it puts those women on that platform, gives them the exposure. And the girls, they all come to fight. Mm. I mean, we are just naturally more emotional creatures, so the battles get a little more heated, mm -hmm. and there's that, that little bit of extra fire or feistiness in them. Um, but on top of that, it's I think there's just something about seeing women do something so brutally beautiful that, that has a nice aesthetic to it. Um, but I'm trying to do the same with kickboxing. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like it's coming around? Do you feel like women's kick, uh, women's boxing? I mean, it, the story has been told like a million times over the past twenty years. There's a couple of names that emerge: Mia St. John, you know, uh, Layla Ali. But then it just kind of falls by the wayside. Mm -hmm. 
what needs to happen for women's kickboxing to be considered like, like now UFC puts on a main event, Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg. No one says like, Oh, I'm not getting my money's worth. No one feels like it's a lesser main event. What needs to happen for you to headline the entire glory event, not just Mm -hmm. the, the prelim, so to speak, or the super fight series as they call it. I don't know. I'm I'm hoping to to do something on Friday night that, you know, that'll prove that, Hey, I do deserve that spot. The ladies do deserve that spot. Okay. Um, I'm I'm very I'm I'm fascinated by your career and of course have great respect for your career. But you put out this video recently, uh, you you performing spoken word about <laughs> your um, your trials and tribulation with with anxiety, My social anxiety, social anxiety. Yeah. And I have to say, so it's hard for me to relate to fighters. It's easy for me to relate to someone talking about that because I've dealt with that, and I think a lot of us deal with that. Yeah. What prompted you? And 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 for anyone who hasn't seen it, um, I was going to play it here, but I, I feel like that's. Not fair to you, and yeah, uh, I might turn bright red. <laughs> yeah, and you need to watch the whole thing. Yeah, and I have many questions about it. So if anyone wants to see it, go on on, on Tiffany's uh, Twitter and check it out because it's, I, uh, I got a YouTube channel too. Yes. Oh, the full thing is on YouTube. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but you you link to it on your Twitter, right? It's uh, on my Instagram. The links in my bio to the YouTube. Okay, perfect. Um, what prompted you to do that? So I was in Austin at the On It Influencer Summit. Okay, and. A spoken word poet in Q was one of the keynote speakers. He ran us through a workshop. He performed. I've always liked to write. Um, I've always enjoyed watching spoken word poetry. But after watching him and interacting with him, um, I was inspired to kind of try it. But I didn't like plan when or how. Um, after one of the uh, the events, like the social events following the, the summit, um, I found myself just kind of sitting off to the side or feeling really awkward trying to start conversations with these people that I've never met before. I mean, I'm amongst my peers um, in a sense, you know, getting 40 influential people together, mm-hmm. kind of like a think tank. It was it was great. Um, so where I should have felt really, really comfortable, I just felt myself crawling in my own skin. And as soon as the event was over, I went back to my hotel room just so frustrated at myself for feeling that way. And mm. with the spoken word and everything being so fresh in my mind, you know, I was, I was so um, inspired and, and by, by NQ, I was like, I'm just going to write about this, mm. uh, write how I'm feeling right now. So I wrote it like fresh. The emotion was, was still like living within me. I got back to my hotel room and I wrote that. And then... Um, Shortly after that, I got back home, and I, I've never even tried spoken word. I'm like, I've watched it enough times, so I watched some more videos online. I'm like, all right, I'm going to record myself doing it and just see how it goes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, still reading it from my notebook. I hadn't memorized it yet. And um, I sent the video to my manager, and I was like, hey, what do you think about this? And he was just like, what is this? <laughs> and I was like, what is it bad? He goes, no, this is, this is, this is great. You know? Yeah. And I was like, what? This is, I've never done this before. This, I told him the story, you know, how, yeah. how it came about. And he was like, this, would you be comfortable like sharing this with the world? And I'm like, you know, I, I felt like I've been put in this position and given my gift of martial arts to, to give something to the world. If it's not martial arts, at least I'm on a platform to where people are paying attention to me. And so I was like, Hey, look, I, I'm a world champion, and I'm, I'm viewed as this superhero to a lot of people, but that's that's when the cameras are off, when I'm not in the ring. Like, every day, normal social events, like, even just regular social interactions, if I'm kind of off at the grocery store and someone comes up to me, I'm kind of like, kind of like, shell up really quick. Mm. Um, 
So I just thought it was so important to put it out there that, hey, world champions, celebrities, athletes, anybody, you know, we're, we're all one. We're all the same. We all suffer from the same things. So why not put it out there? Why not use my platform to deliver a message and let everyone know, hey, it's okay. You can deal and you can still do great things. This clip is almost three minutes long. Did you memorize it? I did. Wow. Please don't make me recite it. No, I'm not. I, I promise you I won't. Um, how many takes? Um, for the original two and then the one that's posted. Okay. Um, maybe three. Okay. Yeah, three and or four. Where'd you film it? I filmed it in an empty apartment in London. Okay. London, England. London, England. Okay. I was there for my manager's wedding. Okay. And I went to one of the pre-wedding parties, but it was for his wife's side. Okay. And I'm friends with her, but I didn't know anybody in her family. And they were lovely and made me feel so welcome and, and comfortable. But my anxiety, again, not knowing anybody, I'm in a different country. Yeah. You know, um... I just felt that same frustration and that same feeling I felt in Austin that night when I wrote it. Okay. And so I got back, it's like 2 a.m. and just using that emotion as fuel for the for the performance. So I just set up my iPhone on some empty boxes. Wow. I was all alone. Wow. And I was like, all right, I'm doing this. This is raw. This is real. I want I want that to be conveyed through this. So I know it doesn't look like it's like super well done because it wasn't. It mm. was... It was just my my phone and myself, you know, and, and my feelings. And so you guys got it raw and real as can be. Was it difficult to share it, to post it? There was the, in the moments leading up to, to posting it, I was like, should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? I'm like, but I know what the bigger picture is. Mm -hmm. You know, I know what the, what the cause is, what, what, what it's about. And it's bigger than than my fear, my anxiety, or my ego, or what people may think. So um, when it was finally released, it was, I was so excited. Like I was nervous, excited. But then when it was finally out, I started getting some feedback yeah. and seeing, oh man, it was so great. Really? It, it was like, what's the feedback oh, you're getting? It's, it's been great. So many people have, have contacted me and have been like, thank you so much. I struggle from the same thing. I didn't know, like, you look like you have it all together and you've, you've given me hope. You've inspired me. Like just everything I wanted from the video um, I've, I've gotten so far and I'm just, I'm so happy about it and um, the response has been so great and uh, I eventually want to work up to actually maybe trying to perform live myself. Okay. Um, the same piece? The same piece, other pieces. I've written a couple more. Wow. Um, maybe work my way up from some like some local open mic nights where nobody knows me. I wear hat and glasses sure, sure, sure. just to get used to it, yeah. you know? And then, um, yeah, and then maybe be able to do it for real. Do you feel like it has given you more confidence in day-to-day -day life, just putting it out there and getting it off your chest and, 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 and people kind of know? Or is that it, it, like you're back at that party in London, you'll still feel the same way. It's hard to kind of change. I do feel a lot better about okay. putting it out there and kind of like, you know, I looked the monster in the face, you know, yeah. and I was like, and then let everyone else see it too, you know, but um, I definitely still feel that, that social anxiety. And I know there are ways to cope with it and ways to deal with it. Just like anything else, it's going to take practice. But um, yeah, I don't know. How long have you been dealing with that? You know, since mental health has become more of a prevalent issue and yeah. is becoming more talked about, um, 
I was able to put a, a name to it and okay. figure out what it was, but it's something I've been feeling since I was little. Really? The only place I've ever felt like really comfortable is, you know, doing karate, playing soccer, being active, you right. know? Um, what, but when I'm put in a, in a situation where it's like, okay, here's all these people, everyone talk, and, you know, um, then it's like, ooh, <laughs> it just kind of, I don't know, I get that feeling. So when you walk out to fight, you never feel that? No, I feel really? so at peace. No anxiety, no nothing? No, I just feel focused and ready and, and um, just just ready to go out there and fight. But I don't feel... The anxiety that I feel is like a nervousness. Like, okay, yeah, let's, go, let's go, let's go, let's go. anticipation. But it's not anywhere near the same anxi anxiety that I feel when when I'm like out at a social event where sure. I don't know anybody. And I'm, I'm either... I have two options. Like, okay, come out of my shell and, and talk to people. And still, it's like, I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, where do my hands go? Yeah, yeah, am, yeah. I, am, I, am I... Do I look weird? It's either that or... I sit off in a corner by myself and, and don't say anything and I just kind of watch. But then it's like, I'm sitting by myself. Does everyone know I'm sitting by myself? Yeah, yeah. Do I look weird because I'm by myself? Oh, so it's just like this constant, this this battle in, in my head where I want to engage because I love talking to people and meeting new people. And once the ice is broken, for the most part, I, I feel okay. But there's some moments where I'm like, God, you're so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just... Yeah, it, I don't know. I, ha I hate when uh, interviewers interject, but like you're giving me so many uh, memories of being in college. Mm -hmm. I used to be, I used to wait till I, I would listen in my dorm and wait till I didn't hear anyone, wait till like 3 a.m. just to go brush my teeth because I was that nervous about being around other people. I would never go to the uh, cafeteria to eat. I would get food and then run upstairs and eat in my room by myself because I didn't I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to talk to people. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I didn't know yeah. if they were looking at me, if they were judging me. Um, but you so, feel comfortable in front of these cameras yes. doing this, right? Yes. It's, it's a bizarre it's kinda, thing. It's so, so backwards. People are like, you don't seem shy at all. Right. You're very outgoing. You're, I'm like, yeah, I am when I'm at work. Right. You know, when... I know I'm doing this. This is planned. I can kind of like mentally prepare for it. But um, like I said the other day, I was at the grocery store after training, just super tired, putting together a salad, and someone comes up to me, hey, Tiffany, how's it going? And I'm uh -huh. like, I don't, uh, uh, like yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I kind of froze. And right. then I was like, oh, I probably came off like a jerk. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's a tough thing. Yeah. It, it's crippling at times. Very. Um, yeah. And so I give you a lot of credit. When I saw that, I was like, first of all, you performed it wonderfully Thank you. Um, and it's very well written Thank but when you. I saw it, it it was great to see someone who I mean like what you what all of you do uh, MMA fighters boxers I mean I can't even imagine like I don't possess we regular people we don't possess the gene that you guys possess that allows you to go into a ring or a cage it's a little bit of a crazy yeah it is yeah, a crazy it's, but it's, it's a good crazy. kind of crazy but I, I like I admire it but I can never even fathom doing it um, like you're you're essentially naked, right? Like you have no shoes on. You're wearing gloves, big one, small one. But like that's pretty much it. You have yeah. no weapons. I mean, two fighters is essentially two warriors bearing their souls to the world. It's insane. Yeah. And then and so like you're able to do that, but then a party scares the crap out of you. Yeah, it's an amazing like, there's, thing. There's things people will invite me out to to events or dinners, and I do want to go, but I just think about that feeling and oh, I'm gonna get it, and yeah, mm, I'm just gonna stay home tonight. Do you feel like it stopped you from? going down certain paths in your life, like from achieving certain goals, or have you been able to overcome it every step of the way? I mean, certainly you're successful as far as fighting is concerned, mm -hmm. and you could have been successful in soccer as well, right? You had to make that choice. Mm -hmm. But do you feel like it has stopped you throughout your life? Um, no, I'm sitting here yeah. talking to you. You're doing well. So I'm doing something right. Right. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. I, I, I really urge everyone to check it out, and I hope you do it more. 
I really do. I, I will. I definitely. Yeah. I really, the it was it was uh, the same kind of release and expression and and uh, outlet that I feel from fighting, mm-hmm. um, just without all the physical pain right. <laughs> and all the all the sweat. All the uh, it's just a different kind of release, but it it felt. Um, like on this, it was on the same scale. Sure. Like after a fight, you just feel oh, okay, you know. Um, doing that the first time I I performed it and got it out and actually you know watched it, I was like, wow, oh, that yeah. felt really good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I can imagine. Um, and and what about you? Also, put, just perusing your social media, you uh, I'm not going to say his name, but you 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 took the liberty to call out a troll who was just harassing you, right? How bad is this for you? How it, often are you harassed? online at least every day really yeah at least once a day like it's relentless it's not relentless um sometimes it's it's pretty quiet or it's pretty mild yeah but then there's sometimes where somebody just has the nerve to post something so vulgar Mm. or so inappropriate or so rude it just i cannot stay quiet okay you know i have to respond because it's like i think a lot of times they don't expect a response like i'm not gonna see it and, and I think it's kind of important in, in a sense to be like, hey, just because you're sitting behind a computer screen or your phone and no one, like there's no consequence for what you just said, it doesn't mean it doesn't have an effect, you know, and you need to know that that's not okay. You know, like, like one of the main issues in today's world is cyberbullying. Mm. And then that just goes along with the anxiety and the depression sure. and, and especially with kids mm-hmm. and there's in, in this generation, the social media generation, like, it's terrible. People can just say whatever they want, whenever they want, however they want, with no consequences. And they don't think about how it affects, mm-hmm. you know, the person that they're saying it to. Like, even after a fighter loses a fight, like uh. I said, they just went out and bared their soul to the world. Do you yeah. think they wanted to lose? Do you think they wanted to have a bad performance? Do you think you telling them they suck or how uh. badly they did is going to help in any way or contribute to how they're feeling? Like, no. I mean, people just need to... I think if the roles were reversed, if everybody could at least, you know, fight once. Yeah, good luck Just with that. once. Yeah. Go through a training camp. You know, the mental, the physical, the emotional roller coaster that that is a training camp, and then put yourself in front of that many people and and do the thing in front of that many people. Uh, I think they a lot of those trolls would would shut up. It's amazing. You can get a hundred positive comments and then one really bad one, and that's the one you'll harp on. At least I'm that way, right? Yeah. I mean, like you kind of eh, great, thank you, compliment, compliment, and then you get one really nasty one, yeah. and it ruins your day because it comes right to your face, right? It's not like someone writing on some forum and you have to go in there and search for it. Like it, this is your phone, this is your personal phone, yeah. And you're reading it, and it feels very personal. Yeah. And so I wonder. I think that might have something to do with it too. The yeah, fact like, that it's something that it's yours and your holding it in your hand right and you're reading something that somebody wrote all like 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 they meant for you to see it it's like it's personal so what do you do you just block 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 no i let them really i just let them why why let them have what am i gonna do block them i don't have to see this but i don't want to i don't want to give them the satisfaction satisfaction so if they want to if they want to keep talking shit and and keep being a you know kind of crummy person i'll acknowledge it and be like hmm that's that sucks, right. you know. But I'm gonna leave this here for everybody else to see. Really, okay. like let everyone else see how how terrible you are for saying that. But every once in a while, <laughs> when I'm feeling some kind of way, right, yeah. you know, like or it's just something so bad I can't 
ignore it, mm-hmm. I'll respond. And wow. usually they're really quick to backpedal. Like especially the guys who are like like oh, videos of me hitting mitts, you know, like oh nice booty, whatever, something about that. And I'm like, I'll re- I'll respond like, would you say that to my face if you saw me in the gym? Mm-hmm. No. So why would you say that to me right. here? Like, do you feel like female fighters get it more than male fighters? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Why do you think that is? Because so many males watch this and they feel like, okay, we're better than you because like we'll tell you how it is or we'll treat you a certain way. I don't know if it's if it's necessarily that. Okay. But I think it's just, you know, males and females cohabitating, mm-hmm. you know, like when it comes down to like the most biological aspects of it, it's like a male sees an attractive female, it's going to generate some type of you know, response, uh-huh. um, but to actually act on it and say something inappropriate like that um, is is another thing than just being like, in your head you can be like, oh, she's got a nice ass while she's hitting mitts. That's cool. But instead of put it out there, like tweet it. Like yeah, it's yeah. just so, like if you wouldn't say that to my face or to that girl's face, because you know she would clock you. Right. Don't write it. Do you ever get it at the gym? Do you ever have guys come up to you? Maybe not now because no. you're, you're world-renowned, but early on where you felt like they were disrespecting you and yeah. talking to you a certain way? Yeah, definitely. How did you overcome that? Whoop Just keep ass. showing up. Oh, you whooped their ass? <laughs> yeah. Legit? Yeah. What do you do? Someone comes up to you and says something, you just punch them? No, I wait till it's time to spar or time okay. to drill or whatever. and You whoop their ass? Yeah. Do you tell them why? I'll, I'll make a smart remark after you. Really? Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Does this still happen? No. No one does that anymore. No. Well, when's the last time it happened where you had to like prove or, or teach someone a lesson? Mm, not within the last year, I would okay. say. All right. I mean, sometimes I, you know, you get those guys that come in and, and they, they know who I am and they, they know my skill level, so they want to test it. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, you want to test me? Let's go to school then. Wow. Yeah. They want to spar you. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And you school them. Yeah. <laughs> How big are these people? Like, what's the biggest you'll spar against? Uh, now, I'm, I'm very, you know, careful with who sure. I spar with because, you know, with uh, the level that I'm at, um, you know, injury is something I have to take into consideration. So I don't spar with anybody that that's over maybe like 150, 155 pounds. 155? Yeah. Wow. Like, not fight at 155. Sure. Okay, but okay. About, okay. So, like, I think a 145-er would be, like, maybe the absolute heaviest that I would spar with. In a perfect world, would you just stick in kickboxing or do you genuinely enjoy MMA as well? I do both. I want to be able to... I'm a hybrid. Like When I competed in Muay Thai, in full rules Muay Thai, my style wasn't traditional Muay Thai. Mm. Um, With kickboxing, I don't look like a typical kickboxer, maybe more so than Muay Thai fighter. But um, there's aspects of my athleticism and, and my game that that do transfer well into MMA. Um, I'm really liking jiu-jitsu now. Okay. And, and wrestling is something that I felt uh, uh, came to me more naturally than, than the actual straight jiu-jitsu. Um, and I've, being, being athletic and having a hybrid style in whatever sport I've, I've competed in, um, I want to be a true hybrid athlete and, and be able to do Muay Thai, do kickboxing. Do MMA. Um, when I'm finished, when I'm retired from competing in um, combat sports, I want to just continue doing jujitsu. Okay. And, and do jujitsu tournaments. Wow. I want to be a black belt in jujitsu one day. When do you think that time will come? How much longer do you want to go? Do you think about that? Mm, yeah, definitely. I think my magic number is 33. 33? 33. Okay. Yeah. And so we've got 10 years left. 
Good answer. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and, and what about, you know, just, you, so you had this path, right? You could have gone soccer or, or you know, Muay Thai kickboxing, right? Mm-hmm. And you chose that because you couldn't do both. Do you ever think about what your life would be like if you chose soccer? Do you ever dream about that? That sort of sliding doors? What would I be doing now? What would, um, you know, How successful would I be? Things like that. Yeah, not too often because uh-huh. at that point, I was when I was playing soccer, like the only real place for me to play would have been to go to Europe. Yeah. And even there, women's soccer doesn't really carry much weight. Sure, or sure. Have, So I would have just ended up coming back here and, you know, working a normal job. Right. I feel like you made the right choice. I definitely made the right okay. choice. You don't have regrets? No. What's the sponsorship game like for for someone like you of your stature, champion, televised, kickboxing, things like that? It's getting better. It's getting better? It's getting better. Okay. But there's still a lot of work to be done. Okay. And there's still a lot of growth that can that can happen okay. there. But um, I'm definitely starting to feel the love. You are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to give any of them uh, a shout <laughs> yeah, out? Yeah, of course. On it. On it. Oh, yeah, on that's it. right. Yeah. Wow. And you were invited out there to be a part of this like 40-person? Yeah, the Influencer Summit. Wow. It was an absolutely incredible. incredible experience. It was very inspiring. It was, you, you walk into the room and you look around and I'm like... Lance Armstrong sitting next to me. Really? Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. You talked to any of them personally? Yeah, before my anxiety kicked okay. in. <laughs> Hi, how's it going? I'm Tiffany. I'm a fighter. That's right. That's about it. Um, but yeah, just the energy in the room. Like when you could just tell that there's a lot of special people here sure. and a lot, of, they think differently and they all live differently in ways that are influential to others. Mm. And so to have that many people of, you know, that same kind of vibe and tribe together was was a really cool experience. Any other fighters there? Michelle Watterson was there. Okay. She's an absolute sweetheart. Yep. Fighting yeah. this weekend as well? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You watch UFC? Yeah. Okay. Favorite fighter? My favorite fighter? I don't think I have a favorite fighter right okay. now. I've, Not one that you say like, oh, I need to watch because she or he is fighting? Um, usually when my friends fight, okay. for sure. Uh-huh. Um, I've always been a big Jose Aldo fan from his early days because of his striking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... I feel um, like there's something about, like, soccer players turned fighters. The kicks are just phenomenal. Yeah. Like, do you feel like it helps you? The skills that you learn in soccer or vice versa? It's not the kicks. It's not the kicks. No, what is it? It's the footwork. It's the footwork. Yeah. See? You're right. And he's fighting as well this weekend. Yep. And he used to be a soccer player, too. Yep. In case you didn't know. Um, all right. So it goes down this Friday. Glory 48. Super Fight Series. Super Bantamweight Championship on the line. Tiffany Van Soost against Anissa Mexen. Your 4-0 in glory. Anissa's 2-0. and 93-3 record. Holy smokes. Yeah. She's, she's been around the block. Yeah. And then, and so that's on UFC Fight Pass. You can also get the tickets at the uh, MSG Theater, msg.com. And it kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fight Pass. But also, 10 p.m., Glory 48, New York. What do you think? You want that? Yeah, I'm taking it. <laughs> uh, that's like one of 20. So well, what am I going to do now. about it? Yeah, all right. I'm not going to fight you. So ESPN3, that's the uh, Glory 48 card. Where's the time bomb bobblehead, though? Yeah. I want to know. Do you have one? How do I get one? Yeah, Glory. If I get one, will you, you put at? it on the desk? I would, I would love nothing more. Where's the time bomb bobblehead? I would love nothing yeah. more. Yeah. Like, that would be amazing. <laughs> I feel like that would sell pretty well. I, I, I'd like to think so. Yeah, they need to get behind you more. I mean, like, you should be main eventing the real show on ESPN. And I need bobbleheads. Yes, and you need bobbleheads. Bobble All right, we're going to work on that. All I'm right. going to talk to the Glory people. Cool. And then once it comes out, you'll be right next to Hoist, right over here. Perfect. It's a deal. Sounds good. Thank you very, no- for, thank you very much, Tiffany. You made me nervous there um, talking about anxiety. <laughs> uh, really, thank you for coming out and talking about all of that. And, and it really it made me relate to you even more so than I would have expected. So kudos and keep doing it. 
Well, Not just the fighting stuff, but the you know speaking up stuff, spoken word. It's great. Um, I really appreciate you stopping by, and best of luck on Friday. Thank you very much. All right, there she is, Tiffany Van Seuss, my man. Uh, Joe over here is going to walk you out, so I appreciate it. Thank you for stopping by. <laughs> okay, thank you very much, Tiffany. There she goes, the uh, Glory Super Bantamweight Champion. There she goes with my Fedor bobblehead. And uh, I appreciate her stopping by with the big title fight coming up on Friday. Again, it's Glory 48 Super Fight Series. Tiffany Van Soost against Anissa Mexen for the Glory Super Bantamweight Championship of the World. 7.30 on UFC Fight Pass and then 10 p.m. Eastern on ESPN3. That's at the theater over at Madison Square Garden in New York. And if you have not seen that spoken word video, trust me on this one. Uh, it's it's really impressive. It's impressive to actually recite something that long off the top of your head without any stops or starts. It's also impressive to put yourself out there the way in which she did. So um, definitely have a newfound appreciation for Tiffany and looking forward to her return to action as far as kickboxing is concerned on Friday evening. All right. Let us move along. I've been wanting to have our next guest on the program for quite some time. Uh, he's, he's often showing up in my, my Twitter timeline, and there's a few things I want to talk to him about. So without further ado, let's go to Montreal, Quebec, Canada, and welcome in the number one contender in the Bellator welterweight division, the one and only Rory McDonald joins us right now. Rory, are you there? I'm here. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, great to talk to you. It has been a minute, and I appreciate the time, as always, Rory. So uh, the question right off the bat, and the question that I got when everyone uh, found out that you were going to be on the show was, is, is he really going to try to be a part of this heavyweight tournament? And so I'll ask you the question, are you really going to try to be a part of the Bellator heavyweight tournament? Yeah, absolutely. I, I spoke with Scott Coker about it, and uh, I, uh, he said that he, they would maybe use me as an alternate if someone gets injured. And also seeing how my fight goes with Lima, obviously. But uh, I like my chances if uh, someone gets injured or pulls out for whatever reason. Why do you want to do this? Um, I've always wanted to do a tournament. And um, I think I think it would be interesting doing it, uh, you know, uh, kind of like old school, like... I know I'm going to be way like uh, way undersized against these guys in the tournament, so it kind of brings back that old school UFC vibe, and uh, that's always something I felt like would be interesting. Even if you're fighting guys who are weighing like 265 pounds, like a like a Roy Nelson, 250, something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be interesting. I think the fans would find it interesting just to see that. Um, the new school MMA um, with the touch of the old school, you know, with the right. no weight limit kind of thing, but even though I would have to make the weight. but Were you genuinely disappointed that you weren't asked to be a part of this? Um, I was, no, I mean, I just, I didn't, uh, I didn't hear about it before, so I would have pleaded my case beforehand to be on the list. Okay. But I understand that I wasn't put on it. Um, by the way, who do you think is the favorite as far as the tournament is concerned? Like, do you, do you, do you think that there's a clear cut guy? Probably Ryan Bader or Mitrion. Uh huh. Isn't it crazy that a, a, a non heavyweight would be the favorite? Yeah, but they're all pretty big and right. And I find like, even like light heavyweights, 
you know, when you're, when you're that size and you're that athletic, uh, you know, it doesn't really matter. Uh, we've seen like, I know it's a different sport, but you know, in boxing over the years, a lot of the, a lot of the dominant champions were actually undersized guys mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. with more speed, but you know, equal power. When you spoke to to Coker about it, did you feel like he was actually seriously, you know, open to the idea, or he was just like kind of telling you what you wanted to hear? He seemed cool with it. He he seemed like surprised, but like happily surprised. And uh-huh. I don't know. I I think he's a pretty straight shooter. Scott, yeah. So when he tells me something, I'm uh, I have no reason not to believe him. How are you feeling at Bellator these days? Because I know, uh, you know, after your fight, you were kind of, or I think it was actually when you showed up to do the Lima thing, you sort of voiced some displeasure about certain things. Do you feel like things are kind of falling into place? Are you happier there now? Well, I, I'm always, I've always been happy. I mean, it's just, they, they knew that I wanted to see busy after my first fight. And uh, obviously I'm, I've had a long layoff since then, which is not been ideal but uh i've talked to scott and he's given me his word that you know we're gonna we're gonna be a lot busier in 2018 after this fight against lima and honestly i'm just i'm just happy to be fighting again and to be training and training hard for a fight actually today was my first day of fight camp officially kicking off so oh wow you know it feels really good yeah how did you feel out there felt great I felt like uh, I felt like I'm going to be a champion very soon. Why did it take so long for you to get a fight? Why the long layoff between May and January, and you were healthy during this time, no injuries? Why did it take so long? They wanted they wanted me to be on like the the Paramount release of their new network. They wanted oh. uh, my title fight with Lima to be uh, the debut for that uh, network launch. Okay. So do you feel like that's sort of a, I don't know, a, a vote of confidence in your favor? Like they really think that highly of you that they want you in the main event, new network, everything like that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's just, uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't have mind even have changed the weight class to get a, a fight in in between, but I understand. Um, we, we're working together and, you know, it's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're both uh, we're both understanding of uh, each other's uh, needs out of this deal. So uh, you know, in the end of the day, we're all ha- we're all happy and we're working together. Of all the people that have come over from the UFC to Bellator, why have you had the best debut by far? Why does it seem like everyone sort of kind of stumbles either en route to victory or maybe defeat? Yours was flawless, but why does it seem like you're like one of the only ones who actually had that great you know that great performance that they were paying for? I can't speak for everybody, but I, I do feel that I've I've hit a new stride in my in my career and the way I train. I felt like all the experiences over my career, I've learned uh, great lessons, and I really am I'm I'm in a new I'm, on a new stride as far as my training and the way I'm performing. So I think that has a lot to do with it. I think the um, underrated competition at Bellator is um, a factor. You know, I think guys think maybe they're going to do, uh, maybe they believe the hype that they're going to come in and smash guys. And then, you know, they're get they're getting uh harder, a harder fight than the, what they think, you know? Hmm. So I don't, I don't know. I can't speak from what people's, um, 
performances. Um, but you know, the, the the roster at Bellator where the, you're fighting the top talent here, they're good guys. They're equally competitive with the top guys in UFC. So. You have said that you also want to fight at 185. You weren't all that impressed with Gegard Mousasi's debut. In fact, you thought that Gegard lost that fight, right? Yeah, I mean, I understand why he won the decision. It's just I don't think he'll won the fight, if you can understand what I'm saying. he, uh, As far as judging it from the criteria um, round by round, I would say, yeah, you would probably win a decision. But, I mean... We all seen the actual fight. He didn't win a fight, you know. He, he he got beat up. He just, you know, he he won rounds, kind of thing on a scorecard mm-hmm. basis. So, I mean, uh, it wasn't his best performance. We all can't have our best performance. I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not knocking the guy's uh, ability. I think he's a great fighter, but I don't think he won the fight. He was very upset when I told him this. He 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 went I off know, on you. Did you hear this? He said, Warren McDonald could get it himself. Let him win his fight and then let's talk. He shouldn't talk. He's an idiot. He looks like a mass murderer. He should shut his mouth. A bit aggressive, no? What do you think? Yeah, I got under his skin. But I think he's just a little bit upset, sour about, you know, the way the fight went. And I think he had higher standards for himself. So I guess I hit a nerve. Yeah, you clearly hit a nerve. I think everyone hit a nerve. He told the world to suck it. All his, uh, all his, <laughs> his, uh, his, uh, his detractors. Um, is the goal fight Lima on the twentieth, and then the the middleweight title, or has this tournament kind of changed your plans for twenty eighteen? What's what's the perfect twenty eighteen for you? Have you as you've had to kind of like sit on the sidelines and and, and stew here for a bit? Um, I have an open mind. Okay, I uh, I. I just, I'm looking for a fight, you know, it, you know, three months after the fight with Salima. If it's defending my title at welterweight or moving up to a different weight class and challenging someone for a belt or, you know, a competitive fight with a big name or, or the heavyweight tournament, if someone needs to get a, if they need someone to fill a spot, I'll be there for that. So I'm pretty much open to anything. I just, I'm really focused. Well, I mean, I'm hoping that I get the fight three months, a fight three months after Lima. What was it like having to do all that media with Douglas Lima? I know you spent a few days with him in California. You were in very close quarters. Was that annoying? Did you not mind it? How would you describe it? I don't mind it at all. I've done it before with guys like Lawler and Tyron Woodley and a few other guys, I think. Uh, I've done a lot of that so it doesn't it doesn't affect me he's much, not a big talker yeah and he keeps to himself and I, I keep to myself and it's you know it's uh, we're doing our doing our job but he's taking subtle jabs at your attire and things like that did you did you feel like he crossed the line at all no he didn't hit a nerve I, I know <laughs> I look good so it's all good yes <laughs> It's amazing. You're a real fashion icon. You're a trendsetter. I mean, you, you pull out something like a like a turtleneck, and the whole world is talking about it. It's a bit bizarre, right? That that like you wear something, and then it becomes like a whole big topic of discussion in the world of MMA. It was unexpected, that's for sure. But uh, <laughs> you know, I was pleasantly surprised. It uh, went. It had a little viral effect. Yeah. Cool. Any any uh, any sponsors come out as a result of this? No, no, nothing, nothing happened. But you know what? Maybe one day, you know, we'll keep uh, keep doing things like that. Maybe something will come up. 
I feel like you go through phases as far as your fashion is concerned. Like sometimes you get super dressed up. Sometimes you're not really feeling it. Sometimes you've got the shaved head. Sometimes you've got the mohawk. Sometimes you've got like the gentleman's cut. Is it fair to say that you kind of like sometimes you really want to get dressed up and sometimes you're like, yeah, screw this. Is that fair? Yeah, I've had times where I'm just lazy and didn't care enough to do it. And, uh, but I think that's, that's like a direct, uh, a direct influence on just like where I am in my life, I guess, just lazy and not interested. But, mm. uh, for the most part, uh, especially now, you know, I'm, I'm in a good space in my life. I'm motivated. I like what I'm doing. So, uh, I'm happy. Everything's, everything's going well. So I don't mind, uh, I don't mind, you know, looking good and, you know, whatever. So, so, so if we want to know if Roy McDonald is happy in life, we look at how you're, how you're dressed and that's an indication. And so if, you know, the, the turtleneck and the response is any indication, you're a very happy guy these days. Do you ever look back at your, your previous employer and see what's going on in your previous division and compare and say, oh, I would be doing this or that if I was still there? Do you, do you, do you think about that sort of thing? Uh, I haven't put myself in the division, but I've seen obviously on Twitter, some of the chaos that goes on, um, <laughs> as far as some of the newer guys talking to get their spotlight and the drama. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I stay out of it. So, it's pretty, so you, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Do you feel like that's not the case as much in Bellator? Like there's less drama? Yeah, I think so. Uh, obviously there's some like with like Paul Daly and uh, Michael Venom page, but right. uh, that's all, that's all good. I, I find that one, they, they haven't crossed any lines or acted stupidly. They're, they're just, uh, they got that bad, bad blood going on and that's, that's good for the sport. Where did you watch uh, GSP's return fight? Uh, at my uh, father-in-law's. What was that like seeing him back? A guy you've been around for, you know, you've been around him for so long, trained with him to see him come back and, and do what he did. What was that like for you? I thought he did great. Um, it was really impressive to see a guy to be out for that long and go to a brand new division and beat a bigger guy like he did. And probably one of the coolest finishes I've seen in a long time in MMA. Just was very was very brutal and I thought that was that was a good look. What what was so cool about it? I mean, to the layman, it was a rear naked choke, but for your for for your trained eye, what was so cool about it? Well, when he hit him with that left hook, stumbled him, and he hit him with that uh, Superman uh, jab with the spinning wheel kick, uh, spinning hook kick, and then uh, took him down and choked him out. He was all bloodied up, and I don't know. It was just it looked pretty savage, like a savage beatdown. And then he choked him unconscious. So that was pretty awesome too. <laughs> Savage. I love when you use words like that. Yeah. They, they're so much more effective coming out of coming out of you. Do you think that he fights again? What do you think? What's your prediction? I would assume so. Uh-huh. But I have no idea. Has he been back at the gym? Um, I'm not sure. I haven't seen him. Where will you be training for this title fight? Uh, two weeks in Montreal at TriStar and then five weeks in Kelowna at Toshido MMA. Okay. So, so for this one, more of it back home. Yeah. Same, same setup as I did for the Paul Daly fight. How and why did you settle on that breakdown? 
Uh, I don't know. It just it, it works for me. I like uh, I like that setup. Uh-huh. And, uh, it's good for me. Do you and bring I, your? F- and, and, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, go for, go for it. Uh, do you bring your family with you when you when you go back home to British Columbia? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so you're not away from your from your child for five weeks. No, I couldn't do that. I mean, I've I uh, was recently in BC, and I was there for a week alone at my place there, and uh, it it was terrible. I really didn't like being away from them for that long. So yeah, uh, for long long stretches, I definitely we're all together. Now, can you explain, uh, if someone follows you on Twitter, 95% of the tweets are about Bitcoin. And I heard that if you own Bitcoin back in the day, we've talked a bit about Bitcoin in the past, but I've heard that if you've owned Bitcoin, that you're making a killing right now. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's doing really well. I'm really happy with, with uh, what's been going on in the space. And there's, that's another dramatic uh, space. There's a lot of, uh, dramatic people in that world do, but it, honestly, really? uh, it's, it's really exciting to be a part of it. And I'm, I'm happy and feeling blessed that, uh, I was lucky enough to get into it at the time I did because, uh, you know, it's just, uh, I would have never have stumbled upon something like that if it wasn't for, for Oz bringing it up and us talking about it and it just growing from there. So, so do you, you own Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Is is it rude to ask someone how much they own? I'm not really familiar with like the that world. Is that a rude question? Um it's kind of like asking how much money do you have? Oh, okay. All right. So <laughs> so is it like is it like a stock market thing? So now it's up and before it was down. Like are you are you going to sell your bitcoin so you can cash in? How does that work? Who who decides when it's up or down? The market. So uh you could you could buy and sell trade on different exchanges, um, different websites, things like that, ATMs that are around your city or whatever. Um, you could check the price on um, like like market cap websites and things like that. But it's yeah, it's more or less like uh, like the stock market, but just unregulated. Wow. And and why are you so interested in it? Why do you? I mean, like like I said, all your tweets for the most part are about it. Um, why is this something well, that I, I think it could be a big part of, uh, I think a big part of the world's history coming soon and, in, in the upcoming future. I think, uh, there's a lot of things that could grow from the Bitcoin technology and the, the blockchain idea. I think, uh, there's just unlimited possibilities with it that could change the way we live and the way we transact and the way we do businesses and the way government runs and this pretty much any aspect of our lives, this, this technology could potentially change, change it as we know it. Have I missed the boat? Like, would it be stupid to get into it right now because it's so expensive? Did did, did that kind of time coming up? I personally don't think so. It obviously from first glance is very expensive and it's known to have a lot of volatility. So there's big ups and big downs in it, in the market. But, uh, you know, at right now it's on a big up. I think it's at the, at the highest it's ever been lately. So, wow. Um, I Any mean, reason I don't, for that? I, mean, no, I have, I have just, uh, it's just growing more and more people are 
getting into it. It's uh, more and more awareness. It's uh, it's just growing. It's it's uh, more people are finding out about it and finding it cool, and more people are using their businesses for it and things like that. Would you ever consider asking Bellator to pay you in Bitcoin? Yeah, I, I would get paid in Bitcoin for sure. Wow. Have you ever asked them that? No, I never asked them, but maybe I should. Yeah. That'd be incredible. You'd be the first fighter to ever get paid in Bitcoin. I, I know. I think there was a tournament in Asia. Uh, I think Phil Baroni was telling me about it where they, they uh, was it one maybe? One of the tournaments saying that they, they were offering to pay in Bitcoin. Um, and it made me think of you and, and how interested you are in all of it. So are, are you, are you act like, is this, is this is your escape from MMA, right? Just like reading about it, checking up on it, the news, all that stuff. It's a hobby. I, I a enjoy hobby. it. I like, I like checking up on it all uh, during the daytime and fun to talk about with other people that are involved in it or want to get involved in it. So not like me. It's, uh, pardon? Not like me. Who's completely clueless about all of it. Um, so you have to no, I, I explain it to people all the time that have no idea about it. That's, I mean, that's how I got into it was someone was explaining it to me and I had to, you know, learn about it and do my own research eventually. But I mean, and I, I still don't, I still have only scratched the surface as far as what it is. How many, um, how many years have you had Bitcoin for? I got my first Bitcoin, uh, when I fought Tyrone Woodley. So, oh really? I think okay. it was 2014, maybe. Boy, would I love to see that fight again. Yeah, that would be interesting. Huh? Uh, maybe, would be. Uh, maybe one day. Who one knows, day. Yeah? Um, last yeah. thing for you, I know, I know when you were doing media, and you also kind of referenced it on the show. You talked a bit about the Robbie Lawler situation. Is there a reason why you held on to it and decided to finally come out with it now that you believed he was using PEDs? Like, was this something that was just bothering you that you felt like you had to get off your chest? Why did you come out now? You oh. know, long after the fight was over. No, no. I mean, I think when I first found out about the the test, the first time I actually spoke about it was when we actually had a phone call. I had found out about it 30 minutes before I got on the phone with you. Oh, wow. And I was all upset about it. I don't know if you remember that phone call. I do. do you? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Changed um, my life. <laughs> I spoke. <laughs> okay. I spoke about it. Uh, and then I was on an asked me anything on Reddit. Someone asked me my feelings on if he was or wasn't. I said, I think he was. And then it blew up. People started writing articles on it. But honestly, I think I probably should just shut my mouth on it because I can't prove it. And, uh, it just, I'm slandering the guy's name for, you know, no, it just makes me look like a sore loser, which really is not what I'm trying to do. Uh So, you know, I, I have all the respect in the world for Robbie. I think he's an amazing fighter. Hopefully one day we'll be able to step into the, the cage again and do it again. But, um, you know, it is what it is. And, That's uh, fair. You know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to come out and, uh, attack a guy with no evidence behind me. So uh, I'll, I'll leave it in the past. Very fair. Um, and I appreciate that. Matt Mitrion was on the show earlier and he said that anyone who's caught using PEDs should be charged with attempted murder. What do you, what do you think of that suggestion? Too much? Oh, uh, it's, it's possible. I guess I could see where he could, he, uh, he could go with that because, uh, what we do is potentially life threatening. So, uh, I get it. I don't know. 
I don't know. I think if, if you're caught and someone, you've severely beaten someone down, possibly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you're just caught and it was, you know, whatever fight, maybe not. Okay. Good to catch up, Rory. Thank you very much. Um, good to check in with you on the first day of training camp. Looking forward to a January 20th in Inglewood, California. Rory McDonald finally getting a chance to fight for another belt. He fights for the Bellator welterweight title against Douglas Lima, one of the best fights that Bellator has ever put on. Can't wait for it. Thank you very much for the time, Rory, and happy holidays to you and your family. Thanks, Ariel. You too. All right, there he is, Rory McDonald, the Red King stopping by. Can't wait for that fight. I think you can make a very strong case that it is the best fight that Bellator has ever put on. And uh, you can understand why they would want it in the main event of their first event on the new Paramount Network. Again, Spike TV becomes the Paramount Network in 2018, so they want a big splash. And uh, that certainly is a big splash. Okay, uh, let us move along now and welcome in our next guest, one of the uh, faces of the UFC, one of the biggest names in the UFC, one of the most popular fighters in the UFC. We have tracked down Paige Van Zandt once again. We have a lot to discuss with her, so let us welcome her back onto the show. Paige, how are you? Hey, doing great. How's it going? I'm doing great. Thank you very much for the time. How was your Thanksgiving? Good Thanksgiving? It was awesome. It was the first one that I hosted, um, you know, being oh. back in Oregon, so I had my whole family over at my house, so it was absolutely amazing you know i haven't had thanksgiving with my family since um gosh like nine years so it was it was really cool and you did all the cooking i did i did do all you know i am a chopped champion so that's i right. love cooking that's right <laughs> but yeah i did all the cooking and it, it turned out amazing what, how many people um i think there was just 10 just 10 that's damn impressive yeah. so, uh, so, well, Ted, well, thank you very much. So, wow. yeah, I'm hoping to turn my passion for cooking eventually into my own cooking show. So that's the, that's the plan. Next, okay. Next venture. That's great. Okay. Um, of course, the current venture is still fighting. And I, I, I know that things get weird about this. So I'll just throw it out. If you can't, you can't. We'll move yeah. on. We'll move on. Is there anything you could, There's a lot of reports about your next fight, possibly in January, St. Louis. Blah, blah, blah. Is there anything you could say about it at this time? Yeah, you know what? I signed my contract. I, I am fighting January 14th. I mean, the UFC hasn't announced it yet, but everyone can get ready because I'm just excited to get back in there. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of, uh, you know, seeing all these fights announced and then watching all these amazing fights on TV and not having any, not being able to talk about mine. But yeah, so St. Louis, Missouri, I'm coming. I'm, I'm so excited. Yes. And you're fighting Jessica Rose Clark. I don't know if I can say that yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I am fighting January 14th. Okay. I don't want to get in too much trouble. Yes, I don't want you to get in trouble. Um, could I ask you hypothetically, if you saw this Jessica Rose Clark character, if you saw her debut fight in the UFC, and if so, what did you think of it? I did. I watched that fight against Beck Rawlings, of course. You know, watching that fight, I had two former opponents on the Australia card. And, um, you know, I was actually going back and forth with the UFC about trying to get on that card, too. And then... I was trying to get on the Japan car. It was uh, the last few weeks have been pretty crazy, but um, yeah, great debut. Um, awesome uh, that she's in the 125 division. You know my new division, so I'm very yeah. excited. Um, I've seen a lot of talent at this division, so I'm excited to see where it goes. And, and she specifically said that she wanted to fight you. Was 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 she on your radar at all? Uh no. You know. Um, it's just pretty much you just focus on the people that are in your division within the UFC. And then there's people coming um, up from all sorts of different areas and different 
promotion that I I haven't quite heard of heard of yet. Right. Um. But yeah, watched their fight and I loved it. I thought it was a great fight. Now, there's never any shortage of drama surrounding you. There's always something yeah. when it comes. I mean, it's just it's always interesting. And so let's kind of go down the list here. Uh, UFC 217. Um, we're all watching MSG, great fight card. And you tweet out that your next fight is for the title at 125 and the whole world explodes and everyone's like, whoa, Paige is ready. What was that all about? Could you tell us what that was all I about? Did, I did tweet that. You know, <laughs> um, you know, I've been going back. <laughs> I did say that. You know, I've been going back and forth with the UFC for a long time. And, um, you know, it, there's a lot that goes on. I'm, I'm sure, as you know, behind the scenes that the general public doesn't really know about. And that was some of the talks within the UFC and within my team. And, you know, being at Madison Square Garden and watching these three title fights and one of my only losses in the UFC is to Rose Namunez and to see her fighting for the title and then and then win the title, you know, I was um, all amped up and full of energy and I was like, I'm tweeting it! Because, you know, if you don't... And who knows, you know? It, yeah. The answer's always no unless you ask. And so you put it out there, like, for you, it wasn't a joke. You you really thought that you were kind of in the running to fight for the 125 title. You know, I knew it was, it's definitely, it's never not an option. You know, you see all these other fighters who not necessarily, um, you know, I am coming off a lot. A loss. I, I know that, but, you know, coming up to a new division, my only two losses in the UFC are to the now 115 pound champion. And, you know, I went five rounds with Rose and I, I did get beat up. I do know that, <laughs> but I went five rounds with her. And then also um, to Michelle Watson, who is ranked in the top five, I believe. So, um, my only two losses in the UFC um, are to very formidable opponents. And I, um, looking at the 125 pounds ultimate fighter right now, I feel like it would have been an amazing opportunity, opportunity for me to be in the house. So I don't know how that, you know, got passed up for me. Um, I feel like I would have loved to be on this season of the ultimate fighter since I wasn't able to compete on the 115 division because at the time I was only 19 years old. So I, I, you know, I think anything's an option and people can talk their way into absolutely anything. And I was going to take that opportunity, but I don't think I can wait. And I um, heard that if I was to fight for a title, it wouldn't be until like March or so. So I, I just can't wait that long. But to be clear, that was on the table. That was discussed. Yes, it was. Okay. Wow. There was a lot of conversations between my team and uh, everybody. So. I'm surprised to hear you say that you wanted to be on the ultimate fighter. I, I, I just can't imagine doing that for six weeks and being locked in a house and having to fight that many times with all those women. Why would you want to be a part of that? You know, I think just because the reward is, um, the reward is greater than the risk for me and being able to go on the ultimate fighter. And I understand it is really stressful and everyone who's been on it said it's, it's not an easy thing to go through, but the opportunity to fight immediately for a belt, which is the ultimate dream for all UFC fighters is to be a belt holder. It, it would just been an amazing opportunity for me to actually have that opportunity in my hands. Did you actually ask the UFC if you could be on the show? I did. I don't think that was even a conversation. It was kind of, I saw that the cast was announced and I think maybe I just don't pay attention to what's going on <laughs> um, on social media enough. So I was like, Oh my gosh, there's an ultimate fighter for 125. I wow. had no like I had no idea until then the cast was announced. So it was too late. It was yeah, it was too late. So it was a bummer. But you know, I, I'm I've been excited. I've loved watching it. There's a lot of really talented girls in there. 
Um, and I, I'm so excited that this division is already building up so quickly, and it gives me a lot of opponents to um, book re- uh, to get ready for. Okay, so that was actually my next question. So it sounds like you have been watching it, um, and the finals are this Friday. We don't know who's in the finals. Who do you think is the best on the show? Like, who's someone that you think will become the champion that you'll be having to fight if you want to be a champion in the near future? Gosh, I don't know. You know, there's been a few girls that have impressed me. You know, Roxanne, um, who was already a UFC, already fought in the UFC and then came back and being on the ultimate fighter. She's the way that she's grown over the years has just been really impressive the way she's grown as a fighter. And, and then I've trained actually a little bit with Montana Stewart, um, years and years ago when I was out in, I trained with Johnny Hendricks camp for like a week or two. And, um, you know, to see after training with her, to see how much she's grown and how talented she's gotten, it, it really excites me. And there's a lot of really talented girls on this season. And, I, I absolutely have no idea who's going to win it all. Why is Jessica I so mad at you? <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't know. Um, you know, like I said, there's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes within the UFC. And I know that originally me and her were supposed to fight. And then I ended up getting hurt. And then um, they tried to get that fight matched up again. But at that point, the UFC had moved on. And they were trying to get me on the Australia card. They asked me, you know, when Anderson Silva um, ended up not being on this Shanghai card, they asked if I would take a late minute, a last minute fight. They asked me like, I think 10 days or maybe like two weeks before the fight, if I would um, fight, like take a short notice fight on Shanghai. So this whole time I thought I was going to be jumping in for a short notice fight because I got ready really quickly. And um, after my back healed, I kind of just, I had this itch to get back in the cage right away. And so I said, yeah. So the whole time I thought I was fighting on the Shanghai card and then they ended up um, not finding an opponent for me last minute. And they ended up having, um, gosh, that last minute fill in, which turned out to be an an awesome uh, thing. So I I think it was just they they wanted the fight really bad. And I get it. It seems like a lot of people really want um, to fight me. So, (laughs) But that fight, it it was never a signed contract. I, I never even got the contract for that fight. And I think they were just frustrated because they really wanted that fight with me. And my team in the UFC had already moved on and um, wanted me to uh, do other things. Are you interested in settling this with her at some point or have you moved on as well? I mean, yeah, I'm sure eventually we will fight each other. Um, That's definitely, I mean, I originally definitely said yes to the fight and it was just, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes and maybe the UFC wasn't completely informing her of what was going on or uh, she was maybe out of the loop, but my team in the UFC had other plans for me and they wanted me to take short minutes fight. So there was no reason for me to sign a contract to fight her when I thought I was fighting in Japan. And then uh, the Australia fight happened. And then right away I got a call from the UFC and they wanted me to fight somebody on that card. So, um, yeah, eventually I'm sure we will fight each other because we're in the 125 division. I, I definitely think that she'll have a lot of success in this division. And um, I know I will as well. So that fight is for sure still on the table. So she was upset. And then Valentina Shevchenko says you turned down a fight against her, which that fight never really kind of made sense to me. Is that true? What, what's the story there? I was never, I think, you know, a lot of people call me out on Twitter and yeah. um, I don't respond. And that's not really me turning down a fight. I just don't respond. So it's really, I just listen to the UFC. They, and, um, they tell me who to fight and I let my team and the UFC figure it out. And then they, they just tell me, Hey, you're fighting on this card at this time. And I say, sure. And, um, 
Yeah, that fight was actually never offered to me. Okay, so all these people saying you're turning down fights, it's inaccurate. Totally inaccurate. Yeah, I was never offered that fight. And, um, you know, within the UFC, there really is a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes. And I get it. People people want to fight me. I get it. I understand. I'm, well, I don't know. People just really want to fight Why me. Why do they want to fight you so bad? Why, why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I'm a nice person. I yes. Like I, um, I don't know. So yeah, for me, I, I haven't turned down a fight the UFC's offered me, and um, I'm excited about my next one. You know, they I got a text that same night, and I responded and said yes that same night. So uh, I'm it's excited. An- I'm looking forward to my next fight. I'm excited. My new a new division. I'm fighting out of a new team. So this is a really big change for me. Yeah, it, it, it says a lot about the society we, we live in where everyone wants to beat up the nice girl, you know, like pick on someone who's who's causing havoc, who's 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 being bad, right? Yeah. I mean, why is everyone picking on you? I know. People want to pick on me. Well, the funniest thing is I went and posted a, a something on Instagram about like, hey, guys, I have an announcement coming soon. And everyone's like, oh, she's pregnant. Oh, no. <laughs> no, guys. Like, why do you Jeez. guys have to hate on me? I wow. have a fight coming up. So yeah, I'm excited. So we got to announce it on your show. I have a fight coming up January 14th. But you, but you can't say the opponent yeah. just yet. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I was supposed to announce I had a fight coming up, but it's like state secrets. I felt like it. Um, yeah. yeah, come on. Sometimes you got to live on the edge a bit, by the way, uh, you pulled out due to a back injury, but you also had, didn't you have like staff and, and like a litany of things as well when you had to pull out of two, oh, two sixteen. A whole list of stuff go wrong. So first, I, I mean, you know, I would I would have stayed in the fight if it was just the whole list of other things. But I have disc problems. I had three herniated discs at one point, and I was fortunate enough this time that only one of them went out. So I had one herniated disc, but it's still something where your spine—it's the only spine I'll ever have in my entire life. And there's, I I need to take care of it, and that was the biggest thing working with my doctors and chiropractor. That you know. I'll, the UFC will get me fights when I'm ready. And right now I, I needed to focus on healing my back. And luckily through all the physical therapy and I was doing all kinds of crazy treatments and stuff, I was able to heal it quickly. And now it's just paying attention to it. So I don't re-injure it again. Um, okay. But yeah, so my back issue. And then, yeah, so I got ringworm, which is like normal. That's fine. And then <laughs> I it turned into like a crazy virus. Oh. And then I got, a sinus infection, pink eye, and a double oh. ear infection. And I was on a, I had a sinus infection for like a month. I was on like three rounds of antibiotics and it just wouldn't go away. So I guess my back injury came at a good time because all of a sudden I was like crazy sick for a super long time. Well, uh, how did you get pink eye, by the way? That's a doozy. So I actually, I asked my doctor and he said my sinus infection was so bad it just infected my whole face like i had oh a really bad virus wow because it was like my nose eyes and ears um because i got a double ear infection as well it was just a, I, I somehow i got a really bad virus when you were on the show back in september you talked about how you were done fighting at 115 how it was you know just just very scary to do that it was bad for your health and then shortly thereafter you posted some photos of you cutting weight that that exploded like tmz <laughs> picked it up at new york post all that stuff yeah. A, why did you feel the need to do that? And were you surprised that it received so much attention? 
Yeah, I was shocked it received so much attention. You know, I think I've talked about how hard the weight cut is for me at one to get to one fifteen, and I think maybe you know I do look smaller for the weight class, but I cut a significant amount of weight. I, I walk around at like one hundred and thirty five, one hundred and thirty seven pounds, and maybe I just have like a really heavy muscles. I'm not really sure, but I walk heavy for what I look like, and um, yeah, that cut to one fifteen, I just couldn't do it anymore, and. Um, my parents have never seen me cut weight. And then since I fought in Sacramento, they watched the weight cut and they said, if I ever cut weight again, then they would just have like cut to 115 again. Then they would want nothing to do with me just because they thought I was, I was killing myself for this and I looked awful. So yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I should share, um, what I put myself through to get to 115. And I really was giving myself an eating disorder just to try to make just to try to make weight and I'm all about body positivity and loving yourself and loving who you are as a person and I was absolutely contradicting myself by having to cut that much weight cut that much weight and I was tearing myself apart so I'm really excited about moving up to 125 I think it'll send a positive message for all my fans and I'm I'm not going to torture myself for something and um, I need to love who I, I am as a person and my body is not meant to be that small. It just isn't. So I'm really excited to fight at 125. I think I'm going to be uh, definitely faster, definitely stronger, and I'm just going to feel a lot better. Wow. So you think that we haven't truly seen the best Paige Van Zandt until you fight at 125, that you've sort of been stopping your, your, your stopping us from seeing your, your full potential due to the, the extreme weight cuts? Yeah, I definitely know it. And you know, I, um, in practice, I, I know the guys that I train with and, um, it's a whole different person when I'm, um, feeling good versus when I'm training at 115. I'm a whole different animal. And I think, you know, and, and especially this, it's huge, you know, I'm, I'm fighting out of a new camp. I'm here at Gracie Baja with Chael Sonnen here in Portland. And, um, I, you know, he said, I, 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 he's seen so much growth in me since I've been here and I'm really, really excited to see um, my skills showing off in the cage because I'm a totally different athlete now. I'm training with a brand new team and I, I yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. He giving you any, uh, trash talking tips, chill Sonnen? No, he tra- I mean, you know, he's a genius. <laughs> he's so good at what he does, but I, cu- I couldn't even try. I don't okay. trash talk. I'm not good at it. I don't know. <laughs> um, l- last thing for you also announced recently that you have a book coming out called rise in April. Yeah. Um, you still have a lot of life to live. You still have a lot to do in MMA and other avenues, cooking, uh, movies, who knows why come out with the book now? You know, it's just, the timing was perfect. And it's something I have been, I mean, I've been writing since I was in high school. So this is a piece of me that actually has been written, uh, since my freshman year in high school. And it's not something, it's just like a memoir about my life. It's, um, really something that I feel like girls need to read. And, um, it, there's some stuff in it, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, I'm really nervous about putting it out there because it tells a lot of great, like some crazy secrets about things that have happened to me and my parents don't actually know. So I'm going to give them the book first and let them read it, um, before the whole world gets to read it. Hopefully. Wow. Is it but done? Think, um, it is. Yeah, it's done. Um, we're just waiting, you know, it has to go through a whole editing process and, um, I just listened to my, uh, publishing team of what's going on next but yeah i'm excited it it tells the whole story of my life and i think it's something that a lot of girls need to read and i hope i can inspire people because a lot of people go through this and um people are gonna i think be really shocked that some of the things i've been through and i think it's 
just, you know, you want to continue to rise and that's why I titled it Rise. Well, good for you, Paige. Keep doing you. Forget the haters. Forget all the people calling you out. Yep. <laughs> uh, we're happy to have you around and happy to hear that you're coming back on January 14th against the dreaded to be announced in, uh, in St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Looking forward to that. And if yeah. you want to learn more about the book, uh, you actually have it uh, pinned at the top of your Twitter page. There's a link up there. You can pre-order it. It comes out on April 10th, 2018. Always a pleasure, Paige. Thanks so much for checking in. Always appreciate you coming on the show and uh, glad to hear that your first uh, Thanksgiving back home was a great success as well. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. There she is, Paige Van Zandt, returning to action. Surprising to hear that she wanted to be a part of the Ultimate Fighter. I can't imagine being in that house for six weeks, but uh, I guess with the stakes being a little higher this time with the belt on the line, um, I think history would show that if you skip the show and just kind of do your own thing like Joanna did, I, I, I think history would show that it all kind of works out. But hey, here's Rose winning the belt. So who knows? Who knows what will happen? New crowned, uh, new champion crowned on Friday. We'll see what happens with the division. I think a lot of people um, would say, would argue that Valentina Shevchenko is the the top draw right now at 125. We'll see if she gets a crack at the belt right off the bat. I certainly think that she deserves that. And that's what she has been campaigning for. And then uh, I think there's going to be some interesting names at 125. It's always good to get a new weight class, uh, get some new stars. They need more title fights. They have more events. That's why I advocated adding 165 and 175 and 195. So they're getting a new one on Friday. All right. Um, Other big news this past weekend. One had another event in Singapore, and the big story coming out of that event was Ben Askren saying goodbye against Shinya Aoki and doing so in the most dominant way possible. He defeated Shinya Aoki in just 57 seconds, defeated him via TKO. And you'll recall back in September, we had Ben Askren on after he made the announcement, or actually it was one CEO... Shatri Sichotong, who made the announcement that he would be retiring after his next fight in November. Is he retiring? What's going on? What did he think about the last fight? All that went involved, the emotions. He now joins us via the Magic of Skype to recap all of that. And there he is, Funky himself, Ben Askren, on via the Magic of Skype. Ben, how are you? Mr. Askren is not impressed. He's looking down on me with great disdain not interested in what I'm saying in my warm congratulations. Ben, can you hear me? What's up, Mr. Ariel? Oh, how are you, Ben? Good to see you. I'm doing well. Good seeing you. Uh, congratulations on the win. Yeah, went really well, didn't it? Yeah, it did. Did you expect it to go that well? Did you expect it to be that easy? No, not not at all. And actually, I've, I've worked out with them before. And, you know, so I was really thinking I could get it done in about a, a round and a half or two rounds. But then I had that thought process like, you, you never want to think it's going to be too easy, right? If you start thinking it's too easy, that that Fs with your mind. So I said, well, let's just let's be ready for a five-round battle. But I was thinking I might be able to get them done in a, in a round and a half, two rounds. I never, never in my wildest dreams expected it to be one minute or le- less than a minute. Could you tell, could you feel that you were that much bigger than him? Um, you know, he's really skinny, but he's strong. I, yeah, I've worked out with him before, like I said. So uh, I knew he was going to be strong. He's really tough in some positions, but it was just, uh, um, man, I landed those shots nice and clean. That was all she wrote. 
You're a dad. What did it feel like not being home for Thanksgiving and, and being all the way across the world in Singapore for this, you know, this, this kind of last chapter of this, this run for you? What was that like? What were the emotions yeah. like? Uh, well, you know, at this point, I wish my wife could have been at my retirement fight, but we're actually expecting kid number three here in, uh, oh, two weeks, a little, two weeks in a day, I think. Um, but I actually despise <laughs> Thanksgiving. I hate like, oh. the turkey and the mashed potato and all what? the other crappy food at Thanksgiving. Yeah, I mean, I don't like any of the Thanksgiving food. So, you know, it was like the last <laughs> way was Thursday. So we actually got to go eat some nice food on Thanksgiving, me and all my buddies that came to watch the event with me. So that was nice that we didn't have to eat the, the crappy Thanksgiving food. Wow. Have you always been that way? I mean, you're kind of a curmudgeon when it comes yeah. to this. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I don't like Thanksgiving food. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and, you know, and obviously Thanksgiving, as we know, it is, uh, for the most part, a lot about eating. And I, and I yes. don't like, uh, I like said, I don't like Thanksgiving food. Okay. So it was kind of a blessing that you didn't have to be home for it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what were the, was did it feel different? Because I mean, we, and we'll get to the aftermath here in a second, but because this was kind of the retirement fight, did it feel different? Did you feel a little nervous? Did you want to go off, you know, doing something spectacular or was this the typical, you know, another day at the office kind of fight? Another day at the office. That's the only way it could be, right? You can't, you can't do it any other way. That's just asking for trouble. Um, you know, there was one moment where uh, they played this little clip before, uh, my fight and I, I was in a tunnel, so I, I couldn't see it. I could just kind of hear it. And it was my mom and my wife and my brother and my daughter. And that my mom said something come on, almost made me get sentimental for a minute. But then I remembered, you know, I got a job to go do. I got to get in the cage and beat this dude up. So, uh, you know, I couldn't like it to me. But besides that, there was really nothing that felt that different for me. Um, it was just another day at the office. Are you retired? Are you done? Well, I said there's a caveat. I've always said, I've never said I'm retired, period. Okay. I said, I'm retired with the caveat that if I somehow get the fight to prove that I'm number one in the world, I will I will take that opportunity. I'm not going to fight to be number three or five or seven or anything else. Just number one, that's it. Um, and it's not really a money thing, right? It's, it's a pride thing. Um, I, I am not, I'm not rich. You know, I I'm not... Uh, having a $5 million house, but I, you know, when when I was in my college, I kind of set where I wanted to be with my life and I'm, I'm doing pretty well. Um, and so the number one in the world would be to fight the, the welterweight champion of the UFC, right? You would agree with that? Well, so I said, I wouldn't fight Tyron. Yes. Tyron and I go way, way, way back. Yes. Um, but obviously there's this other guy who is a very famous welterweight named George St. Pierre, who doesn't Mm -hmm. seem to have a dance partner right now. Um, and doesn't seem to want to fight Tyron or Robert Whitaker. So I figured, Hey, you know, he doesn't want to get hit hard. I can't hit that hard. So, you know, I might as well just get in there and get after it. Now, how would one feel about that? Like, like you're out there, I see, you know, Twitter, Facebook, how do they feel about you trying to get a fight with GSP? Chatri's fully supportive. I kindly, I kind of put it to him after, uh, after my fight and said, well, what about this? Um, he said, sure, have at it. And, you know, obviously they would love to either co-promote it or, or promote the fight. And, um, you know, I don't know that's going to, obviously it's not going to happen in the next couple of months, but there's a lot of things coming down the pipe that can make this happen. Obviously the biggest oh. one being the Ali act, that could be a big deal. Um, and there's some other things coming down the pipe that can make this more realistic than it may seem today. Like what, what could you tell us? Well, I said the Ali X number one. Isn't that good enough yeah. for you, Ariel? I mean, that's pretty good, but I knew about that already. What else? 
Okay. I can't play all, right. all my cards. But you, so you're confident that this is actually like a possibility. This could actually happen. It's not just some crazy pipe dream. Well, you know, as long as George isn't of the mindset that, that he would never fight me, but um, like for reasons I outlined earlier, I, I don't see why he wouldn't want to. Um, you know, he, he hasn't seemed to call out Whitaker or Tyron Woodley since the, since his last fight got over, uh, which was something I, you know, I was curious to see who he was going to call out and he didn't call out either of them. Right. So if he needs a dance partner, I'm more than willing to fit the bill. I'll come to Montreal and fit the bill for him. We'll fill up the Bell Center. Yeah, I, I have no doubt about that. Um, let's just say, you know, unfortunately, Tyron Woodley loses the belt in the next few months. Fights, things don't go his way. Would you then change your, you know, your your attention and, and, and focus on the welterweight or is it essentially like GSP or bust at this point? given who he is in the sport. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, who knows? GSP could also say I'm, I'm done. I'm not fighting again. Right. Or GSP yeah. could say I'm staying at middleweight. So we, we don't know exactly what GSP is going to do. So, um, you know, I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Obviously if Tyron were to lose, which <laughs> I, I don't, I just don't see that. Happening. I think that's, that's unrealistic. When I look at the welterweight field that he's got to fight, it's just, I don't think any of those guys are going to beat him. Mm. Um, so yeah, if that were to somehow, if he were to slip and fall and tear his ACL, then uh, sure. So right now, are you act actively trying to figure out a way to get this fight, or at this point, like, are you retired? I'm retired with one caveat. <laughs> it's as simple as that. It's really as simple as that, right? Uh -huh. um, you know, obviously, my my contractual situation four years ago is pretty well detailed in the fact yeah. that I have I have little to no trust of uh egghead um and so yeah i mean if there's a way to make it happen and kind of put him on the back burner which I, he's kind of getting put on the back burner by wme img anyways it seems um then then like i said we'll make it happen if not i i will be happily retired man i've accomplished a lot if we're uh you know, if we're talking combat sports, when you know, if I'm a 12 year old kid, and I'm looking at what I've done now by age 33. Uh, I couldn't have ever dreamed I was going to do this much. And you know, as far as the sport of mixed martial arts, I've I've never said no to a fight. I've said yes every single time. And obviously, I haven't had the ability to get in there with some of the best guys in the world for reasons that were beyond myself. Um, but there's not really much more I, I could have done in the sport of mixed martial arts. By the way, have you ever had a conversation with Dana, face to face? Mm, I kind of, kind of been passing, but not really. So when I went to Vegas to negotiate in 2013, I met with Lorenzo and Dana was on the speakerphone. So wow, no, I, I have not had an at length conversation face to face with Dana. What was the 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 vibe that you got from Lorenzo? I mean, at at the end of the day, the long story short, they they weren't willing to offer me anything. Right. And I think we can speculate on what to why those reasons were. Um, I, you know, I think there's a handful that, you know, you can't just pick one and say it was that, or it was this. I think there was, um, three or four different reasons that kind of, uh, compounded on top of each other, why they made that decision. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I left Vegas without an offer. Wow. And, and, and at one, they've treated you really well. How many cars have they given you over there at one? Three. Three. Which ones? I don't know. I'm not. I'm not too much of a car guy. They're pretty fancy and sweet, though. Where are they? Harold, you shouldn't believe everything you see on Twitter. Oh, I got duped <laughs> by the great front yeah. row Brian. I got worked. Yeah. You they don't give work. you any cars. Not one car. Not one stinking car. 
Well, they paid me pretty well. I buy, I, uh, I could buy a couple cars if I want to. I'm not much of a okay. car guy though. Okay. Yeah. Never really kind of suited you. Well, like, do you feel like you, maybe the competition was left on the table, but money wise, you made as much as you could. Um, I've, I made enough to be really happy. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly. I've never asked Tyron exactly what he's getting paid. Right. Um, but obviously at the high end of the UFC, some of those guys make more money that, but I would say I'm in the upper two to 3%. Uh, I would be my guess without knowing for a fact. Okay. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago that if I could be an MMA fighter, I would do it your way. And I hope you take this as a compliment. Fight for the most money against the 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 the, the least the least good competition. I know I, I butchered that, but you get what I'm saying. Easiest opponents for the most amount of money. Yeah, is that accurate? Is that unfair or is that accurate? It, shouldn't it always be that way? Take the least amount of damage, make the most amount of money. Money isn't that isn't that the the whole goal of this whole damn thing? Yeah, that no, that, that definitely is. Obviously, it's not like it's not necessarily the path. Um, that that I uh, envisioned for myself, right? And it, it ended up working out really, really well. Um, and honestly, some some of these people aren't as bad as I made them look, right? I mean, <laughs> Shinya Aoki, for example, uh, got him out of there in a minute, but he, he submitted he submitted Eddie Alvarez, right? I mean, he went five rounds with Gilbert Melendez. Um, I mean, th- this is a tough dude, a really tough guy. And so some of these guys, I made them made them look pretty bad, and maybe they're not really as bad as I made them look. I still feel like your cloud hangs over Bellator. Uh, as long as Douglas Lima is champion there, I just feel like your presence is still there. Um, and maybe that changes once Rory becomes champion. Do you feel the same way? Like 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 you're still a cloud well, hanging over them? I can't believe that everyone's writing Douglas Lima off so so easily. Oh. I mean, you just did it right there. And I, pretty much everything else I've read on uh, on Twitter and everywhere else is pretty much saying like, it's a done deal. Rory's going to no. beat Douglas. Um Douglas, he's tough, man, and he he hits and he kicks really hard. And so, you know, Rory has um, he's had some masterful performances, but he's also had some performances that that left a lot to be desired, right? And so, I guess we don't really know which Rory's going to show up because he has had some um, deviations in his performance. So, I, I definitely don't think it's out of the question that Douglas wins on January twentieth. Um, and yeah, sure, I, I think my call does hang over that and. Um, you know, I, I think people never gave me credit for how good Koreshkov and Lima really were, but now obviously they're seeing that. And, you know, if, uh, if Lima beats Rory, I mean, people are probably going to rank Lima in the top three, which then I don't know how you couldn't put me over him, mm. um, because I won five. Oh, you know, I, he, he didn't do anything to me. Um, so yeah, I guess I would say yeah, I probably still hang over the organization, and you know I had a good run there. I won nine fights, and it's, you know it's really funny. Some of these idiots on Twitter are—they're so new to MMA that they don't even realize I was the Bellator champion for three and a half years. You ever talked to Bjorn Rebney? More than the other four. yeah, actually, I just—I was texting with him what? last night about some CTE stuff. Yeah, uh, Twitter Messenger, but yeah. Wow, he's still there. He's still on Twitter. Uh, I mean, he doesn't really post, but he was, uh, he, I heard he was doing some CTE research and I was just curious and wanted to ask some questions. Okay. So you reached out to him. Yeah. Uh, is he still involved with the association, the MMAAA? You know what? 
Uh, that that went so poorly. I didn't really want to ask about it. <laughs> well, okay. So my question. Yeah, to you know, with all that firepower, with all that firepower he brought to the table. I mean, that that was a Dillashaw, Velasquez, Kennedy, uh, George St. Pierre, and I'm missing Cerrone. somebody. Some big name. I'm missing. Cerrone. Cerrone. I mean, listen, that's some freaking big names right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, He brought all that to the table. That was really impressive, and. Uh, yeah, you know, I was, I, I kind of thought when, when when you saw who they had with them that they were going to go somewhere with that, but it seemed that you know they just didn't get get out of the gates. Um, now that you're retired, with a caveat, but retired for yeah. Um, are you interested in getting involved in this association process, union stuff like that? Is that something that interests you? You mentioned the Ali Act as well. Yeah, yeah. I, so I've already went. To, I've went to DC for the MMAFA. Yeah. Um, before asked me a few other times um and i i just been too busy i would like to you know but i did they have, they have a big whatsapp thread that's like man there's some really big names on there and i had to get off that because these I, I don't like it when they play the sympathy card it drives me insane right we're we're in business and if you can prove um Within a business sense, you know, the fact that the UFC pays between 8 and 14% versus most major leagues were around 50%, right? There's a reason we should, athletes should get paid more. But if you're like, well, I can't feed my kids because I only get paid $20,000. Listen, you chose to quit your other jobs and, and do mixed yeah. martial arts as, as a choice. No one made you choose this, right? Right. So I, I, people are using a sympathy card too much and I can't take it because the sympathy card shouldn't be the one the one that the MMA fighters are are using because they don't need to play the sympathy card because they got facts and logic and everything else on their side. All they got to do is tell the true story of what's happening and the point is going to get across and people get it. I think you just you you sound like such a they sound so low energy and they sound like losers when they say like, <laughs> "Oh, I can't feed my family." It's like, "Listen. Listen, you could really realistically, Ariel, you can train three to four hours a day hard. You can't if you're really going hard. If you're not like dinking around, you can't really go more than that. You could still. I mean, my whole MMA career, this wasn't all I did. I always, always worked another job, right? Mm -hmm. And so for some of these guys saying I can't put food on my table, that that is that is a sad story. But that shouldn't be why MMA fighters should get paid more. We should get paid more because we're yeah in the UFC they're getting eight to fourteen percent of revenue, and that's just way too freaking low why why are you interested in cte why did you reach out to bjorn about that um you know what Errol? i sparred i watched concussion in april of 2016 um so it was actually on my flight to my um my fight in manila and i watched it i'm like damn you know i think there's a long way to go on the research which is kind of why i was reaching out i just i don't think it's all all conclusive yet but either way i sparred twice since then i sparred one time before my may fight i sparred one time before my september fight and that's all i sparred i, I, I don't spar anymore um wow i just felt like you know like I, said, I, I don't think the research is conclusive but i also didn't see a reason to risk it i also ariel i also did not get hit once in three fights this year incredible incredible you walk away Ooh. with a caveat 18-0-1 toughest opponent you ever face i mean for, the, for for us on the outside looking in, I mean, it seemed like you had just a you know a stroll in the park throughout your career. But who's the toughest? Who's the toughest guy you ever fought? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, Jay Haran was obviously the one that gave me the, the toughest fight, but that was really early in my career. I was, I was about two and a half years in. You know, I think if you look back at the best, it, it, it's Koreshkov or Lima. Um, you know, Shinya is probably the most credentialed, but, uh, you know, he's 34 now. I, I guess I'm only 33, so the age is not that far apart. You know, he's probably the most credentialed. Um, you know, if, if Douglas beats Rory, then he's probably the most credentialed. You know, and the thing is, I just kept getting better and better and better. You know, I fought Haran. I didn't really know what I was doing. And, you know, even I was actually this guy, BJJ Scott. Have you ever heard of him? He, he's freaking yeah. like. He's a damn genius. I don't know who he is, but he is brilliant. But he just put up a, a little um, guard hand fighting video of me from the Shinya fight. And then he, he kind of referenced some clips where I was doing in my earlier flight fights. Uh, and one of them was Lima. And it was just, it was funny how much worse I was at just that little skill that, yeah. well, you know, I was so effective in the Aoki fight where I pulled the hand and landed the punch over the top. Um, and in the Lima fight, I was doing it, but I was really like clumsy and clunky with it. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, there's a lot to take in there in those 57 seconds. I like how you went to the body and then went to the head. I mean, and, and then it, it was very clear that you were overpowering him and then he kind of turtled up. It was a very impressive performance. I think we're going to miss having you around, Ben, even though sometimes it was hard to find your fights. By the way, what if UFC came to you right now and said, all right, we're not going to give you a title shot off the bat. You have to win one fight. Come in. No. No. Absolutely. What if Scott Coker said, I want you to fight no. Rory if he wins? Listen, he, here's the deal on the Rory thing. And, you know, who knows? Maybe he wins the next six fights and his changes. But here's here's exactly what's going to happen. Because this already happened with Aoki, right? I beat up Aoki. Everyone says he's over the hill and he sucks. Listen, he was winning against Edward Foley, and he was winning the whole fight till he got flying knee. Before that, he was 16-1 and one over the last five years, Ariel. And mm -hmm. his only loss in that time period was uh, Eddie Alvarez, who's, who ends up being pretty good. Yes. If, if I beat Roar McDonald, everyone says he's not the same as he was before oh, okay. Roar, the Robbie fight. Okay. Right? That's what every single person says. I, won't, I will not get the credit for it if I beat him. I mean... And that's just the, the, and that's why I want it to be very clear. I want whoever I fight to be the number one. So there, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's just here's the number one. I fight him. I beat him. I'm number one. That's all she wrote. So in the meantime, become a dad for the third time. The school, yeah. right? The camps, all that stuff, and then wait for yeah. the call to fight George yeah. St. Pierre. We have, yeah, we have, we have our third wrestling academy open. Um, that's going really well. I'm excited to get back and coach. I've kind of taken the last few weeks off. Obviously, I was in Asia. Um, I'm also taking an executive position with one championship. Um, oh. uh, actually going to be working with Rich Franklin on. He's got this thing called One Warrior Series. They kind of just released a trailer for it. Yeah. Uh, scouting talent across Asia. It looks really cool. You know, I saw it and, uh, you know, we kind of hadn't determined my position. I said, wow, that looks really cool. How about, you know, that? And, um, and so I think that's what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to probably start with that and, april or so all right well congrats on a great career correct congrats on doing it your way as i said like frank sinatra you're the frank yes, sinatra of mma you did it your way and okay. um you know I, if you get that fight in montreal i would be excited to watch it for now though good luck to your wife Montreal's a beautiful city here yes yes I, called GS I know you got GS number in that phone right there by your right hand yeah that's so, right uh she's gonna text and say george why not? Let what? you know. And, and the thing about I've realized about GSP that I didn't realize earlier is like, uh, I don't need to talk any shit. George yep. is a martial artist. That's right. And and as much as it, we're just, we're just gonna test our martial arts skills, I'm not gonna talk any trash. Okay. We're just gonna get in there as martial artists and settle it. I'll send him this clip. Boom.
Thank you, Ben. We've come a long way in our relationship. It's good to have you here after your retirement <laughs> fight. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right, there he is. Ben Askren stopping by. He says goodbye to MMA with a caveat. On uh, Friday morning, he defeats Shinyaoki, and uh, now he becomes a dad for the third time, uh, opens up more schools, seminars, camps, and uh, awaits that call from the UFC. All right, we are just days away now from UFC 218. Without a doubt, one of the best fights on this card. People have been foaming at the mouth since this fight was first reported. By yours truly, I remember where I was. I was on the plane going to LA. I was thinking that I was going to host the Mayweather McGregor first stop at the World Tour, or at least be a part of it. And, uh, well, then I got the word uh, that morning that the, the, the job had been taken away. But we were all very excited about the Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje fight. And now, my friends, we are just days away, five days to be exact. And how about this? You talk about the holiday spirit. You talk about holiday miracles. Eddie Alvarez is on the program. And I'll tell you why this is a holiday miracle. But first, let us say hello to the great Eddie Alvarez. Eddie, are you there? Yeah, what's up, Ariel? Wow. Wow. I can't believe I'm hearing your voice, Eddie. I cannot. This has been the worst year of my life. I thought it was it. I thought we were done. I thought you had threw me by the wayside. I thought I had ruined our relationship. We did so many great things together in Kensington. I came to see your hometown. And then just like a piece of trash, I was thrown out. And I hear you're back. I can't believe it. I'm sorry, Eddie. Like Like an old glove, huh? Yes. Why were you mad at me, Eddie? Why were you so mad at me? I wasn't. Yeah, you, you, you get ultra sensitive. I don't understand. You've always been like that toward me. I don't know if it's the way I come off or whatever. You're an ultra sensitive man. Because I love you. Respect you. <laughs> I don't. I don't have. I don't have any issue. I need to do better at making you feel important. I guess. Yes. You, come on. You were mad at me. You were mad that I didn't talk to you at the media day, and then you said, "No, I'm not coming on your show to talk about it." You were mad. It's okay yeah, to say most, it. Most I'm saying I'm sorry. Time, now, most of the time when I say things like that, I, I just say I'm messing around with you because I know how sensitive you are. But I'm, I'm never, I never have an issue with you, man. I always have a good, good time on your interviews all the time. Well, so, so for the past seven months, I've literally been thinking that you hated me and were mad at me and I've been bothering your manager, Lloyd, trying to fix this relationship. And this whole time you weren't mad at me? Yeah, I think I think Lloyd mentioned something to me. I kind of laughed about it. I don't. I, I, <laughs> Thanks, what, what, what the hell? What, 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 for what? What are uh, I mad at you about? You told me. Uh, all right. Well, you know, I threw this out there. I said, you know what? Wouldn't it be nice to bury the hatchet before we get to Detroit? This big fight. I don't want this weighing over your head. No, I don't want we'll it weighing over my head. Bury the hatchet. I'll bury okay. it right in your back. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, it's all good, Ariel. I love. Okay. You. Here we go. Um, so this fight is happening. You're going to Detroit. Or are you in Detroit already? No, I'm in uh, Mark Henry's massage chair. I'm at his house right now. I'm about oh. to do, about to do uh, some training with Mark and uh, on the phone with you. Just getting a little massage. So, so someone's working on you right now? No, it's a chair. He has this oh. really neat chair inside the house that basically does everything. Your feet, arms, legs, there, like everything. When when but, you were um, no, I'm not in Detroit. I'm still home. We leave uh, we leave tomorrow early, so uh, it's always good to be home. I, I'd stay home all the way until the day of the fight if I could. But uh, yeah, I we bet. leave we leave early tomorrow. Well, when you were first told about this fight, did you have the same reaction as the MMA community who essentially lost their minds because they thought, "Oh, this is going to be so great, so violent, all this stuff"? What did you think when the UFC first offered you this opportunity? 
I did. I thought a perfect matchup. You know what I mean? I, the, 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 the matchup couldn't be, couldn't be better. I mean, for, for myself, for the audience, for Justin, I think everyone involved, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody involved. And, um, I think it, it, Justin's been a bit of a puzzle. He, he has that, like the mystique now of that, that infallibility. He's, uh, undefeated. So, um, I've, it, it, it was really fun for me, this training camp, kind of undoing that and figuring out what he does well and why, why is no one been able to beat him. And uh, it's it's been enjoyable, to be honest with you. Every, every day, training's been enjoyable, figuring out this uh, this little puzzle. Do you think you figured it out? 100%. 100%. What can you tell us? What have you figured out? Uh I mean, I, I, there's not really a game plan to be honest with you. Uh, Justin's been able to to pressure to pressure his guys, cut them off, and and do really well. And I don't think I don't think that the strategy that that I'm able to apply because I'm an, I'm an athlete and uh, the the guy the guys he went against just don't seem that to be doing um you know what you should do and. Mm. Uh, I think I think the I I have the answer I have the answer to um to what these other guys haven't been able to do and uh I'm I'm excited I'm excited I'm exci- I'm really excited I think the, the this camp has been the most improvement that I that I've made since I've been to UFC I think this this training camp alone has been by far the most improvement Wow why do you think that is I just, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I was, I got to, I mean, Mark Henry let, let me make some decisions, you know, let me be myself a little more. We worked on being myself, being creative and uh, just kind of bringing back the, the younger, the younger me that's a little bit emotional toward this sport and not, not so, uh, maybe thinking so much I got to feel a little bit inside the cage. And, and I think that that was the missing ingredient. I, I, I thinking too much about game planning in the past and not feeling enough. And, um, I think this whole camp has been more about me feeling and being inside the cage and, uh, just going off my emotion and, and trusting my instincts. And, uh, I find my best when I'm like that. Was a part of you surprised and or disappointed that you couldn't resolve the Dustin Poirier thing? Uh, a, a little bit, but I, I was when I looked back at the fight, um, when I assessed it myself as like a fan that took the fighter outside of it, I just I, I sincerely feel like the guy fucking quit, and um, and I think the UFC knows that, Herb Dean knows that. And um, they made him pay for it. And he's mad about it. But there's nothing he can do about it because it's over. But he's angry that he quit because, um, you know, he, it's very simple to go back and look at the tape. You see a clear, conscious person who is able to fight just quit. And um, I just I feel like he tried to game everyone and he got gamed and he's pissed about it. And uh, I don't I, I don't like it. In the articles after the fight, he's saying, "Oh well, if the UFC just lets me move on and 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 act like I I, I beat him, then I'll just move on." But I'm like, "Whoa, wait, what do you mean? You're talking about a rematch, and now you're saying you'll just move on as long as the UFC allows it?" It, it was all a little funny, but he tried to game everyone. He tried to game everyone involved, and just it's very clear if you watch the fight, you see a a man who's conscious, who's clear headed, 
say to the ref, I'm done. And that, uh, you can't game everyone. There's, there's millions of people watching, and um, there's TVs there right in your face. And I just thought it was a little uh, – I didn't like the way he went about that. I think he should have took his five minutes and came back and, you know, and, and, and finished a fight. So have you moved on? I, I clearly moved on. I, I've, I've done a show. I'm, uh, I'm fighting the best guys in the division still. And um, and I still want to continue to fight the biggest and biggest best names in this division. Did you see his performance against Anthony Pettis? And if so, what do you think of it? Yeah, he did. He did really well. But I don't. I don't. I don't look at Anthony Pettis like a you know anymore. I mean, everyone in this division's beat Anthony Pettis. I'm not. <laughs> I can, I'm just, I don't, I don't follow Anthony Pettis, but I can think of five guys off the top of my head who, you know, beat Anthony Pettis. He's, he's, he's figured out. Everyone's beat him. He's probably just going to get beat worse if he stays in the division until he finds a real good matchup. But at the top five, top 10, he's been figured out. If you can't, if you can't beat Anthony Pettis by now, you're just not paying attention. Wow. Wow. Um, so you weren't overly impressed obviously with the performance and so you moved on to get you. And I kind of feel like, I feel like you get a kick out of fighting these champions from other organizations. It kind of like goes back to your like underground days, like Melendez, uh, well, Pettis wasn't a champion when you fought him. Gaethje here. I, I feel like you sort of like this. Is that accurate? I do. I do. And I feel like in, in the division, for me, this is the main event. And for me, there's an, there's extra leverage going into this fight because I've, I've beaten every single champion from almost every major organization you could think of from Shinya Yoki to strike force to Melendez to Pettis WC and UFC and Bella tour. The list goes on and on. And this guy, uh, Justin Gaethje was, you know, one of the major organizations not long ago was world series of fight. And he held the belt. He was a captain of that organization and, and he, uh, flew that flag. So it's just, for me, it's another champion under my belt. Um, being, and I, I've made a, I've made a career out of doing that. And it was like, I can't get to the UFC belt right now. I'm, I'm realistic. There's not, there's, I'm not, I'm not getting that shot just yet, but this is the next best thing. Um, Gaethje likes to call himself the most violent fighter in the sport. Uh, at times he's a bit reckless. He has, you know, been rocked. He has been dropped, but his style is just so much fun for the fans. Do you feel at some point this is going to come back to bite him in the butt that, that this style only works so far. And now when he fought, you know, you fight someone like you of your stature, okay, it, it's no longer going to work. In other words, that question, but also does he have to change the style? And are you expecting a different Gaethje once you fight him on Saturday because of the damage that he's taken against perhaps lesser competition? I'm, I'm not expecting a different guy. Uh, he's going to, he's going to, he's going to, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type thing. And, uh, his team knows that. And it, the style has gotten him so far. Um, but I'm going to be honest. I, I don't fucking know. I'm, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday. I don't. And I'm not going to lie to the fans. I will tell you this. It's going to be fucking nuts because, um, I, I, I've spent a good deal of this training camp, um, working on not, not giving a fuck myself. <laughs> and, um, it, I've, I've been fighting better and better the less I care. So, um, I don't have a crystal ball, but I get, uh, I could tell fans right now that, um, nobody, nobody could grab a fucking soda or popcorn during the fight. Cause it's going to be something special to watch. When you say like the, you do better, the less you care. What do you mean by that? 
Um, I, I think people go, people go into the fight and I've been guilty of it, worried about a game plan and trying to be focused on a strict game plan and trying to control the situation of a fight. And I, I've been guilty of that. I, I've, I've walked in the fight trying to control everything that happens. If he does this, I'll do that. If he does this. And, and, um, I feel like it, too much thought is involved when, when you do that. And when you throw that away and just trust your instincts, some that's when something really special happens. So, um, I think, I think, I don't know if I'm explaining it correctly, but I've been trusting my instincts and, and throwing the thought, uh, part away. And it, it turns out it just makes for a more exciting fight, a more emotional fight. And it's just fun. It's fun to watch and fun to be involved in. So, um, I, like I said, there's no crystal ball for Saturday. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to I'm going to get in there and I'm going to trust my instincts. And some crazy shit's going to go down. Um, Coach Mark will tell you that. Um, all my teammates will tell you that. Just been a really fun and exciting camp. And uh, and come Saturday, I'll, I just I just want to fight. That's where I'm at right now. I just I can't wait to go to Detroit and fight. When you fought in May in, in, in Dallas, were you over, were you honestly over what happened at MSG? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess so. Yeah, I guess so. You feel like know. you're over it now? I'll, I'll never, I'll never be, I don't know if I'll ever be over it totally. You know what I mean? I, I, I've forgiven myself and I'm able to compete at a high level again, but, um, you know, being over it. I mean, how, how the fuck, how, how am I supposed to get over something like that? I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I'll live that down for, for a long time. <laughs> if it was me, myself in this world and no one else was here, I think that would bug me. That, that continue to bug me. So, um, I'll live with that. No big deal. And, uh, I'll move on and I'll try to crush everyone in, in front of me and, uh, redeem myself. Does it bother you to see what's happened to the belt since then, that it hasn't been defended, that it's kind of stalled? No, no, not at all. It's not, that's not of my concern. I kind of deal with the shit that I can control. <laughs> and right now there's a whole nother title on the line. And that's, that's, that's the UFC's most violent man. And, and that title is um is on the line on December second. That title that title is going to be crowned to to Mir Justin, and that that title is the most important in the division right now. The the interim belt. I mean, they just make belts up. So the the more of something there is, the less the less meaning it has. So if right. there's already two belts out there, then uh, I'm I'm going to make my own come December second. <laughs> Man, they should be. I mean, you're just sell, you're selling this fight better than the UFC can. I mean, this is like you're just printing money at this point. It's unbelievable. Um, do you, okay, well, let me ask you this: Do you feel like a year later there, there's no title fight book? Do you feel like he should be stripped? I don't. I don't. I mean, I don't care. I don't. Okay. I don't, don't. I don't care what they, they don't. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not concerned what they do with the belt. I mean, the belt. The belt means something when 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 it, it truly sincerely means something when a guy's climbed through the ranks he's beaten one two three four and five and then fights the the, the the undisputed champion and beats them that's when the belt means something you know just like in every sport um you know when you beat everyone and then you finally get your shot the champion and then you beat him you're the champion um when you know when they just when if if you're not defending it and you're not fighting and um 
you know, it kind of loses it loses its value a little bit. So the belt right now is is meaningless in, until um, until someone's crowned who's done, who's done what I just talked about. Did you enjoy doing tough? Did you enjoy being in Vegas for that long, being around the fighters, being the coach, a little bit of drama here and there? The whole experience was it something that you enjoyed? I had a great time. Um, I rarely get to share share um you know this fighting thing when I, what i've been passionate about for so long i really get to like share my journey and 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 everything and that was kind of an outpouring of that like I, i've got to help people out who are in the same boat as me and um it's fun it's fun to share and not just take from it and take 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 uh it's good to see people in difficult situations and let them know like yeah i've i've dealt with this and uh I, there may be a better way. So um, tough, tough was a, a great time. It was therapeutic for me. Any any regrets about uh, you know coaching advice, uh, decisions, fights book, whatever the case may be? Any regrets about the experience? No, I have I have no regrets. I I I usually think think before think pretty long and hard before I make before I make a decision. I don't I don't have a ton of regrets. Is it ever. different? Is it different coaching women as opposed to men from your experience now being a part of part of the show for so long? I, n- I never coach men. Uh, huh. uh, I, that was my first time co- coaching. Period. But um, I, I think after a couple weeks, I was no longer looking at this is coaching women or this is coaching men. I just looked at it as I'm coaching fighters, and um, that's what the girls were showing me after the weeks that that they're fighters. I wasn't kind of seeing a sex or seeing, uh, you know, male or female. I was just seeing we're coaching fighters here and we have to act like fighters. What was, was Kevin Lee stalking you when you were at the gym, asking you for autographs, things like that? What was going on there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't know. You know, he was, uh, before, before uh, he had a fight with Tony or whatnot, he was saying a bunch of shit on the internet. So um, his, his, co- his coach actually came up to me and his coach, I was uh, doing something with his coach. I didn't even know the guy was his coach, and I think Kevin got a little bit jealous. Kevin yelled over, um, "Hey, man!" You know, in his annoying ass voice or whatever he's doing. And, uh, I think he asked me if he can have a, um, a tank top, like one of the Ultimate Fighter tank tops, and I could uh-huh. sign it for him. So I signed it for him. Ah, and, and so then he said that you gave him this uh, the, the, this present, but he asked you for it. Yeah, he well, he talked a lot of tough on the internet, and he seen me to my face, and then right. he, you know, kind of buried the hatchet. Didn't didn't. There's no longer talking like that, you know. This is great. This is great to hear, though. I, I, I there's a difference between this Eddie Alvarez and the one back at UFC 211. I feel it. I feel like the scars hadn't quite healed. This is a completely different Eddie Alvarez. This is the Eddie Alvarez from Bellator. This is the Eddie Alvarez that came into the UFC. I sense a difference. I, I don't give an f Eddie Alvarez. Forget about the game planning and the tactical stuff. This is the Eddie Alvarez we fell in love with. Do you feel that as well? Do you feel like this is a different guy? I do. It's my my camp has been enjoyable. I haven't been I haven't been like kind of getting through it. I've been waking up every day and kind of being happy to get to get to do it. And uh, that that hasn't happened in a little little while. I just felt like I was kind of getting through training camps. I trust me. I, I work my ass off. I think I'm the hardest working lightweight or hardest working uh, fighter in, in the UFC. 
so I, I work, but um, my feelings about the work have changed. You know, I'm like sort of uh, happy about it and uh, excited about it and grateful that I get to do it. And uh, and it's tough to kind of be like that when you do something so like kind of strenuous. So have, have been happy, been sincerely happy. Were you worried that you lost that feeling forever, that it would never come back, that you would never feel what you're feeling now five days before the fight? No, no, the, uh, fighting has a ton of up and downs and I'm a happy person in general. So I find my way there. You know, if there's a dark, dark room, I'll find a shed of light somewhere. I've, I've, I'm always like that. So, uh, you know, even though the, the, the sport, you know, can weigh on you a little bit, I've always, I always find my way to to gratitude and, and to be happy about what I'm doing. And I, I'm truly blessed to be able to do this. So the, it's the best fun sport in, in the world. And uh, I never like I, I beg to have a have like a life like this, and I have it, and that's incredible. I was just talking to a guy who took very little damage throughout his career, Ben Askren, and 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 I said that that's the way to go. Like if, if you're going to go through fighting go through with the least amount of damage as possible. But here I feel like you get up for the fact that you know this is going to be insane. This is going to be a quote unquote war. Why, why does that, like, why, like you know that. You're going into it knowing it's going to be violent. You are fighting for the now, you know, the, the, the newly uh, minted violent champion of the world. Why, why does that interest you more than a fight where you don't get hit at all? It's, it's, it's because I've, I've, been, I've been fighting... I, well, I've been fighting since I was 19, and I wrestled before that, so I was 15. I've been fighting about 18 years now, so the thought of a fight, even being in a fight, so it's a bit hard to get emotional anymore, you know. So um, when I have a guy in front of me who can bring, who can spark my ego and bring that out of me, um, that's why I say like, uh, it sounds cheesy, but it's like, uh, don't bring, don't bring the dog out of me. It sounds dorky, you know, but, um, maybe that, maybe that's what I mean when, when I say that, like, don't fuck like with my ego. Don't, don't make me emotional because, cause, cause I, I fight in a manner that's fucking violent when people do that to me. So, um, when I, I get excited about a guy who, who, um, who I have a feeling may spark that. Wow. This is unbelievable. This is incredible stuff. This might, this might be your best. I'm happy that we had our little tiff and that you kind of, you know, gave me the cold shoulder because this might be your best appearance on the show ever. And you've had many great ones, but I, I'm giddy right now. Like there, I'm tingly inside listening to this. I want to run to Detroit. <laughs> this is unbelievable um, stuff. This is incredible. Holy smoke. If, if, if it's all great, but you kind of wish it was five rounds, Eddie. Um, a, a, a little bit. I mean, they, to be honest, with you, the, the fact that it's three fives, I think the fans will get better. I don't see this going. I don't really see it getting into the third, regardless. So I don't think we need. I don't think we need five here. To be honest, I don't, this this in my eyes, every way I've seen this fight, there's not a there's not a chance um, that this is even going to hit number three. I don't. I just don't picture it. So. Um, would do we need five? No, I don't, I don't feel like we need it. Last question earlier for you, my, Eddie. Earlier yes? in my career, I never even changed to train for five, five right. even when I had five. <laughs> um, my last question for you, Eddie, and again, thank you so much for this. This was phenomenal. I cannot wait. I, I'm more looking forward to this fight now than, than any other fight on the card. Just incredible. Um, who's crazier, you or Justin Gaethje? Justin's crazier. I'm a better fighter. <laughs> He can he can have crazy, 
He will not have the crown of the most violent, though. I'll have that December second. I'll have that Saturday night, and I'll wear that. I'll wear that belt around my waist proudly. Are you gonna actually bring a belt? That'd be incredible. But you don't actually have a belt, right? No, I don't. But I should okay. make one before yes. Saturday. Let's do it. There's someone out there that can make this on five days notice. I'm sure of it. I'm going to uh, throw out the challenge to the audience out there. Eddie, I can't thank you enough. I'm so happy. You don't know how relieved I am that we have uh, settled our differences here live on the air. We've proven to the world that grown men can do this. But most importantly, I can't wait to see you back in action. Can't wait for this fight. Glad to hear you're in a great place. I wish you the best. Safe travels to Detroit. And I look forward to seeing you out there in a couple of days. Dear man, Arrow. See you, brother. All right. There he is, Eddie Alvarez. Holy smokes. Somebody fanned me off. That was incredible. Wow. I legitimately thought that Eddie Alvarez was mad at me all this time because he told me that he was kind of mad at me. He said, I didn't talk to him at the media day. There were too many people there. And he said, you know what? Thanks, but no thanks. And then we don't speak for seven months. I find out that it was all a ruse. And then he comes out and he says those things. Look, I've made my, my feelings known on the word violent. I don't dislike that word when an Eddie Alvarez says it or Justin Gage says it, I think it's ill-advised for the UFC if we're going to talk about a, a company that's trying to, you know, make as much money as possible from TV deals, 400 million, when they use that to promote. But when you hear a fighter who's about to fight in five days, talk about that and embrace that and, 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 and talk about how that excites him. That's just, that's what I was saying to Tiffany. I don't possess that gene. If you told me, that I was going to walk out of this studio in 30 minutes and I was going to get into a violent interaction, altercation, I would, I would hide under this desk for the next week. I just don't possess that gene. These individuals, like Eddie Alvarez, like Justin Gaethje, who say the word violent in, in, in this glowing way, I mean, I'm in awe of these individuals. You know, LeBron James... Uh, uh, Eli Manning, Sidney Crosby, they go out and say, I want to play the best game possible. I want to be at my best. I get that. There was a time, you know, I used to do my thing. I get that. I cannot wrap my head around the idea of someone saying, I'm going to be the most violent fighter. I mean, that's just insane. It's great for us. It's great for the UFC. UFC, if you're out there, and I know you are, take that clip and run with it. That's what, I mean, like take all of those clips if you want. It's one thing, he's saying it. There's a big difference there. Foaming at the mouth. People have been foaming at the mouth since this, it didn't need the Ultimate Fighter, but it gave Justin some time to regroup. That was nuts. That was incredible. I love the I don't give an F Justin Gaethje. Uh, excuse me. Well, I love that one too. I also love the I don't give an F Eddie Alvarez. The I don't give an F Eddie Alvarez is a special kind of human being. And I miss that man. And now he's back. Between that fight and the Overeem and Ganu fight, worth the price of admission. Then you get Max Holloway, who's turning into a superstar. And you get Aldo. And you get Cejudo Pettis. Felder. This is a great card. Someone told me, someone wrote to me earlier this, uh, this morning. Someone said, is it, is it me or, or 218 a really understack card? I don't even know what that word means. Understack card. Are you kidding? Like what's, what's what, what, what more do you people want? What more do you want? I mean, we, we have, I mean, these are the best fighters walking, breathing on this earth. What more do you want? 
have a couple minutes to uh, to waste here before we get to Kelvin Gaston. Let's bring in New York Rick here for a second. I just want to ask him if I'm overhyping this. What do you think of that? <laughs> that was incredible. There's something about when he says it. It's not promotional. It's not hyperbole. It's just like cra- that's why I asked him that question. I wouldn't well normally ask that. A lot of times you can hear or see if if it's video the gears turning when people are talking mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. With Eddie, you don't get the sense that that's happening. That he's simply reacting and telling you what he truly believes. And you get that same sense from Justin Gaethje when he talks about violence and being willing to die and all the you know all that crazy stuff that um, he says. And I thought it was funny that um, Eddie. Granted that he's absolutely crazier, uh, that Justin is absolutely crazier than he is. Um, but you don't get the sense that they're they're cutting promos. You don't get the sense that um, the gears are turning on this one. And it's rather just him saying point of fact that this is going to be for the like all violence championship, which is incredible. But um, I'm looking forward to it. By the way, has that changed? Like, did you think something was going to happen on Saturday and his demeanor, his words, any of that change your opinion on the fight? No. I've been looking forward to this one greatly uh-huh. ever, ever since it was announced. I, I Now, does it change? I mean, there have been times in uh, Eddie Alvarez's career where he's been a little more reserved. He's mixed in his, his takedowns and um, essentially the Eddie Alvarez that got to the championship and held the championship – um, was a little bit different than um, the Eddie Alvarez of the past who was willing to get into those slugfests. Um, so it may change what I, which Eddie Alvarez I think is heading into this fight, um, but I'm going to be happy at either way. Eddie Alvarez is a great fighter. Justin Gaethje is a great fighter. Um, I can't imagine any way that this fight isn't exciting. Man. The- There's, like, th- this is one that you, you bubble wrap uh, for a week and you and you pray. The problem is though, I mean, the expectations now are through the roof. Yeah, but remember the expectations for Gaethje and Johnson, um, at least amongst the people who were expecting what happened in Gaethje and Johnson. And I think there, there is a, a, a crowd of, of people out there like that. Um, I had pretty high expectations for the slugfest we were going to see and that one delivered. I think... The key ingredient here is is Justin Gaethje. You know, all respect to Eddie Alvarez and all respect to other Gaethje opponents. Um, he will make you fight like that. He will bring you into that um, into that type of fight and and force the action that way. So I'm um, I'm excited for what's about to happen. Um, I see that uh, Dustin Poirier has responded to Eddie Alvarez. Someone tweeted. He tagged him saying, at Eddie Alvarez is spitting fire about Dustin Poirier and Showtime Pettis. Big fight ahead. Can he beat Justin Gaethje? Uh, Poirier quote tweeted it and said, motivate my hustle, I dare you. So they didn't send him the actual quote. Um, interesting takes on both Poirier and Pettis. Even Conor McGregor, I mean, he just doesn't give an F at this point. And I don't blame him. There's nothing really he can do. And he's being realistic about his title chances at this point. But what an inch- And last, I think it was last week you said that that was the fight you were most looking forward to. On the card, right? Oh, yeah. Was it last week? Yeah. Um, and I gave uh, I gave my vote to Nganu Overeem. I'm now changing my vote, especially because <laughs> Alistair Overeem is in New York doing media and not sitting across from me. By the way, speaking of which, uh, did Tiffany actually take my Fedor bobblehead? Yeah, it's gone. For real? Don't worry. I, I already... What the hell? How dare <laughs> Listen, she? Listen, 
You're all of a sudden, she's got all this, uh, <laughs> this, this panache, this confidence. She's just uh, remember she's jacking things off tables. Remember when she was talking about like, you know, in the gym, uh, would you say that to my face? What are you going to do? I'm going to beat you up. Yeah. Look, she she felt the she yeah. felt that she could get away with it. I was not going to say anything. Okay. That's for damn sure. But I like that. I mean, it kind of feels empty right here. Don't worry. We we uh, we reached out to the to the right people. She really took it. <laughs> we'll get it sorted. Where the hell's my bobblehead? I invite you on my show and you steal my stuff. Listen, that's the goat. That was the best one. <laughs> he had the freaking sweater. I really, I can't believe she actually took it. <laughs> you sound so you sound so wounded right now. I am. I thought it was like a stunt. I thought it was a joke. I thought Joe, someone would say, "Hey, excuse me." Um, that was really cute for for the camera, but Listen, uh, nobody had the nobody had the guts. The hell, what's wrong with all of you? Spineless. Nobody had the guts. Gutless. Um, Do not watch Glory Forty Eight Super Fight <laughs> Series this Friday on Fight Pass. Um, I talked to uh, to somebody at Bellator who thought it was pretty funny as well. Yeah, funny is great. On, yeah, listen, listen. Where the f is well, my bobblehead? It will be there. Also, although Some kind of BS. Didn't the, the Kimbo one came out too? Right. Yeah. Where's my Kimbo? Hey, Bellator. Yeah. Kimbo four. Tell you what, if they ever make a Tiffany Van Seuss bobblehead, it ain't going on this table. Tell you that much. She says she wanted it on the table. Not now. I really thought she was going to leave it outside. I love that thing. I get great compliments about that. Uh, it's coming. Don't worry. Yeah. Well, she's going to hear it from me. Social media. That's where I'll go. <laughs> don't do that. No, no, no. I we see want, how that one ends. I don't want to feel that wrath. All right. Well, in a matter of moments, we'll hear from you a little later on. But I just, I just kind of had to speak about that Eddie Alvarez interview um, because it was just nothing I did. Let's just be very clear here. Nothing I did at all. But those are some kind of quotes. Those are some kind of quotes from Eddie Alvarez. All right. In a matter of moments, we're going to be joined by the big winner from this past weekend, UFC Shanghai, China. Shanghai, UFC's first event in uh, mainland China. And of course, it was supposed to be Kelvin Gaslam versus Anderson Silva. It ended up being Kelvin Gaslam versus Michael Bisping. And another great performance for one Kelvin Gaslam at 185 pounds. We continue to try to push him down to 170. He says, thanks, but no thanks. And he continues to get finishes at 185 beautiful knockout of Michael Bisping two minutes and 30 seconds into the first round one two slip boom left dropped him had some very nice things to say about the count and uh, now he's been talking about perhaps fighting for the belt and he is back from China and kind enough to be joining us on the program here our last guest of the day we saved the best for last let's welcome in one Kelvin Gaslam Kelvin are you there Hey, Ariel. How are you, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing great. Congratulations, Kelvin. You're back from Shanghai? Yes, sir. I'm in my house. Just got back from uh, King's MMA with my gym family and just kind of hanging out with them and with uh, Rafael. So, yeah, doing doing well, man. Obviously, it was a great work trip, but just being in China, being in Shanghai, what is that like? Did you enjoy the experience of being overseas or would you prefer fighting closer to home? <clears throat> 
I'm I'm one and done. You know, I love the experience, (laughs) but uh, it's a long flight. And that'd be the only reason, you know, is is the long flight, the long trip and uh, different food, different atmosphere. You know, it was a great experience, but uh, I think I'm one and done on that one. (laughs) Did you get, I I know there's a language barrier, but did you get the sense that over in China and mainland China that they were very into the UFC, that they were very knowledgeable about the UFC, or did you feel like this was some kind of like novel thing that they were still kind of learning about? Yeah. Well, you know what? There's a lot of people that, that recognize me, but I'm not sure about what their knowledge was really. Um, so I feel like it was more of that more kind of like a novel going on novelty for them. Like it's very new to them is what I felt. Okay. Um, and then, of course, you end yeah. up fighting Michael Bisping. You were supposed to fight Anderson Silva. You did media with him. This is a fight that the UFC has been trying to make for quite some time. He pulls out. Can you take us back to the moment you found out that he was out of the fight? You know, what was it, three weeks before? Who's going to fight in China? Who's go- who's going to step up to fight someone like you, <laughs> young, you know, looking so good yeah. at 185 on short notice? What was your what was your reaction? How did you feel about the whole situation? Well, well, it was funny because I woke up Friday morning. You know, I do what everybody else does is, you know, I, I look at my phone, look what time it is and see if I got any messages and then look on Facebook and then on Twitter and then on Instagram. But I'm scrolling to Twitter and oh, my God, I, that I mean, I seen that flag that you thought it was flagged, just flagged Anderson. And I called my manager, Ali, uh, and seeing what's up, man, because I was I was freaking out. I remember I felt sick to my stomach, a million thoughts running through my mind, uh, you know, and, and for about 24 hours, I was just losing my mind. I didn't feel good. Yeah, it was horrible news. And, and then you get the word that Michael Bisping is stepping in. And when I first found out, before it was reported, I thought someone was playing a prank on me. Like, there's no way a week after 217, Bisping is going to step up. Did you feel the same way? Did, were, were you kind of shocked and confused that it was Bisping who was stepping up to take this fight? Um, well, I was, you know, when I, when I first got told that it might be Bisbee, I was like, yeah, yeah, right. You know, he's just coming off a title loss. I don't think he's going to even consider it. But, uh, next thing you know, they're selling me the contract with his name on it. (laughs) And I sent it. (laughs) Yeah. I was very surprised. After the, a little bit going into the fight, but also after the fight, even more so people have said he shouldn't have fought. It was too soon. New York shouldn't have let him fight. They shouldn't have reduced the suspension. The UFC shouldn't have let him fight. How do you feel about it? As a fellow fighter, you understand certainly a guy wanting to get back on the horse, live to fight another day. But now that it's over, do you think that it was a mistake for Michael Bisping to take this fight? Well, what would they be saying? saying I, I, you know, what I think is, what would they be saying if, if he had won? I mean, they would have just thought it was the most greatest thing. They'd be talking about how great he was, you know, and I, you know, as fighters, we want to get in there, but, um, you know, it's tricky. You know, I don't know how healthy he was or how how uh, injured he was still from his last fight. So it's tricky to really say. Uh, you have said going into the fight, but also you've reiterated after the fight that you have a lot of respect for Michael Bisping. And this is something that is kind of new to his uh, yeah. career because I feel like he was sort of a villain for a very long time. But now we're hearing more fighters, young fighters like yourself say this. Why do you have so much respect for Michael Bisping? Oh yeah, not 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 in my eyes. I mean, he's he's always been one of the one of the best guys 
to really, I mean, if you look at his career, I mean, he's one of those guys that fought everybody, beat a, a lot of legends himself. Uh, I mean, some of the greatest fighters that we ever seen inside the octagon, he's fought them, he's beat them, won the middleweight champion uh, championship. So, I mean, he's 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 a guy that's done it all inside the octagon and, and has accomplished it all inside the octagon. So, Young fighters like me uh, admire that. They know. Uh, I mean, we we aspire to be that. So, so I I respect Mike a lot. You've had some big moments in your career. Obviously, winning tough. Um, you know, a victory over Vitor Belfort in 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 Brazil, beating Michael Bisping. Some of the few. Was this the greatest moment of your career? Um, it's up there. I mean, this is the greatest fight that I've ever had, but moments, I mean, uh, they're all just big moments in my career that I, I, I can't really put a, put them in place because they're, they're all great to me, you know, and, and what's crazy is that I feel I'm just beginning. So yeah. more, more of these to come. Um, was that sequence, which was beautiful. One of the best of the year. Uh, I, I've watched it like 20 times. I mean, it was just so perfect the way you slipped the one, two, and then of course the left that, that finished it. Was that something in particular that you worked on? I mean, th- this is not, I mean, I know it's not rocket science as far as fighting is concerned, but it was just so textbook. Did you know that that sequence would be the one to drop him? Were you waiting for that, you know, uh, for, for, for that one, two slip um, while preparing for Bisbee? I know you didn't have a lot of time, but was that something that you guys worked on leading up to the fight? Yeah, we worked on a lot of slipping and, and, and dodging. So, yeah, I mean, we, I, lo- I work a lot on my head movement. I try not to get hit. Um, but that is something we do every day. So it was no surprise when, when it happened. Uh, GSP talked I mean, after the... You know. Go ahead, sorry. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I, I was just going to ask that GSP talked about how he was given the advice to that the left hook was open. Um, and, of course, no secret that, you know, Bisping has had trouble with his, with his eye. Did you feel like the left was open because of his injured eye or did that have nothing to do with it? You know what? I, I think that that had something to do with it. I knew that that was going to be a problem for him to see coming in. So I, you know, if you look at the fight, that's the thing I do in the first two seconds is my, is my left hook, you know, and then I do a left, uh, then I do a left hook to the body. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like so, this talk? So yeah, we knew it was. Yeah, we knew it was going to be a problem. Sorry. Uh, do you feel like the talk? You know, influential people coming out, uh, the likes of Joe Rogan, saying that you know this fight shouldn't have happened. Does it feel like it's taking away from the victory at all? Do you pay attention to any of that stuff? Um, I mean, it doesn't really matter. Um, what's done is done, and uh, everybody's got their own opinion. So. It, you know, it is what it is, really. How many languages do you speak now, Kelvin? I feel like after every event, you're speaking a different language. Portuguese, uh, you, you spoke, I think you were speaking a little Mandarin there. Was that was that Mandarin that you were speaking after the fight? <laughs> I just, I, I, all I learned was two words in, in Mandarin, <laughs> and, and that was enough to get me around. I got around so well with these two words. It was what were they? which is hello. Okay. Ni hao, which is hello. And then, uh, she, she, which is thank you. Wow. Yeah. That would do it. <laughs> and that did it. <laughs> um, was it hard? Did you feel like, I mean, that fight was taking place at like 5 a.m. Pacific time. Did you feel like you had enough time? I mean, clearly the, you know, the performance spoke for itself, but did it feel weird to be fighting in such a different time zone? 
No, well, no. Well, I went. I went a few days before. I got there on a on a Sunday before the flight. So, um, no, I had enough time to to kind of acclimate my body at the time time okay. change and stuff like that. Yeah. Do you think Michael? But, yeah. When I got there, I, when I got there, I was kind of struggling with that because I was waking up at like four thirty every morning. So it, it, it fixed it fixed out throughout the week. So yeah, I acclimated well. Uh, do, do you feel like Bisping should retire? Um, I think he's doing right if he he retires in March. Yeah, he should retire in March. Okay, in London. You don't think that's too soon after the knockdown or the knockout? I should say. Yeah, yeah. After a knockout, would be it would be really soon. Yeah, after you know a knockdown and then a knockout, I personally think he should take more than three months off. But uh, you know, who am I to tell yeah. him what to do? Um, afterwards, you you've been talking. It's kind of wide open at one eighty five. You want the title, right? You you want to fight Robert Whitaker? Is that accurate? Well, I want to fight the number one guy, and he's definitely the number one ranked guy. I don't care about the belt. I want okay. to fight the number one ranked guy, and that's Robert Whitaker. I think I, I deserve a, a, a number one ranked guy. You still there? Yeah. Hello. Okay. Yeah. So, you, have you or your management expressed this to the UFC? And if so, what are they saying? Do they agree? I believe my manager has expressed this to uh, Dana White, um, but I have not heard back from him. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, and they just told me that, you know, the, what he gave me the impression was that Luke and I were the front runners for this, for this fight in Australia. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, if you look at the numbers and, and, and stuff like that, I mean, if you really want to get down to it, I think I deserve over Luke and I'll tell you why, <laughs> you know, Please. Uh, you know, I, I mean, he's, he's only fought in, I don't know, once in the last year and a half. Yep. Is that correct? Yep, that is correct. And then, um, he, I mean, he fought a guy that wasn't in the UFC before, who was, who was ranked top 10. Um, and then I've fought in guys, former champions, three former champions in the last eight, nine months, four guys in the last 11, 12 months. So, you know, I've been pretty busy in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Winning these, winning these fights while everybody's you know either coming off losses or injured or already have fights. You make a strong case. Now you well, just I talked about, so, but yeah, you just talked about going you know to China and saying you were one and done. Would you be willing to go to Australia to fight Robert Whitaker? Uh, yeah. If it if it if it is for fighting Robert Whitaker, then yes. Okay. Wow. You confident this is going to happen? I hear great thing. No, I, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> and and it's not too I'd soon. Like to visit Australia though. Yeah. It's a beautiful place. Yeah, that's what I've heard. I've never been. Um and and what about what about the time frame? Is that okay with you? Uh mid-February? You know what? Ideally, I would like to take a break these holidays and, and enjoy it with my family because I have been so so active this last this last year and a half. But um, if the opportunity is there, then I then I will take it. 
How was the weight cut for this one, Kelvin? There was some talk that maybe you had a, a bit of trouble. How was it? What could you tell us about it? Yeah, well, you know, I, I went into the fight pretty pretty light. I was only 13 pounds over, which is not bad, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But always the last two or three pounds sucks in every weight cut, whether you're cutting five, six, seven pounds. You know, in the last two, two, two pounds really, really struggled for my body this time. So, I mean, I mean, we got through it, um, took off my shorts. We had, had a weigh in, redo it again, take off my shorts and, uh, made the 186. No problem. Considering that, considering how, how good you're doing against some of the best of 185, can we, can we officially put 170 to bed? Is it done? Should we stop talking about this? Should we stop asking you about this? Can we bury that idea? Uh, not not too sure on that yet. <laughs> Why? <laughs> no, I feel if if I get a proper nutritionist to help me out, then I can then I can do it safely. And you haven't found one? No. I haven't one of the- gotten one that's that stays you know, uh, consistently. You're one of the best fighters in the great. UFC. One of the, one of the top contenders in the UFC, you can't find a guy who's going to devote, you know, eight weeks to you or something like that. I, I find this hard to believe. I, I would be, if I was in that position, I'd be banging on your door. I'd be running to, to Arizona to, or California, I should say, to, to come work with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is what it is. I mean, I don't, I, I also have a hard time trusting people. So, Okay. And that's what it is also, you know. Okay. All right. I want I want I want genuine genuine people around me trying to help me, not not somebody that's trying to make you know, a dime off of me. Fair. Yep, that's fair. So so to recap what you want, you want Robert Whitaker in February. If he has to fight in February, he's the top guy. That's what you want. You deserve it. You've been more active. You fought tougher guys. Let's go. Yeah, I'm up for the challenge, but if not, then then that's all right. Let me enjoy my holidays. <laughs> I'll talk to you later, Ariel, and okay. um, I'll let you know if I get the title fight. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, is it fair to say, though, that you're done with Anderson Silva? Have you moved on from that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I felt, I actually felt this Michael Bisping fight was, was better than the Anderson Silva fight. Right. You know? <laughs> You're done. Yeah, That's I, I'm gonna bur- I'm gonna bur- bury the hatchet with that with that fight. Yes. All right. Um, well, congratulations, Kelvin. Uh, very happy for you. What a great performance! One of your very best against one of the best uh, opponents that you've ever faced. And uh, I hope that you get what you're looking for. And and I hope that the uh, the jet lag. Like, did you wake up super early today? Is it still? Is it kind of wreaking havoc? Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I woke up six a.m. today. <laughs> All right, it's kind of like you have kids, so it's not that you know. That's 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 another day in the life of uh, of myself. So not too bad. Yeah. It's not. It's not like three a.m. or anything like that. Enjoy the holidays, my man. Thank you very much for squeezing us in for coming on the program. And again, congratulations on a great performance. Thanks for having me on, Ariel. Thank you. You enjoy your holidays as well. Thank you so much. There he is, Kelvin Gaslam, one of the top contenders in the UFC's middleweight division, stopping by. What a great performance against Michael Bisping. One, two, slip, boom, left, bang, drops him. And what becomes of Michael Bisping now? We shall find out. If you missed the top of the show, I kind of laid out what I wanted to see happen. And uh, not so much about opponents or anything like that, but more about 
you know, just taking a break. And if it doesn't work out in March, it doesn't work out. Let's just take a break, make sure that you're healthy and, um, you know, taking the time that you need to get back to at least as close to 100% as possible. By the way, how about our guy Zabit Magomed Sharipov? Once again, with a great victory. Uh, we've been talking about him for quite some time, long before he was signed by the UFC. And he is, uh, I mean, he is looking like the future. He really is. Doesn't actually look like the future. When you look at him, he's the most unassuming guy in the world. I mean, you would never expect that he could do so. When I first saw him, I was like, this is the guy? This is the guy, Mark Henry, that you're talking about? This is the amazing guy? I mean, it's 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 unbelievable. Um, I mean, he just, he, he's got that, like, I just woke up thing, but he also, you know, he's got, like, the shaggy hair, not exactly, you know, the most intimidating physique. And then he goes out and he is just, he is a human highlight reel. It really is incredible. It really is. So those were the two big takeaways I thought of uh, Saturday morning. Love that event. We were done by 8.30 a.m. Eastern time and then we could go uh, about our day. And so uh, I fully support going back to Shanghai many, many times to do events at that hour. Okay, this is what we're going to do. Still plenty of show to go. We got a lot to talk about as it pertains to UFC 218, Bellator this Friday, uh, featherweight title on the line, the whereabouts of my Fedor bobblehead. Um, maybe you want to talk about Glory on Friday as well. Uh, perhaps this whole Habib Tony thing that uh, I'd like to weigh in on. So maybe we could talk about that, those tweets over the past uh, week and uh, my, my, I don't know, disagreement with uh, Daniel Cormier about that. Uh, maybe you want to talk about the fight fixing scandal. You want to talk about the Bellator heavyweight tournament bracket. Maybe you want to talk about BJ Penn breaking his silence. Or how about John Lineker and Jimmy Rivera fighting at UFC 219 and how that was the fight to make. Uh, maybe you want to talk about Dennis Seaver leaving the UFC or what's going on with Ricardo Lamas. All those things and more are on the table. Plus, new daddy, New York Rick, is going to be dropping his Rick's picks. So if you want to watch all of that, what you need to do now is pause what you're doing over on YouTube, MMAfighting.com. And what you need to do is go exclusively on Twitter because for the next hour or so, we'll be giving you the MMA after hour. It's Rick's picks. It's your questions. It's the question of the day. All that and more coming up right now on Twitter. We call it the MMA after hour and it is starting right now. Yes, sir. We are back. It is the MMA After Hour on this Monday, November 27th, 2017. If you must know, my my buttocks are very sore right now, so I'm just going to stand up and stretch a little bit as we welcome in the one and only new daddy, the proud papa, everyone's favorite. Whoa, this is an early reveal. We weren't ready for that reveal. Are you kidding me? What's going on? Everyone's favorite segment. What you've been waiting for. There it is. A little slow out of the gate, but there it is. Oh, just have to stand up and stretch a little bit. Ooh. I mean, I've been sitting on my buttocks for like five hours. Four hours to be exact. Got a lot to talk about here. Can't wait to talk more. Oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, just got to stretch it out sometimes. Still getting over it. Yes, there he is, Mr. New York Rick himself, repping the Unbox Therapy. And uh, by the way, I was repping the Unbox Therapy yesterday. 
shout out to Lou and uh, everybody over there. Yeah. Love, love the Unbox therapy. I was thinking about you yesterday, by the way. Uh, we were debating whether or not to go to Dave & Buster's or Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, my son. Did you make the right call? My, 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 my oldest brother, Mark, has uh, donated a, uh, an old Wii U. Mm. from back in 2013 and it's like some of the games work some of, they, some of they don't work and I don't really understand how to play the whole thing but a couple of games I've figured out like Mario Kart there's an Olympic one and so my son my oldest son has uh, really gotten into video games which I've kind of tried to delay as much as possible yeah and uh, so that's an expensive yeah. route I just don't want him sitting there you know playing all these crazy games that as well but like this is this is this is the beginning of the end yeah, he loves it. He can't get enough. Mm-hmm. And so he really wanted to go to Dave & Buster's. I was a little far. We settled on Chuck E. Cheese's. Uh, my wife's first time going. My second. She hated it. She was she was miserable. It's, it's a germ pit. <sighs> you can imagine how I felt. Yeah. And, and knowing you, yeah. I mean, that had to be a nightmare. Listen, Dave & Buster's, you go get yourself some food. You play the game. Yeah, see, actually, I, I, I use you... As a reason not to go, you told me you don't eat the food there. I don't. Yeah. Don't, don't. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to say don't eat the food. I'm going to say. No, that's what you for said. For me, that's a pass. That's a, that's, that's a hard pass. You told me you don't eat the food. It's a hard pass. But grab yourself a little drinky drink at the bar. Go over. Drink. Play some. Can't do that with kids. Have you ever had the pizza at Chuck E. Cheese? It looked pretty good. I have, good. but you're talking, this is 20 years ago now. Oh, okay. I had it as a, as a youngster. Um. But uh, yeah, Chuck E. Cheese doesn't give me the right vibe. I'm sorry. You, you got to make the you got to make the Dave and Buster's track. I'll say this: I feel like tickets. the kids were uh, excuse me, the games were a little bit geared more towards the younger kids at Chuck E. Yeah. Cheese. Right? It's a little it's intense for, at Dave and Buster's. It's yeah. Well, Dave and Buster, look, you're gonna eat, play, whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. What is it? Eat, play, drink. I don't know. <laughs> fun. Um, uh, but uh, I'm I, I'm sorry for. For you having to go to suffer that and go it was to fine. cheese, they didn't know any better. Um, as long as they had fun, who the hell cares? That's the reality. They were playing with the the stuff this morning, the cards. What cards? You know, you get those cards for the 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 tokens. Le, uh, this is like redeeming prizes. Like you get tickets, and then well, you, you get... put like sixteen dollars on it, and then you go up to the machine and you just press it, and that's how you play. You don't got yeah. that. Uh, what they were playing with the cards. So this morning they were like all excited that the cards were still at home and they're like, oh, we're going to go back and now we have oh, the cards. Okay, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, but what about the prizes? Did they get like yeah, we little, got crap little prizes. tchotchkes? We like got little- 102 tickets and we got the crappiest prizes. We got two airheads, <laughs> one <laughs> that's- Star Wars sticker and one plastic ant. It was crap. So of the four things, only one thing that even lasts. The sticker goes on and then it's done. Yeah. The two warheads are in their warhead, bellies already. Oh, sorry, airhead in airhead, their belly. Um, so you got a plastic ant out of the whole thing. Yeah, my son was very excited about it. We'll, we'll look. I'll go with you next time. Yeah, we'll hit the Papa shot. We'll get them a lot of tickets. We'll make it happen. I killed it on the Papa shot. Yeah, we'll killed it. Anytime you wanna you wanna come for the throne, I'm here. All right. World's number one. Well, we you ever seen the, yes. You ever seen the video of the Japanese guy playing with two hands on the no on the Papa shot? Wow, underhanded like this. Oh, ambidextrous. That's something to see. Wow. Um, at Dave and Buster's, I think it was somewhere in in. Oh, let me not do that. It was a China or Japan. I'm pretty sure it was Japan. But, oh, um, can't make that mistake. Yeah, let me let me not do that. But I Say believe it was, it was somewhere Japan. in Asia, somewhere in the Far East. Yeah, and uh, 
he 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 lit the thing on fire. Anyway, that is not one of Rick's picks this week okay, because it's an old got? video. What do we got? What do we got? But we do have some Rick's picks. The so, first ever Rick's picks as <laughs> a father. Wow, what a moment! And we start it with uh, mind-numbing head kicks. Um, this one from Golden Ticket Fight Promotions, Fight Night Seven in England. Now it's actually a little older than a week. It happened on November eighteenth. But watch this. Oh. Shut down. Oh. Face plant just wrecked. I feel like you love Amateur. face plants. That 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 is a key to the to the proper knockout. This you, when the body is just shut down like that. This is uh, amateur welterweight making his debut. Samuel Samuel, sorry, Il Mickey, um, with the head kick over Solomon Rogers from uh, Golden Ticket Fight Promotions Fight Night 7 um, in England on the 18th. I didn't know uh, Fight Night 7 was this weekend. I, I, I love Fight Night 6. I didn't know they had Fight Night 7. <laughs> How dare you, sir. <laughs> um, I, I do believe that this this F- Golden Ticket Promotions does put on some events with some names we recognize. I think there was like a Norman Park card that I saw when oh, I was wow. doing a little bit of research. So um, this one uh, from roughly... Uh, 10 days ago, nine days ago to be exact. Uh, incredible knockout, especially for a debuting fighter. And you know what? A lot of these kind of out of nowhere knockouts are from amateurs or from debutantes. Um, I think there's a, you know, the less nerves and also the lower caliber of opponent that these things are easier to execute, but uh, incredible one here by Samuel. Okay. Our next video, this is from Bleacher Report. They had Marshawn Lynch. Watch some knockouts. You know, they originally tweeted this out and it said uh, we could watch Marshawn react to UFC knockouts forever and then they deleted yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, this was probably like an ad thing and then they screwed it up, right? Because Bellator retweeted it. I mean, like, yeah. why would they just specifically choose Bellator knockouts and not MMA of knockouts? Of course. I'm sure there's some kind of promotion here, but the the... End result is we get Marshawn Lynch reacting to. to was it good? Was it funny? Is, I didn't really watch. Oh come on! Ever since he left the Bills, I've been a little bit weird about Marshawn Lynch. Listen, well, yeah, and also it's a, it's another excuse to get some of these knockouts, which are really really. What's no script? Nice ones. The show that they're on. Uh, I think this is Marshawn Lynch. He does. Um, oh, he's the host. I'm pretty sure it's his show. Yeah, there's there's other ones where he's where he's reacting to like people. I saw one where he was reacting to people breaking cinder blocks, like the old school karate stuff. Who are those two guys? Um, that I don't know. It'd be great if it was like uh, Scott Coker and. Oh. All right, stop. Um, this kind of reminds me of that show on Vice with those two guys. I love those guys. Jesus and Mero. Oh yeah, they're oh, great. Oh my god, don't get me started. No good. No, the best. Oh, I love them. I'm what? part of the Bodega Hive. I love those guys. Yeah, I don't know what that is, but yeah, uh, see, this is there's levels to this. To yeah, this fandom. I, but, I, uh, I just see them talking about the Knicks, and I think it's fantastic. Yeah, they have some hot takes for sure. Yeah, Jesus and Mero, love those guys. Um, Marshawn Lynch reacting to knockouts. Go watch the whole video. Bleacher Report has it. Okay, the UFC tweeted this chopstick challenge. Here we see Faber, Jiang uh, Liang, Joanna. And uh, Minotaro Nagara. Oh wow! What, what are they picking up? Beans? Those look like nuts. Edamame? Oh, or maybe chickpeas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nuts or chickpeas. And nuts are tough because they're so hard. Like, if you don't have the game, yeah. If you if you don't got the skills. 
Didn't you think it was interesting that they brought Joanna over there? I mean, clearly they had to have booked that beforehand, right? Credit to her. How cool is Joanna, right? I mean, she's she's playing this right. Unbelievable. She, she's Not just hiding. out there. Yeah, she, she wants people to know that she's coming back. Big Nug 14. I have to tell you, these, these numbers are... 18. How long? Pathetic. How long? I don't know what it was, a minute, maybe? And don't compare me to his favor. I'm bigger than him. <laughs> so who won? I think it was Faber. Oh, okay. Um, here's a quick video from uh, Francis Ngannou's uh, Instagram stating that he has the world record of punching power. Oh. And I'm, I'm not one to argue with him. Wait, but I, you, a couple weeks ago you told me Casey has, uh, Casey has more pu- power than him. Listen, this is, why, this is why I brought this up. Ooh. I'm not one to argue with him, but maybe our own Casey. Oh yeah, we'll see about that. Is one to is one to contest this. If Casey, only they were in the same city later this week. Casey, if you if you see this Instagram, if you watch this Rick's picks, maybe you got something to talk to Francis about. I know it's true. Um, maybe I'll, I'll send it to him. You know what I love? Uh, I love the fact that Francis Ngannou, like his fight look, team. Look, previous record, Tyrone Spong. Wow, nice shout out. Whatever happened to Tyrone Spong? I think he's boxing professionally now. Okay. I think that's where he's at. No MMA, no kickboxing. I think he's boxing um, full time. I feel like uh, Francis Ngannou is 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 fighting out of the UFC PI. Like that's his gym. Oh, for sure. That's he's his like home the gym. First fighter. <laughs> he just like shows up there. Okay, what are we doing today? I feel like his coaches I, are going to be UFC PI like trainers. Are, I mean, how far are we from Kevin Lee kind of being in that same? Yeah, like, yeah. He, he does a lot of his his good work for him, there, man. So. It's smart. They're giving you a facility like. All these other guys have to now. I imagine not pay membership, guys and girls. But um, you know, I think it's just a convenience thing, and and good for him for taking advantage of it. What's interesting about him though is he moved to Las Vegas and didn't have like a home gym, and this became his home gym. It wasn't like he was a Vegas guy, and then the PI opened and he started going there. He moved to Vegas specifically because he wanted to be uh, in the U.S. and uh, now he's training out there. Whoa! How about how about Dave Doyle, our own Dave Doyle? Getting a quote from Joe Silva about Matt Mitrione's claim Uh-oh. that he lied about him. Anyway, well, we can talk about that later, but that I just yeah. saw that come through the wire. Um, great job listen, there. That's a great tease because you got Silva me interested. doesn't speak. Okay. Um, another Rick's pick. Uh, Rob Whitaker, or Robert Whitaker. I don't know why I said Rob Whitaker. Oh, because it says in here, Rob. Um, Robert Whitaker uh, qualifying for the Gold Coast 2018 Commonwealth Games in wrestling. Um, and that's a scare, you, the same way uh, Francis's power is scary. Robert Whitaker with an ever-improving grappling game is also a scary prospect if you're uh, the rest of the middleweight division. Um, congrats to him for, for qualifying and, and good luck in the rest. Yes. How about that? Got some, uh, he got some media attention for that. You mentioned this, and now we're going to talk about it. Oh. A tweet here from... Friend of the show, oh, Daniel Cormier. I'll Mel read it. Daniel. So I walk into the gym today, yeah. and Habib Nurmagomedov walks up to me and says the UFC is wanting to make me, and in, this was a little bit confusing for me at first, but he meant yeah, yeah. Habib, <laughs> not Daniel, yeah. versus Tony Ferguson for December 30th. Then he tells me that Tony is saying no to the fight. Come on, Tony. That ain't gangsta. Oh, sorry. That ain't gangsta, bruh. Take the fight, man. To which our own Ariel Hawani responded, oh. Oh, no. I expect DC to campaign oh, for his God. guy, but also expect more from him. That was me. Ferguson, I was hacked. <laughs> Ferguson fought six weeks ago. Barboza signed to fight Habib at 219. 
USC still wants to beef up 219, and now Ferguson is being pressured because McGregor isn't available for 219. No need for public pressure, unbecoming DC. Yes. Explain yourself. Or rather, is there is there a rift between you and Daniel? Are we are we on the outs or where, where are we? Listen, perhaps our cozy, you know, our buddy-buddy relationship was a little bit overblown. That's all I'll oh. say about that. But this is what I'll really say about the matter at hand. I, I, I get on Twitter Wednesday night. And I see all these guys from AKA trying to pressure Tony Ferguson to take this fight. I see Khabib Nurmagomedov trying to bait Tony Ferguson into taking a fight. Last I checked, Khabib Nurmagomedov was scheduled and signed to fight Edson Barbosa at UFC 219. And based on my discussions, the UFC wanted Tony Ferguson to fight at 219 because Conor McGregor isn't fighting at 219. And they want to try to beef up that card as much as possible. So what's the fight to make if Ferguson can't fight Conor McGregor? It's obviously Khabib Nurmagomedov. But... Tony Ferguson just fought. Tony Ferguson is a little bit banged up. Tony Ferguson was told that his next fight was going to be against Conor McGregor. Why on essentially five weeks notice should he fight Khabib Nurmagomedov? Why should he be uh, told that he's ducking or that he's afraid when he was scheduled to fight? I love Khabib, but they were scheduled to fight on March 3rd. Get the Barbosa fight out of the way, win that fight, and then let's talk about the Ferguson fight. And oh, by the way, Barbosa deserves a chance to fight Habib. He signed up to take that fight, and, and that's a big opportunity for him. So I get what DC was doing. I get what Mike Swick was doing. I get why these guys, these AKA guys, were trying to you know drum up some interest. I just didn't like the fact that they were going about it that way, saying like, come on, come on, Ferguson, are you really going to do that? And let's be honest. Cormier needs to walk in. He's he's got to walk a different kind of line. At the end of the day, above all, I believe he's the AKA captain more so than the UFC Tonight guy, the Fox guy, the the color guy on the broadcast. He loves that team. He loves competition. He's still an active fighter. He is the most loyal guy out there, and I get it. He's trying to stick up for his guy, and he wants to see his guy fight for the belt. I get it. But also, let's not forget the fact that he does have these other jobs. And I just don't think it is becoming, dare I say, it's unbecoming to then, you know, go out publicly and try to almost, you know, pressure, publicly pressure a guy to take a fight when, you know, the guy, uh, he, 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 already, he was already told that he's fighting Connor. At least that's the fight that they want to make. And those two other guys were already booked to fight each other. It's not Tony Ferguson's fault that the UFC couldn't get Connor to fight at 219. It's not Tony Ferguson's fault that the UFC couldn't beef up 219 like they originally wanted to. So leave the guy alone. I, I, I wouldn't want, and, and this is just another example why a union would never work in this sport. It, it's, it's, it just, it's like, that's not the, you would never see NBA players talk to each other like that publicly. You would never see it. You just wouldn't. And I kept seeing this. You know, I, I saw a bunch of tweets about like, ah, oh, Ferguson should take this fight. And of course, the fans are going to pile on. And the, fa- the fans piled on me for saying that Ferguson should take this fight. What are you talking about? He just fought six weeks ago. No big deal. Come on. These are professional athletes. He is on the cusp of the biggest payday of his life, a fight that would change his life. And you're trying to now pressure him just for your own, you know, forty nine ninety five. No, it doesn't work like that. And you shouldn't want that. And you shouldn't want to be a part of that. And so, yeah, I get it. I understand what DC was doing. He's the captain. I get it. But I couldn't stand by and just let him, you know, do that to Tony Ferguson, who, by the way, isn't the biggest fan of mine. Let's not forget, not that long ago, he 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 blocked me. And this is this isn't me trying to create a riff with Habib. I have the utmost respect for Habib. I love the guy. He's tremendous. I can't wait to see him back. I've missed him genuinely, sincerely. But let's just fight the fight that you agreed to fight. And let's not, you know, let's not play this game where we're going to all publicly pressure a guy and pile on him just because the UFC couldn't beef up the card like they wanted to or just because Connor isn't available. It's not right. So I had to say something about it. At the end of it all, 
think we got Daniel Cormier with the <laughs> with the perfect capper for this. He said, "Fighting with you, Ariel, is making him sad." There's one. This one is one where we will have to just disagree. And he posted himself uh, crying. But listen, it made me uncomfortable too. I was like, "This is spiraling out of control," but I'm not going to back down. Like the great Tom Petty once said, "I won't back down." And I wasn't going right. to back down to him. Rest in peace, Tom Petty. Listen, I, I shoot it straight. I call it like I see it. And uh, we, we cannot stand for bullying in this sport. Not in this sport. You know what we also can't stand for? Theft. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like my bobblehead back. It's the last time I'm inviting anyone from Glory onto this program. The Listen. last time. <laughs> um, yeah, the DC ending it with levity. Funny. Okay. He's the man. Also humorous, also with levity, Felice Herrig um, posting uh, some photos of herself um, with the Fruit Loops. Um, I don't get it. Yeah, well, she was just talking about um, what she's kind of dreaming about, what she's what she's after while she's because she's fighting this weekend because she's not able to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, there are a few others, but uh, that's a great fight as well on the card. The card, I mean, top to bottom, super super solid card. Courtney Casey against Felice Herrig. That's an important fight. I don't get this one either. Okay, glad you... Um, uh, <laughs> from Conor McGregor, the lion mask, saying yes. he's the king of the jungle. I get it from why he would consider himself the king of the jungle. Why now? Why? He's been wearing uh, masks for a while now. Yeah, this is just... Uh, Maybe it's a shot at Amanda Nunes. <laughs> <laughs> he's setting up his next super fight. <laughs> um, I don't get it either, but it's a They should mask. do a Who Wore It Better with Amanda yes. and uh, Conor. But... Uh, the king of the jungle rides in, in luxury, that's for sure. Good for him. Okay, this one made the rounds. Um, I thought it was well done and hilarious by Touchy Feely. Uh, having so, some kind of conflict with a sponsor. Sweet stash. And then after I did that, they tried to renegotiate and say they wouldn't pay me at all. Negotiated four posts. I didn't show my face, but they waited until after my third post to tell me that. Whack. So. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. This is like that movie Office Space. It's exactly like that. Oh, so he my. does his fourth post fourth by destroying. Video. Here's my face. Wow. Smiling with the tongue. The tongue in the, the gap between his teeth. I mean, just. Incredible. Start to finish. Flawless social media post. Uh. Shout out to Touchy Feely. That that was absolutely bonkers. Um, I should. This, I, by the way, I should have done that with those guys who didn't pay me for the Connor thing. I don't know what I could actually. Yeah, do. I don't know. How, like, what yeah. do you? You watch your. You break your computer with the right. pay per view on it. Right. I don't know. Um. This one near and dear to my heart. Uh, the Karate Hottie Michelle Waterson on this season of MTV's The Challenge, my favorite show on on television, and probably the best show. Um, that's ever been created and did the did the stars win no unfortunately what? her team lost this week oh i actually um, i just got a um a press release about this it started just started last tuesday okay i want to say yeah it started last tuesday uh i just got a press release um oh wait okay this is about that it's weird that i got a press release about the second episode the miz yeah. is on this the Miz is the host. Oh. Miz is the host. Uh, T.O.'s on it. Terrell it's a big Owens. deal. It's a big deal. How is it? 
Uh, I love. I mean, how's Watterson? This is the best. This is the best thing. Well, here's her quote. She wasn't featured much. I mean, there, I feel like there's some more like uh, boisterous, more ca- characters that are going to try and hog the spotlight a little bit, like a Terrell Owens or somebody like that. Um, but when she did get screen time, she made a count. She said, "When push comes to shove, I'm shoving." Good for Michelle. Yeah. Um, represented for MMA. If I speak to her at the media day, what's one question I should ask about this show? Spoilers, because these are already taped. We need to know. I can give a spoiler. What's wrong with you? Get the spoilers. Get the spoilers. Off the record, write them down. Oh. Give them to me. That doesn't really help me. You don't need to help you. You're helping me. Help me. All right. Help me. Get the spoilers. care that much. I love this show. Wow. I love this. This is your number one show. This is the only show. There is no number one. This is this is one, Only two, show. three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. How does your poor wife think about this? How does she, she feel about it? She suffers it. She suffers it. She suffers she'll, it. She'll she let me. She gets into it. No, no, no. But she'll let me be on my challenge. You know, um, who's the greatest binge. performer in the history of the challenge? The Miz. The Miz. The Miz. See, he was one of the OGs, and there was one challenge where everybody is on this wire net. It was hanging above. And you're supposed to hold on with two hands, but if you let go, it was like a um, a pulley kind of system. Mm-hmm. If you let go with one hand, then you're hanging on by only one hand, and the balance is off a little bit. You needed both hands on it to balance. He fell off, but had his one hand on, and he hung there and stayed on it and beat everybody else who was hanging with two hands at the moment, and they all fell off. Uh, it was the greatest performance. Wow, history. he's the man. And then CT from Boston, of course. But uh, no of course, of course, uh, I love the challenge. And shout out to Michelle Waterson for doing it this year. Yeah. Lastly, Rick's pick. Okay. From me. Oh, there it is. Rick. There it is. Where, where was this at the top of the show? No, this is, you got to save it for Rick's pick. Fair enough. Uh, caption, my wife cooked um, this bird to for perfection. Feeling pretty thankful today. Thanksgiving baby, Avery Emma Jackman, my daughter, cutest baby in the world. Um, can I nitpick for a second? Sure, talk to me. I'm not a big fan of people tweeting out Instagram links because it just shows up as a link, an Instagram link on your Twitter. So what I'm a big fan of these days is the double post. Basically do your Instagram thing, then do a separate Twitter post. It gets way more traction. You just have the photo embedded in there because no one wants to click on the link and then go to another app. Yes, but should have done a double post. You're splitting your audience, right? If you drive the people to the Instagram who may not follow you on Instagram. Yeah, stop doing that. Now you may get those followers and get those likes on the Instagram. I'm a one platform poster. I don't like to I don't like to post the same thing on Twitter that I post on Instagram. So I share those links. I've long believed that Twitter was the dominant social media platform and so I'm okay with not bringing over my my audience. Um I just I feel like okay like that We're live on Twitter so, right now, the dominant yes. social media platform. So so you tweeted that link. And if I don't know anything going on in your life, I'm like, "Oh, Here's Eric's, you know, Thanksgiving post. I, exactly. I don't want to click on this. And that, no, that helped me. That a lot of people you? thought, you know, yeah, but so I, they thought they were getting. But frankly, if I, if I just follow this show sort of willy nilly, I'm not. Clear, I don't care about what your turkey looks like. I see enough of that. So you uh, should care about what my turkey looks. <laughs> it was very ambiguous. How about I'm a proud dad, unbelievable. No, and there's and then, wait, where's the intrigue there? There's the, you know what? I, this is for hardcores only. Right. That's what I'll say to that. This is for the hardcores only. How many likes you get on that pick? More than anything by like a country mile. People are not interested in me and more interested in, in babies, yeah. uh, which is okay because uh, now I have one. So I'll be maximizing my baby Instagram time. 
Are you sorry? You, you've are, been very productive over there in the last. Oh, this is of this minutes. is my glory uh, <laughs> fight information that I'm have turned into a uh, paper airplane because of what she did to me. She. Um, <laughs> this is my favorite storyline. Have you? Are you? Have you decided if you're going to be that 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 you know quasi public person dad who is going to share a lot about their kids, or are you going to make it? It's not really my style to do a lot of the family stuff. You know, my wife, I don't really um, highlight there because it's not it's not for anybody else to kind of get into. But I feel like with a, a, a baby, it's a little bit different. I'm I'm gonna I'm I'm happy and proud of her, and I'm gonna post a, a little bit. But the answer is probably leaning toward no. Or I think you've given a pretty good example of that. You use it sparingly. You don't use it like exclusively for for family stuff, but you integrate it into into the other stuff nicely. I think it'll probably be somewhere around there. All right. Um, it's not going to be an account solely dedicated to her. Um, so are you, are you going like to make a little bit. her own account? Some people like to do that. No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not making the the Connor Junior. Oh, they did uh, that account. Yeah, have they updated it? Remember, it got like yeah, 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 half yeah. a million uh, followers before he, any even post anything even posted. Right. Let's actually check in on that. By the way, uh, I was talking earlier about like unity and and fighters, you know, wanting different things but still sticking together. A perfect example of how our sport is so much, you know, so much different than than other sports. Uh, David Fisdale, the yeah. now former head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, was just fired, right? And here you have Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, who of course uh, played, played for him yep. with the Heat. But you have other guys like, well, Vince Carter also played for him. But Damian Lillard, I see, has tweeted, and they've all tweeted how upset they are that he got fired. You never see this in MMA. You never see like fighters when they're upset about something come together and oh, by the way, this is a coach. This is this isn't a fellow player from the players association. This is a coach. What do you see? You see fighters piling it on. You see fighters kicking them when them down when they're down. You see fighters calling each other liars. You see you see fighters you know saying that oh you know you 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 you're scared to fight. Like I, I wish we saw more of that. You know. Now remember though, it is an individual sport. There is a big difference there. Whereas these guys came together as a team, achieved success. These other fighters are not necessarily coming from that same perspective. They were their opponents. They were the people that were potentially coming to take money out of their pocket. Whereas LeBron, Wade, all these guys, they played with, phys- you know. Yeah, but this, other people have. This is a community. Damian Lillard. I mean, I, fair, I, fair I've, enough. I've seen many other cases where they, they say like, oh man, great job getting that money. They're, and of course, they're, they're all happy. Yeah. They're all content. They're yeah. all billionaires. But there's no doubt about it that there's much more camaraderie oh. between, the, between the sports there. Um yeah, and, and we'll see where that one goes. Um, Jessica I just uh, tweeted me, by the way. What'd she say? She wrote, hey, Ariel Hawani, since you only have PVZ, can I come on to tell what really happened? Uh, that's contract number two because UFC just sends us random fight contracts. GTFO SMH. So she is sending a contract for a January 14th fight with Paige Van Zandt. Here we go. Also, uh, for whatever it's worth, um, I did hear from someone uh, affiliated with Valentina Shevchenko who also said that they were in talks. So two people. Lots of contracts out there. Yeah. What do we make Um, of this? (laughs) We'll see. Um, Conor McGregor Jr. update. Yes, please. (laughs) 112,000 followers, zero posts. Wow. Not yet. Not yet. One day. 
Zero you posts. You know what? Maybe Fogarty. Yeah. Look, you got a job here. Let's do it. Get yep. that get that Instagram up and up and popping. Yeah, stop whining about not getting credit. All right, all right, all you right. Don't I mean? pile on. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, he's taking some great pictures. Put them on there. All right. That's it for Rick's picks this week. I think we need to do it. What? Uh, I just sent you something. <laughs> oh, I didn't see. <laughs> just a quickie. I didn't get it. You didn't get it? Oh, darn it. I sent it to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> Here it is. Coming at you. Okay, okay. Got it. I, I feel like we need to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, talk, about, uh, talk about something. Talk about life. Minutes. Okay, yeah. I'm going to call. No, I'll tell the people. Jessica I has said, since you only have PVZ, can I come on to tell what really happened? So I am going to call Jessica I right now and ask her what really happened. I think it's only fair. If you're going to come on and say that uh, I'm only having one side of the story, I'd like to get both sides of the story. And so we shall be calling uh, Jessica I right now. Hopefully she's available. I don't back down from a from a challenge. I like getting both sides of the story. By the way, this is my glory information. Look at that. One of the finest paper airplanes I have ever created. So if you missed it, earlier today we had Paige Van Zant on the program talked to her about all kinds of stuff going on and talked to her about Jessica I not being happy that she was not fighting her next. She said she didn't know what was going on. They kind of moved on. It, it wasn't brought back after she had to pull out. Talked about Valentina Shevchenko. So much going on. There's always all kinds of drama. Is she fighting for the belt? Is she not fighting for the belt? And uh, since then, um, I've heard from Valentina's team who said that they weren't talks to fight her. And we just got a tweet from Jessica I. And I like to get both sides of the story. And so I asked New York Rick to call Jessica I. And wouldn't you know it, we've got Jessica I on the phone. Jessica, are you there? <laughs> I am. Hi, Arrow. You didn't think I was going to call you, right? No, you know what I'm, I, I, I'm glad. I, I yeah. feel like I, I feel very good from that. So thank you for calling me. You doubted me. I, 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 see, I like getting both sides of the story. I like getting the truth. We had Paige on, nothing against you, um, but there was a lot going on in, in, in her life, so we had her on. She, she talked about your situation. I don't know if you heard it or got some tweets. Tell me, what, did, what do you know based on the interview, and then we could kind of go from there. Did you hear it, or did you get some like piecemeal information? No, I, um, I had a friend that actually listened to it. Um, uh, I, I was doing some stuff before I go back in the tank, so no, I did not hear it, but my wonderful little birdies that keep an eye out for me, um, you know, let me know uh, what I needed to know, and basically, which encouraged me to tweet one of the two contracts that the UFC sent me that Paige had agreed to, I guess I really said I sent you the screenshots of the text message Paige sent to me about originally asking to fight me and agreeing to fight me uh, way back in July. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, there's so many things that are going on. Like, and I think that sometimes, you know, with the, with the media, you guys pick up on the things Paige says because you're right. She's got other things to talk about. She's doing some outside of the cage stuff. So everybody always seems to believe that person and, and not the other side. And I feel like me and, you know, Valentino, who, are the best 125ers in the world. Um, and that was before we even came to the USC. So, I mean, I I feel like we're both kind of getting shunned to the side, not getting a chance in pages, just getting all this time to talk. 
Okay, so the, so then let me ask you. Uh, she said that you know she was willing to fight you. She is willing to fight you in the future, but for this particular, after she had to pull out of your fight at two sixteen, uh, they they never went back to the well, and she's now fighting someone else on January fourteenth. Um, and you're saying, look, I have a contract here for January 14th. So what's the story that you were told? Why aren't you fighting Paige Van Zandt next? Because Paige called Dana and asked to get out of the fight. I mean, the, they were not going to let her out of this fight. And she, whatever bitch fit she threw, I signed that contract. That one, I signed that one October 18th. I think that was the one that I heard. Uh, yeah, 10, 8, 10, 18, I think I, I got the contract, signed it, returned it that day. For that one, I have the other signed contract that we sent back for the other fight and for the other time. So, listen, I'm not I'm not here saying that maybe two different things weren't being said, but we all know that the UFC does not send contracts to people unless both parties agreed upon wanting the fight and said yes to everything. If that went out, and then it was like New York weekend happened, and all of a sudden she came home and realized, like, oh, wait a minute, Jessica is one of the best 125ers, and she can kick my ass. So now I don't want this fight. I would much rather go fight a girl that Beck lost to because she thinks that she'd beat Beck, which, which is fine. It's totally fine, but we've been trying to get myself a fight. I haven't been in the cage. I've been begging for 125. And we revolved all of our decision-making because Paige was being cooperative. And then one day I think I have a fight coming up. The next day I don't. It's, it's, not, it's not fair for her to do that. And not even to mention, I get offered a short-notice fight um, that even if I would have taken it against KGB, that if the fight would have got pulled on me again. And that's not fair. I've had multiple fights pulled from me. And... No, it's not fair for me to have to deal with it. And it sucks. It's hard. Um, so you're saying that she called Dana White and said, I don't want this fight. So then what was the reason told to you? They they called you and, and just said, hey, she doesn't want this fight. We have to she move was, on. She was refusing to fight me. She was going to refuse the fight. I'm, probably, I'm, I'm sure she would have faked an injury or done or did some, whatever she wanted. She would have faked some kind of injury or in some another way to, to get out of that fight or Whatever. I mean, who who knows who knows what would have happened? It's not the USC's fault. And I think it's bullshit that she's trying to act like it's the USC's fault. It was a her thing. She was the one who went back and said that she didn't want the fight out of out of out of nowhere after multiple months of us, you know, figuring, you know, after the first one got canceled to reschedule. Like in in my world, and I feel like in most people's world, that if you make a fight, the fight should happen. You don't get to just choose that. You don't get to just be the dictator of that. Wow. Okay. Um, are you still pissed off about this? Contract. I mean, it's not that I'm pissed off. It's that if you're going to tell, like, listen, hey, I told a lie once, one, one time about my, my career and it really screwed things up and I learned from it. It's not fair that she gets to go and play this little innocent role that people are bullying her and that people are saying things that are untrue. I never said anything that was untrue. Paige reached out to me and texted me in July originally about the fight and said, let's do this. Let's, let's kick off the division. And we, we agreed because we're fighters and we're professional. That's what we do. And then she gets injured. I even messaged her when she gets injured about saying, sorry that she was hurt and doing the right thing, doing what female fighters do best and either try to communicate properly or just be complete bitches to each other. And I, and I said, I was sorry. And that we would wait for the fight to be scheduled. And then that was what, you know, what the, the plan was. And that was the plan until the contract came through. And I signed my end, sent it back. We were told the fight was made. And then that was it. Like, 
she can't place that on the UFC and say that they didn't communicate it properly to me or say anything. That's bullshit. That's the UFC. You're going to tell them that they have a communication issue. Um, and so when's the last time you talked to you, you, you have each other's phone numbers, you, you texted back in July since all this has come up. Have you talked at all? Um, I didn't send any messages after the, after I was told that she was refusing to fight me, um, for, for whatever reason, after, after the contract and everything, and we'd already read agreed upon it, you know, it was like, no, I, I, there's no reason to talk now. I'll get my chance. I'll get my chance to set myself straight back in the 125 division, a division that I should have been in years ago that I ruled for multiple years before I even came to the USC. And I'll see her on the other side of the cage and it'll be a bad day for her, you know, in, in that case. But I just think it's not, I don't think it's fair that she hanged that things weren't the way that they were. I mean, I'll gladly post out what, what my, the contract said. And as I did, so others can see it. I'm not lying. Um, the USC you- does not just send random contracts with people's names on it. I've, <laughs> that's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. And, and, and you are fighting January 14th, correct? Yeah, right. Which is so freaking comical that we're both going to be now on the same card. Against Kalindra Faria? You're fighting Kalindra Faria, right? Correct. I don't know why it's not released. I don't know what. I mean, I've seen things that were out there. But yeah, both contracts were signed again on that one. (laughs) Wait, what were you saying about Australia? My contract sent to me. Well, she said that she, you know, wanted to fight on Australia card and, you know, or wanted to fight in the Japan card. I was open for all those dates. And nobody else was. Strange. This is a strange story. This is one of the weirder ones. It's because it it's because it's a, it's 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 one side trying to cover up. And anytime you try to cover up a lie, it sounds really awkward when someone comes out and says the truth. And I mean, hey, what better than for me to supposed to contract out again? I, Ariel, you know, and all the two fans know, and all the and and even the OC knows. They do not just sign send random contracts with people's name on it unless both sides have already agreed upon fighting each other. It's I, I didn't. This is not something I'm just randomly making up. Or neither is the USC. Hmm. Um. And have you moved on from her, or do you still want a uh, you know a chance to fight her? I I want I want to fight at 125, and I have literally been begging Dana since last September. When I lost in my hometown, as I said, please, if I'm going to get any more chances to be in the UFC, can I please fight it at 125, the division I should be in? And, you know, here we am. I'm getting to fight at 125. So, I mean, all bets are off now. I mean, I'll see her somewhere because we're both in this division now. What I if mean, you see her in St. Louis? Go up against girls like me and Valentino. I mean, listen, Valentino's a big 25er. She's like me. I'm a big 25er. We know how to make those cuts down. We weren't yeah. the biggest 35ers, but we're the we're where they we're we're why this division needs to exist. Well, what what do you think happens if you see her in St. Louis? Do you think you'll be able to be cordial? Absolutely, I'm a professional. She's and she'll listen. Paige is one of those girls that like pride themselves on someone being rude and mean to them and making and try to make me look like I'm some bad human being and and I'm not. I'm just I'm just trying to make a living and make a you know a means for myself and. She's really stood in the way of that, so I won't let her stand in the way of me and the girl that I'm fighting and the publicity we deserve for for that fight. So she don't get my attention that way. She'll get it on another day. But believe okay. me, she'll feel my presence. She'll feel my presence. It'll make have her you, comfortable. Have you been watching Tough? 
Absolutely. I fought, I mean, I, I, I fought Barb Hunchak years ago and yeah, yeah, of yeah. course they, it was who the number one seed was. So I wanted to see what was going to happen. And I've known of some of those girls and I should have went into the house. I should have just considering how the Aspen fight, the Aspen fight went, I should have just not, I should have chose that, that direction better, but I'm very proud of all the 25ers and it's sweet. It's, it's finally here. A lot of girls are very pumped that the 125 division is finally here. Me, me being one of the most. Yes. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, you clearing the air here, Jessica, and I uh, I appreciate you you actually reaching out sort of via via. Yeah. You have my phone number too. You can text me. I'm always around. There's a, there's only love on this side of the table. Contrary to what you may think. Great. Well, thank thank you for for hearing my tweet and and giving me a chance to talk and get get this out of the fan. So thank you, and I'll see you guys on January. Absolutely. Best of luck in training. Best of luck in the fight on January 14th. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Bye. How about that, Jessica? I surprise drop in, checking in. I mean, what better way on our Twitter exclusive segment to have someone tweet us saying they want to come in and clear the air? No shortage of drama. As I said to Paige, there always seems to be drama surrounding her. All right. Well, that's that. Now you got both sides of the story. You figure it out. Okay, let's answer some questions before we get the heck out of here. New York, Rick, are you there? I'm here. Okay, what do we got? Uh, we start how we start every week, which is with your question. Yes. MMA hour question of the day. If GSP is unavailable in February... Uh, who should Robert Whitaker fight next? Remember, we're live in 15 minutes. Okay, and the choices are, hold on. This always sucks because it doesn't have it on the tag board. The choices are Luke Rockhold, Chris Weidman, Kelvin Gastelum, or other specified below. And the answer, after 19, oh, I'm sorry, with 19 hours left, 12,000 votes, 47% saying Luke Rockhold. Mm. 35% saying Kelvin Gastelum. 13% Chris Weidman, 5% other. I'm not going to go through all the others. Are you surprised uh, that Gaslam's like getting more votes than uh, Chris Weidman? No. Because what he's you, fresher. Yeah. He's yeah. fresher in everybody's mind. That's how it works with the rankers, by the way. Like, I bet, I bet you Gaslam ends up being. Well, I don't know if I bet because I can't really figure those people out. But I bet you he, like, makes a big jump and, and Weidman doesn't because what are you laughing about over there? Just standing up? <laughs> yes. I feel like an old man. When I stand up, feel free to go full screen, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of my cue. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I feel, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like he's going to get a big push. It's funny how people have forgotten about that fight. But yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue against Luke Rockhold. Gaslam does bring up a great point. I mean, he's been way more active, but, you know, he is the former it, champ. For me, it's Rockhold. For me, I think that that's got to be it. Um, but the, that, you know, leads to the question of why is GSP going to be unavailable in February? Cause she, I, I want GSP Whitaker. I want to see that, but it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like um, the push is for that. Um, okay. Our next question. Is Ben Askren a fool for thinking he can get a fight with GSP? Uh, Do you have a problem with Askren shooting a shot on this one? Not at all because he's retired. So it's all gravy. If it happens, great. If it doesn't, he's retired. So why not? This is a good time to do it, right? One is on board. Um, it's a long shot. I highly doubt it happens. Yeah. But no, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, what 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 effort has it taken? A couple of tweets, talk about it on an interview. That's it. Yeah, he's, he's not putting that much energy into it. And I think 
can't hurt, can only get him a fight with GSP. Right. Um, can't n- take him out of a fight with GSP because that never was happening. So um, I think it's only good. Now, do I think at a certain point it may be going on and falling on deaf ears? I think that's probably going to happen at some point. But uh, for now, it's still fresh. And undoubtedly, I think Askren deserves to be at least considered in that kind of conversation. I think he is one of the best welterweights in the world. So um, unfortunately, I don't know if we'll get to see him prove that. Okay. What is your opinion on such a quick comeback like Bisping did for the Gaston fight? Who should decide if fighters are ready to compete? We know that the doctor's commissions can make mistakes. Well, I've already weighed in on this. So how about you weigh in? Yeah, I don't think... Um, I have an answer in terms of <coughs> whose responsibility it should be because I believe it's everybody's responsibility. It's the fighter. It's their team. It's the commissions. It's the promotion. All these things have to come together because if one or if one is the only one shouting it down, chances are the other factors are going to be able to push it through. Um, mainly if it's the fighter. The fighter, um, as long as they can convince the commission, is, is going to be able to push it through. I don't have as much of a problem with Bisping fighting Gastelum, um, as some uh, people uh, seem to, and and I respect and and understand the position of not wanting to see him immediately back in there after getting rocked against GSP and choked unconscious and all that. Um, but I don't think the result would have been different three months from now if he had more time to, to prepare. I think it's very likely that Kelvin Gastelum would have been able to knock him out with that same combination of punches. Um, I also don't think... Um, if they had stuck to the to a suspension that's 30 days and he fought on day 31, that he'd be in any better shape than he would be on day 22. Um, in this case, um, I think it's just, you know, the, the fighter was motivated. In this case, Bisping was motivated to uh, take the fight. He was able to, to make it happen. And, and I'm not as upset about it. I do, you know, I, I would be okay if I didn't see another, you know, Bisping knockout like that. Um, and he chose to, to take some more time off and walk away. But I'm not I'm not ready to point fingers on it. I'm I'm more okay with it, I think, than than most seem to be. I'm not as upset. Yeah, I mean I think the onus really goes on the New York Commission. Why do they do this? Right? Yeah, I mean it, they they gave a, a number. The the answer is why did we not stay with that number? But I think there's justifications that that can be explained. Where hey, they pa- the reason that number's here is so that there's enough time to pass the X Y Z test, this and that. They got it done before then, and you know, the fight game goes on. So um, I think it's a collective effort. It's never just this person, this person, this group, anybody's to blame. Everybody kind of has to be accountable if if we want to avoid this in the future. Um, but I don't know if we can point to a, an older fighter getting knocked out by a younger, faster fighter as this is the problem with these suspensions. It, 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 that could have happened with five months, sure. you know? Sure. It, it's, hard, it's hard for me to, to make this the specific example to, or the hill to die on for it, but um, clearly could, could have been avoided with, with Bisping taking a little more time off. Okay. Given the brutal uh, wobble that Bisping received, do you think he'll be cleared in time to fight in London? I think he'll be cleared. Yeah. Do you want to see him no, fight in no, London? No. And your answer yeah. earlier was no. Um, I'm also going to say no, but I also don't think ultimately we'll be, we'll be on the right side of that because I think he'll push to to do it. I think he's book a fight in Manchester in October. Yeah. Or November or December. I think if, if there can be an assurance made that he'll get close 
um, to to where he needs to be for for that hometown fight, then um, I think he'll you know he'll be willing to wait a little bit longer. Um, but we'll see. Only, only Bisping and and his team and uh, the, the powers that be know. Um, but I'd be okay if if he sat this one out and, and took the next London one. Hundred percent. Now, when that is eventually booked, do you like Yoel Romero as an opponent? This person, this person proposes two people: Yoel Romero and Leota Machida. Do you like either of those? Do you like somebody else? Who would you like to see Bisping fight if he's going? If he's doing one more, I'm going to plead the fifth. I, I feel I feel like I'm not ready to wrap my head around him. Sure. right now, um, yeah, Romero, Masvidal, uh, Machida. Masvidal, the heat's picking up a yeah, little bit, but so much could happen. He's got a yeah. long queue. Uh, I don't know. It's like, do I need even to see the retirement? I don't know. You know, I, I just feel like, let's not even put it out there into the sure. atmosphere. This person asks, is it okay for me to get excited about Zabit? It is, right? Is it, is it okay for him to get Incredible. excited about He's Zabit? He's amazing. Yeah. They all said that he was going to be a future champ and uh, I have no reason not to believe them at this point. Not only is it a great team that he comes out of the the, the Mark Henry team, Cardo Almeida, but uh, he, I mean, he has been as good, if not better. Yeah, I think it's fair to say the hype is real. 100% real. On, on I want to see him fight, you know, uh, I don't want to see too fast of a push. I think first two fights, nice little push. So far, so good. What does a win over Aldo do for Holloway's legacy and what's left for Aldo if he does indeed lose? So last week we were talking about potential fighters of the year. I said that if Holloway is able to beat Aldo twice, I would probably have him as the front runner in my fighter of the year conversation. Um, Do you think that two wins over Aldo is a legacy builder? Do you think that that would be important for Max Holloway or is that just another win for him? Because he already did it once, does this second one signify anything is it is it that important for him or would it have been better um to have been Look, I'll, I'll, I'll say this two things about this fight first frankie edgar's got to be sweating because if aldo wins how's he going to get a third crack right how's aldo going to get a third crack yep that's one two um so okay so frankie and then and then I mean, like when you just compare the other fights that are on the card, like I don't feel the same about this fight as I do Gaethje. Hmm. I, I just, I don't know. I like this fight better than I like the Frankie fight. What? Why? I think it's a better fight. Really? I think Aldo is more dangerous. Really? I really believe that. It, it wasn't that long ago. We can, you know, flash back. Jose Aldo had Max Holloway in some a little bit of trouble in that first fight. Now, Holloway fought through it and, and was able to really uh, put Aldo away with, with you know, uh, an exclamation point. But Max was on shaky legs at some points in that fight. Um, Aldo, Aldo isn't, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm ready to, to close the coffin on Aldo. I, I think that guy is still dangerous. As, I just as, don't feel, I, I almost feel like it's a disservice to Max Holloway. I almost feel well, like. Well, that's another thing. Now it's Aldo getting another shot when th- that fight was was ended. That fight wasn't you know a decision that he took away. Um, but Holloway's game, he's giving him another shot, and and or last time it was him getting the shot, but he's giving Aldo an, another chance at, at a fight with him. And got to just tip your cap to Max Holloway, like that guy is um, amazing. Um, but I I like this fight. I, I think this is going to be a good fight. Now, you're not going to talk me off um, Gaethje and, and Alvarez as, as the w- fight I want to see the most here, but 
I I like the way Aldo and and Holloway kind of match up. Um, I just I I feel like I, I wanted to see Holloway fight someone fresh, someone new. Sure. Um, I don't know. I I, I just I, I feel like. It, it, uh, I, I, he deserved the chance to kind of cement his place to move on from that. It was such a long, drawn-out process to get that fight. I think he deserved the chance to to move on. It didn't work out, obviously, because of the injury. I'm just saying, I'm very excited to see Holloway win. Um, I think it's probably better for the UFC business-wise if Holloway wins. I think Aldo wins, and that creates a lot of problems, especially with Frankie Edgar. And the other matchups are fresh. And Ganu versus Overeem is fresh. You do, yeah, but if Aldo wins, you can do Holloway again. Now you do the rubber match. Oh, God. Um, really? Look, I, I I, think this is a good fight for Holloway's legacy. I think it'll. I think beating Jose Aldo twice will mean more when, when looking in hindsight. Now, that doesn't speak to what you want to see in this very moment um, because you may want a fresh matchup, and I, and I can't argue with anybody who says that. Um, but I think if you if you're building that career, you're building that legacy, you're building that resume. I think this will be significant if uh, uh, Holloway can get it done twice against Jose Aldo. Yeah, I, I you know I, I don't love immediate rematches, and I, no. and I know that Aldo's resume speaks for itself. I I know it. I, I do not forget. Trust me, I do not forget how good this man was. But I, I was just looking forward to a fresh matchup. Sure, doesn't make me think any. I'm super excited for two eighteen. But of all, if we're, if we're going to rank him, I'm not putting that one up there anymore just because I just saw it and I feel like he moved on and, from it. And not only that, but you had something else promised. It's not like yeah. there were as, as an option. It was Edgar Holloway. Um, speaking of you talking about Frankie sweating, if Max defends the title and Cub wins in Fresno, does that set up Cub to jump Frankie or does Frankie get it back? Like, What, what do you think uh, plays out um, if both Cub and Max are successful? Cub and Max. Yeah, that's a bit of a mess too. I think Frankie might still get it. Remember, Cub has uh, no fights left on his contract at that point, right? Or take his last fight on his deal. That's so right. That comes into play as well. This person is saying that they're going to their first live event on Saturday. UFC 218 will be their first live event. Uh, any tips or anything I should know beforehand? Do you have any event tips? I got nothing. Fans out there? I got nothing. Um, Get there early. This is my tip. Yeah. Get there early. Watch all oh, the fights. For the actual event. I thought for fight week. Mm-mm. This is just for the event. Oh, I would say yeah. get there early. Watch them all. Watch every fight. Embrace Don't be the them. person who shows up for the main card only. Um, and have a good time. Try not to get uh, try not to get too wasted so you can actually stay there and, and enjoy yourself. Um, and hopefully you're going with some friends because it's all about the company you keep. Uh, but UFC puts on a great show, uh, and I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, especially when they go to a place for the first time in a long time or for the first time, period. New arena, it's going to be a hot crowd, no doubt about it. Brian asked, do you believe that any of the announced fighters in the heavyweight tournament will actually make it to the end? After all the injuries, I predict the finale will be Rory McDonald versus Shane Carver. No, no. Uh, d- okay, d- how real, let's use this question as, as a, a, a diving board for, how real... Do you think the Rory McDonald Shane Carwin talk is? Uh, well, I know that Carwin reached out. I, there's no deal there, and I think the Rory talk is real. But I don't think that they're going to want to put him in that tournament. I mean, yeah, I don't really want to see Rory versus a heavyweight. By the way, the more heavyweights in that tournament, the better. So I'm all for Shane Carwin being mm-hmm. in that tournament, especially with the novelty factor. We haven't seen him in quite some time, so I would suggest trying to get him. People remember him; they know him from the Brock era. I'm all for it. 
but uh, there's no, there's really nothing to report right now as far as that is concerned. I reached out to Shane. He's a tough one to uh, to nail down. What are some matchups that we never got to see this year due to either falling off or never being booked? Is is well, Frankie, Aldo Frankie against? I mean, I'm Holloway. sorry, Holloway, Frankie, yours, Frankie, yeah. Holloway, Habib, Tony, Tony, Connor, um, Artem, Polly, <laughs> stop, um, Kane, Stipe. Yeah, I think for me it's it's Tony Habib. Um, I I love that fight. Okay, last one. Okay, Danny Segura. All right, my my client, Danny Segura. Oh yeah. From one to ten, how much do you guys miss me? Give give a number to how much you miss Danny Segura. He still works here. Oh. I mean, this is the longest vacation I've ever seen. Mm, I mean, what man. what kind of vacation is that? Was this? better than I could have hoped. Thank you for that. But I mean, really, talk about missed opportunities. We had three guys on the beat last week. I was gonna offer you the New York Rick spot because I thought he was on paternity leave. Would have been perfect. This is like the reverse uh, Lou Gehrig, right? <laughs> like when Wally Pip, you know, sat down and and. Uh, and Lou Gehrig stepped in. This is like the reverse of that. Just opportunities galore. Where's Lou Gehrig? Oh, yeah. He's uh, on a three-week vacation somewhere. <laughs> I think this analogy breaks down because Danny becomes Lou Gehrig now. <laughs> well, he um, could have been Lou Gehrig. That's the but, beauty. Uh, that is the beauty. I'll, I'll, I'll give it an 11. I miss you, Danny. Hmm. I, miss you, I miss you dearly. Um, mm. <laughs> that's, that's it for the questions for today. All right. Well, uh, what's this? Okay, there is uh, never a shortage of things to discuss, but alas, we have to say goodbye. Thank you very much, New York Rick. And again, congratulations to you and the family. Very happy for all of you. And uh, <coughs> excuse me, best to Mr. Jackman as well. All right, you can hear my music. We are done. Another fun day in the books. What a day it has been. So much going on, so much drama. We could do this show for four more hours and there'd be more drama, more things to discuss. But I have to say goodbye now. That's it. Of course, I have to also say thank you very much to our good friends over at Toyo Tires. Again, the next time you need tires, ask for Toyo. To experience more, visit toyotires.com backslash UFC. That's toyotires.com backslash UFC for more information on our good friends over at Toyo Tires. You see this gap right here? That's where Fedor Milenko used to stand, and he is no longer here. We have been robbed. A crime has been committed on the set <laughs> of the MMA Hour, and I am not happy about it. But we have to go. Uh, I'm going to Detroit on Thursday. I look forward to that. Looking forward to seeing everyone in Detroit Rock City. My Montreal Canadiens are playing the uh, Red Wings on Thursday night. That I'll be able to go. But uh, that, that excited me greatly when I saw that. I want to thank everyone who tuned in. I want to thank everyone who stopped by. Thank you very much to Emil Mech. Good luck with your visa issues. Like I said, I've been there, my man. I have been there, and it is not fun. Thank you very much to Matt Mitrione. Good luck to him. Glad he's a part of the tournament. Uh, sort of thank you very much to Tiffany Van Soost. Good luck to her on Friday, despite the fact that she stole a prized possession right underneath my nose. Thank you very much to Rory McDonald and his Bitcoin. Thank you very much to Paige Van Zandt and Jessica I. Thank you very much to Ben Askren, Eddie Alvarez, Best of luck to him, and thank you for that phenomenal interview. And, of course, congrats to Kelvin Gastelum as well. Back next week, same time and place. Until they say, peace, somebody out.